Friday, October the 1st, 2021. We are into October. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I love this month. Big fan of Halloween, but I love everything happening in this particular month and in this time of the year. So right now, we have... NFL, we're going to talk all about NFL Week 4, coming up, preview all of those NFL Week 4 games with Eric, and we really got into all the games in deep, and now, you know, three weeks in, going into the fourth weekend, we have a little more information about each of these teams now, so a little more to discuss each week, can't wait for that, we're going to have the NBA coming up, uh, preseason games starting soon, baseball, last few games of the season, then the playoffs will start next week, Santa Anita is opening up. We're going to talk all about that on this episode. That's what G said podcast. We've got Keeneland opening up next week. Big races at Belmont. Everything's like the last prep race before the Breeders' Cup and continuing on with everything happening in the world of Marvel. Star Wars stuff going to be coming up soon. This is a blast of a month. Didn't even mention college football continuing on each and every week. So we look forward to chatting with you about all of that stuff throughout the month of October. On this particular episode, that's what G said. We're going to get into Friday Racing Santa Anita. We'll dive into the full card for you for Friday. Then we're going to get into Saturday Racing Belmont. We'll hit a couple of those stakes races from Belmont. We'll talk about the stakes races over at Churchill. We get into the Saturday Santa Anita card. We're going to talk a lot about the Santa Anita Pick'em contest that they have going on over there at Santa Anita Free Contest that you can enter. And We'll give you more on that in just a minute. Then we go to NFL we go through every single game on the Sunday and Monday slate, preview, betting lines, totals, information leading up to the games, you know, reviews of stuff that happened last week. We really dive into everything. And then we get wrestling with Chad Cooper. I didn't even mention that when we talked about everything happened in October because we just get so used to wrestling never stopping and you're always going to hear recaps of everything happening on this podcast with Chad Cooper Extreme Rules. We hit WWE Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW, a little bit of what was going on on SmackDown, everything happening on all the major wrestling TV shows, all the major wrestling news. We get into it here. Unbiased opinions, good, bad, positive, negative. We're going to talk about all of it on this episode that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas, the website Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTVBets. This is a site that just wants to help you become a better gambler, wants to help you improve, wants to keep you entertained, and honestly wants to give you money, wants to help make it a little easier for you to succeed by kicking you a few bucks here and there when you're when you're doing well or, or just for following along. So at Better Than Vegas, there are videos from handicappers all around the world that post their selections uh, for all sorts of different games, all sorts of different sports. And these videos are free for everybody to watch. You can subscribe to different people's channels, see where they're playing throughout the days and throughout the weeks. And if you subscribe and create uh, a channel for yourself on there, which is totally free to do, all of the games that you post will be scored and tallied. And whoever ends up with the highest total at the end of the month gets $1,000 free doesn't cost you anything to enter and there are live streams all throughout the week before every football game on monday night football thursday night football and then on sunday there are football previews if you follow me on twitter it's me gino b or if you follow their twitter account at btv bets you will 
be alerted and you'll see a, a live video stream come up where we talk, you know, if it's an individual game, for example, about the Thursday night game tonight, we talked a little bit more about props and a lot of things that we would play more than just the total and the the sides of, of the Bengals-Jags game. And then on Sunday, we really have four different people going through all the games, like this one, don't like this, pass, this fantasy information, a lot of like what I what Eric and I do when we talk about all the football games every week here, which you're going to hear uh, in, in just a little bit more. So give them a follow at BTV Bets every night on Twitter. They'll send out tweets, and all you have to do is retweet the the post, share it around, and they will pick one of the people who does that, and they'll give them a wager. If the wager hits, you keep the money. And so if you love to play uh, any sports and you're always online, give them a follow, check out the notification, put the notifications on because one night it'll be you that's picked. You want to make sure all you have to do is retweet and follow along and you can win a couple hundred bucks for nothing. At BTV Bets, we're going to try to win $1,000 this weekend over at Santa Anita with the Santa Anita Pick'em. It is a sports betting challenge. So what you need to do for this, it's totally free to enter. Head to pick'em.santaanita.com and register. Free to enter. And once you create the entry, you're going to be picking throughout the list of props. And you just have to answer each of the questions. And they are things like, um, you know, pick the winner of this particular race at Santa Anita or uh, props on particular sports games that involve pro football, college football, even baseball. It's a mix and match type of thing. It's a lot of fun and it's totally free. They're going to be giving away $1,000 every Saturday and every Sunday. Go right now and register. They'll send you little uh, reminders so that way you can fill out your entries and that way you don't get locked out. It'll be every Saturday and every Sunday through the month of October. They're giving away 1000 bucks each time. You might as well do it. It's free. Any of these contests that are free, when they give away money, take a shot. Take a swing. Santa Anita. We're going to talk more about that Santa Anita Pick'em. Head to pick'em.santaanita.com. Complete the registration form, and you will pick the winners on the card from the available selections, and you will receive one point for each successful selection a lot of fun. You're going to be following along. You're going to have action all throughout the day, different sports, and a bunch of these really great races on opening weekend at Santa Anita. When we're handicapping those races from Santa Anita, you know where we go before we uh, we do the handicapping. We head to DRF.com. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse 
and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays, if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com friday is opening day at santa anita and there are some big contests all weekend long with stable duel so if you get to stableduel.com download the app totally free to download the app you can enter in some of these big money contests this weekend like on friday there are contests at Woodbine, Charlestown, Gulfstream, and Santa Anita, where my focus is going to be. There is a $100 contest, there's a $25 game, and there's a $500 double up. So games for bigger players, and the $25 game, that's going to end up be a, being a, a real nice pool. Then on Saturday, even bigger contest, you will have 30 thousand dollars in prizes this weekend at santa anita in the stable duel app via the stable duel contest get your entries in and play race win if you're someone who plays fantasy um, any kind of fantasy sports or daily fantasy the format for stable duel is very similar you build your lineup based on a salary cap so you can't pick the favorites or the most likely winners in every race you do have to you know Think outside the box. You have to try to pick some longer shots in order to make the lineup work. You have to take advantage of races where there may be a scratch or horses that may have a bad morning line. So Stable Duel will be posting some plays uh, for Stable Duel games, Santa Anita, and then Keeneland coming up. We'll head uh, back to some of these live streams that we were doing for a while where we can set you up for uh, you know big lineups or big contests coming up through over uh, each weekend. So Stable Duel Get those entries in and play race win as we head over to Santa Anita for Friday. And it is opening day. Let's turn to race number one. We'll uh, we'll fly through this full card and give you a, some quick thoughts on each race for Friday. And we'll be talking about every Santa Anita racing day um, right here on That's What G Said. Or if you follow me on social media, sometimes based on when we put the podcast out we may not be able to get sunday races on some of the shows so we'll actually record other videos possibly even live streams in the morning going over some of the sunday races so let's start with friday let's make some money right here on opening day 
and we kick things off with an optional claiming first level allowance for Calbreds going a mile on the turf course. There just doesn't look to be very much speed. You've heard me sing when this guy's run a few different times, wilder than most, who reminds me of uh, Gene Wilder and makes me want to sing you know, the Willy Wonka songs. He missed a break in his most recent start. He was four wide going into the turn. He he got all the way up to second to, to press, and the race wasn't bad. He just you know couldn't go on with it, and now he gets back to the turf where he was really good two starts back when he ended up breaking his maiden. He's a little low on speed figures, but he looks like the one to catch in here, and he has the inside draw. Flavian Pratt sticks. There's just not that much speed. Who Who is naturally quicker than him? I don't know. Furiano is going to be tough in here. He kind of got bumped around at the start. He settled sixth in his, his most recent race, which was a stakes race against Cal Reds. He was behind Jimmy Blue Jeans, who came out of that race to win an optional claiming first level allowance next out. And Furiano, he angled out at the top of the lane. It was a really nice effort. He has had three and a half months off now, but he likes his turf course. He's shown legitimate sprint speed. But he can pass horses. If you're talking early pick fives and stuff, he's not one that I'd want to leave out because he, he does have that versatility. And from a class standpoint, coming out of that stakes race last time out, he's been facing just as <clears throat> as good as any in here. The the six Viking plunder is just very logical. He's five straight really solid efforts. And it's just tough to no, it's tough to knock him. This is this is probably a little tougher group than you know some of the races and some of the the company that he was able to beat up on but not much pretty similar spot to, to his last uh where he was a runner-up item stacked 162 in race number one at Santa Anita as we move along to race number two we got maiden $32,000 claimers in here six furlongs on the main track the two eye candy randy I'm pretty con- pretty confident he's going to be showing that same speed again We've seen early speed from him in all three of his starts. He tried be the Del Mar Maiden 50 Calbred level last time out. And that's probably pretty comparable to this open Maiden 32. This is not a strong group at all. In fact, there's really only one horse in this field that's run a good race, and that's your my boy Cat. In his five starts, four of them he's hit the board. He's been the beaten favorite twice, so he's burned some money. But if you put a line through his race going long and you just key off his four sprint races, it you know, he he's run well in all of them. The problem is is that it we, I don't know if he's going to be better at six furlongs than he was going five and five and a half furlongs where he didn't seem to get better at the end of the races. It seemed like the distance was already kind of pushing it for him. So that's the concern with your my boy cat, why he doesn't feel like a horse that is just a real, real confident type exotic single. The the horse right to his outside, Town Boy, he's dropping in class. He showed speed on the turf versus better. He does have a winning dirt sib. He gets off the rail. He drops turf to dirt. He's not going to have to be much to be very competitive in this group. I'm not really a fan of Bright Leaf. He could win this race, but... They claimed him for 80. They took one shot against Maiden Special Weights and then they immediately drop in for 32. That's never a positive. And I, yeah, I'm usually against horses with, with those type of patterns that are at short prices. 
uh, give me the two eye candy Randy on top just with that speed. I think he may be able to clear the field from down on the inside and, and hopefully Town Boy just kind of sits off a little bit. So I stacked him two, four, five. Nothing real too crazy or, or outside the box here, but maybe we can get a eye candy Randy to uh, sneak away. We move to the third race, Maiden Specials, going five furlongs on the turf course here. The three Riviera champ is going to be my top selection. Mike McCarthy is so good second time out, just much better than he is with horses that are making their first start, first timers. And in his debut, Riviera champ, he broke, you know, out. He was in a kind of a tight spot when everybody went from the lead, he took back and he... He was back to eighth, and you know he got kind of squeezed back. He lost a little bit of ground. Once he angled into the clear and he got some room, he closed really well. And it w- he had a good start, but he, he sort of took back. Don't be surprised if he shows more tactical speed in this race. Thought Sumter was the one to beat in his turf race. It was it was really good. He was a second behind time to party who we're going to see in a stakes race a little a little later on. He's got the inside draw, so you have to imagine he sends in this in this spot. And it was you know he just he lost to the three to five favorite, but he did loom up at the top of the lane to challenge. He ends up winning the battle for second. The concern is that there is other speed in here. Trebbiano and Elevato both flash speed in uh, in their. Debut in their most recent races. The 10 fight on Ron. First time gelding. Tries the turf with uh, Pratt jumping aboard. Could get a nice setup too if they if they go quick enough. Let's say Trebbiano, Elevato, Sumter all end up flashing speed. And they get hooked up in a battle. That'll benefit a horse like fight on Ron. So I, I stacked them 3-2-10. Then Trebbiano is another one to use because Trebbiano's last effort was really good. He was asked for speed in between horses. He was second. He was right with the leader, and he put that one away at the top of the lane, and he really dug in and battled on well. He outfinished rival Rivera Champ. Now he's going to go second off the bench, second off the short break, second time turf, second time molehole. Lots of reasons to expect a little bit of improvement from, from Trebbiano. So yeah, three, two, ten, seven. I mean, if you want to go a little deeper or even under horses, Elevato has some speed, some turf pedigree. Picks up Joel. Two siblings tried turf, both one on it. Just a little worried about the pace shape, but if if Joel can just kind of get him to relax and sit off a little bit, sure, he could work out a nice trip. And the first timer Hannigan, the dam won uh, the second start, which was the first time on the turf, and then was second in a turf stakes, was one for three on the grass, and then was pulled up in one of them. Two siblings have tried the turf, both placed on it. Wouldn't be shocked to see Hannigan show up with a good effort here. That's in race number three at Santa Anita. As we move along to race number four at Santa Anita, the four horse, it's that time. I feel like he's going to fall into a really nice trip in here. So it looks like Butter Noodles is going to be a pace factor. I'd imagine Platinum Equity is going to be a pace factor. And PR Radio Star, they were all flashing speed in that August 21st 
or they've all flashed speed. PR Radio Star, Butter Noodles, and Smile for Me all were lining up in that August 21st race going six and a half. This is going seven. They're probably going to be forwardly placed in here again. You add Platinum Equity to the mix. To me, that leaves California Street and it's that time as horses who should really benefit from the way this race shapes up with a lot of speed in here. It's that time really seems to like Santa Anita. All three of his wins have been at Santa Anita. He sat just off the leader in the two-path going a mile, moved to the lead, tried hard all the way. Now you get the slight turn back to seven. He's not nearly as fast as some of the others, which will benefit him in this spot because he's going to end up coming from off of it a little bit. California Street is the one to beat. Doug O'Neill does so well with horses like this that he claims, horses that have some back class that drop in, and he claims them. It's like you're playing Moneyball. You hope that you can you know, find some of that old success and it doesn't cost you a whole lot to do that. Second off the short break, seven furlongs though from the rail is a little bit of a concern, but the way this race shapes up, if if he just takes back and everybody else inside of him or everybody else to the outside of him is you know, a few lengths in front, it's not like he's going to get shuffled. He'll be able to just take back and settle and, and make one run all the way around. Four, one, the three... Smile for me, he's proven he can sit a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked to see him kind of work out an okay trip, having a little bit of that that positional speed. In the fifth race, it's the speakeasy. Five furlongs on the turf course. I thought the three and Mur Hall was really interesting. Just looking at this race with a lot of speed again, this is a two-year-old who has proven that he can pass. He's proven on the grass. He had a fine start. He took back when a couple others wanted the lead. He was just a couple off on the inside, though, about two lengths off. Always traveling well. Angled around Trebbiano, and we'll see Trebbiano a little earlier. So if that one wins, you want to upgrade Amor Hall even more. The you know time to party is drawn well with his speed to the outside. You know to know how fast they have to go. One timer is obviously very talented. Forbidden Kingdom's very talented. But I think Amber Hall gets the trip in race number five. We move along to the sixth. It's the grade two chandelier. Grace Adler was really impressive last time out. And again, she should probably get a nice trip. But why can't Desert Dawn compete? On a pure numbers and figures standpoint, what she did was not much less than what Grace Adler did. And Desert Dawn did it going a mile. She is the only one in this race who has a win going long. Censorship was second in that race behind Desert Dawn. Desert Dawn. Censorship had a a brutal start. What makes what makes it tough for me to use the the horses down towards the inside? Like I like Ain't Easy. I think I think she's very nice. But going from five and a half to a mile of sixteenth without a, a any progression in there, that's not. That's not easy. I mean, she drew off, made it look like distance would be no problem. Horse that she beat came back to win a maiden special weight next out. So she would be fine. I'm I'm kind of against electric ride. I feel like with dance to the music, ain't no ain't, ain't easy isn't gonna be too far out of it, and you're gonna have Elm Drive also flashing a little bit of speed. So we'll see uh if Electric Ride, you know, gets caught up in it going from Six furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth. The Ashtack to Desert Dawn. Five, two, four. 
is how I have them stacked. And then even the seven uh, censorship, I'd be willing to use in in some spots. No knocks on electric ride, just can't play all the logicals in in every spot. As we move to the grade two, Eddie D, they're coming back down the hill. Many people are excited about that Uh, downhill turf course back in effect as uh, the four, Charmaine's Mia. I feel like Charmaine's Mia could get a really, really good trip in here. So she is going to go second start off the short break. She's going to cut back. She can come from off the pace a little bit. She ran into a filly named Princess Grace, who is six for seven and just really, really nice. She'd won three in a row, Charmaine's Mia, and then she took a shot in the game league going a little bit farther than she wanted. She came back in the yellow ribbon and she. It was, again, a a tough spot. It was actually probably tougher than that grade one gamely because Maxim Rate and Bodhisattva were third and fourth, and we saw Maxim Rate winning the gamely. Charmaine's Mia makes a a, a ton of sense in here to me. I'm going to have her, and I will play her to win if she's anything around five to one. The seven, Lieutenant Dan. You know, there's not that much speed for this kind of a race. Whisper not. Wouldn't be shocked to see this one perform very well in here just so many ways to go snapper sinclair the two caribou club does have success over this course what's wrong with gregorian chant or you know uh, many in this one but charmaine's mia for me and i'll build a lot of tickets around charmaine's mia we'll play her to win if she's anything in the five to one range as we move to the american pharaoh the eighth race the grade one and oviate class i was so impressed with the way he won when he stretched out to a, a mile on the main track. And Corniche was awesome. But Corniche is going to have to deal with Joker Boy and Rockefeller and Papa Cap. And probably Flying Drummer. All who want to be forwardly placed. And I know there's a couple of them that are Bafferts. And, but you have to imagine these horses are going to... They, they don't usually completely take back off each other in a spot like this. So I'd be... I think they're going to do what's best for them, and that's probably all be forwardly placed in here. I don't think they battle each other into submission, but they're just going to end up softening each other up. I, I put the four Oviate class on top. I thought the six Rockefeller was a step slow and took about a quarter mile to get to the lead from the inside. A bit green and kind of jumpy late, but, but pretty solid overall. And then the two flying drummer had to work for you know, for the lead a little bit and was pressured throughout, then got a challenge and put that one away. You know, I thought he ran pretty well even finishing second as the beaten favorite. So I stacked him four, six, two, one, depending on how deep you want to go in exotics in that eighth race. In the ninth, Cal Red Maiden Special Weights going six furlongs on the turf course. The one Piazzetta, I think it's going to flash some speed from the inside and will be really competitive in here. The four Chow Mar from the complete opposite end of the spectrum. They're going to add the blinkers because this filly is a stone-cold closer. She's had some problems at the start, but she will come running late. She just needs some help up front. Others to include, Va Va Voom is probably the one they'll all have to beat in here. And, you know, Big Summer, those those are the two. Va Va Voom probably shows a little more speed, and Big Summer maybe just sits a, a, off a, a tad. Nothing really wrong with Grazing in Salettos, who's going to try the turf for the first time. Damn, one on the grass. Oh, Sugar Mint is also one who uh, I wouldn't be shocked to, to see show up with a good effort. And then you got self-isolation coming off the long layoff to the outside in a fun ninth race to close out the opening day card. Best of luck 
at Santa Anita on Friday. Remember to, to keep checking in on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. We will be posting selections, updated information, all sorts of stuff throughout the Santa Anita meet. And don't forget, Saturday, those Santa Anita Pick'em Contest. You can enter and play and uh, just follow along uh, on social media. I will continue to post all about those and uh, put the links out there for you to join. If you ever need any help in the world of real estate, you have to head to cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. She can help you out in many different ways, buying, selling, leasing. She can help you with home improvement, like connecting you with the right type of vendors that can help uh, gardeners, landscapers, painters, people that she's used in her own homes. She can connect you with lenders that can help get you pre-approved for a home loan, Maybe you just want to find out where your home stacks up. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can check out listings of her, uh, Yelp and Zillow, but the website cindycarava.com will have all of her information there, cindycarava.com. We head to Belmont Park for Saturday. A couple races to look at. There's a chalky uh, stakes race, so we're looking at October the 2nd. Nothing that I really love here that much, to be honest. Um as far as prices are concerned and the Miss Grillo it looks like it's really chalky the 6th McCulloch is going to be so tough to beat we've already seen three next out maiden special weight winners come out of the race that she won so she won impressively and the field that she beat has come back and all been very good not a real play in that uh, chalky stakes we move to the 8th and again it's going to be a situation where it's like Wit I like Wit Wit, Mr. Prankster, Jack Christopher aren't going to exactly be bettable. If for some reason Wit floats up and the other two horses get hammered and you get, you know, five to two, then sure, Wit had a brutal start. Was 10th, was about six, seven lengths off, moved in between horses. The two path was uh, inside, was solid, uh, moving up the uh, into contention. And Gunite had just opened up. He ran really big that day. Wit has a lot of ability. Just had a trouble trip. Tons of respect for my prankster, Jack Christopher, Gunite, but maybe they get caught up in a pace battle and Wit ends up sitting the, the trip from the rail. The Belmont Turf Sprint Invitational is the ninth race. There is very little speed for this type of a race. And so I'm just looking for the most tactical horses who seem like they generally sit close. And to me, that's the three and the seven. Arrest Me Red, second time for Ward, has always been within a few lengths. Three for three sprinting on the turf. Put a line through the dirt race. Put a line through the race going long in the bourbon. And he should just be in striking range throughout. The one Piatti, uh, P.D. Bianchi, because there's no speed in here, she's a bit intriguing as just a long shot to maybe throw in a couple spots because if she's able to clear from the inside, she might be tough to run down. The seven pulsate, three and seven are my you know my, my top selections and the the key horses to this race because I just feel like they're going to end up sitting the the really nice trips and I like the nine in this spot I just don't like the way the pace shapes up for chewing gum because he's he's a really deep closer that needs some help up front. We get to the Woodward, just a short field, but uh, you can really make a case for uh, for probably the five five of the six in here as Art Collector is probably the one to catch. 
I mean, Mogacha is quick, so maybe Mogacha goes. Maybe Art Collector sits second. Forza Dioro sits third. I feel like Code of Honor is the class of this field. I feel like his A game, his best is the best. And he comes into this race off of a nice prep to set him up. He's run some of his biggest races at Belmont. This is a trip that he hasn't had success at, but he just feels like it should be perfect for him. Code of Honor. Let's see if he can fire another big one today in here. But I mean, you can make cases for many. Dr. Post is a little quirky. Maxfield is so honest. He adds the blinks. And we'll see what the pace shape is here because Art Collector, Forza Oro, both Bill Mott horses, can't imagine they're battling each other early on. Code of Honor for me in the Woodward at Belmont on Saturday. Good luck in that October 2nd Saturday Belmont card as we head from Saturday Belmont to Saturday Churchill Downs. couple plays for you over at Churchill. Let's flip to race number 7. We're going to look at races 7, 8, 9, and 10 for Churchill Downs for Saturday, October the 2nd. So get those past performances out. We got a maiden special weight worth $120,000. Uh, the one-turn mile. The 8 Mahoney Road was, I thought, pretty good in the debut race. Showed some speed inside. Was right up with the leaders. Was kind of tucked in nicely behind. And then was in tight and got squeezed back a little bit. And it's just hard to come on again when that happens. The dam won the... The dam did the best work on the turf, but she was actually stakes placed on the main track. Mahoney Road, who's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, anything around 6-1 to 1 makes sense. Trafalgar is the horse to beat, no doubt, so I'll use uh, 8 and 11 in all exotics. The 8th race, Nick's go is 2-5 to 5 on the morning line in the Lucas Classic, and there just doesn't look like there's anyone in here quick enough to push Nick's go. If for some reason he doesn't show up with his A game, maybe Sprawl tries really hard and gets aggressive. Independence Hall, to me, would be the horse to play at anything in the 5 or 6 to 1 range. A mile and a quarter is too far for him. You can excuse it. His best races, he can show up with big efforts. And those are the type of horses who can upset heavy favorites like this. Because if Nick's go gets softened up, Independence Hall, on his best day, can jump up and win a race like this. He's just... Not all that consistent, but, you know, it's not really that he's not consistent. You just can kind of make some excuses for some of the races he doesn't run all that great. Independence Hall. We'll hook him up with Nick's Go if you're trying to beat Nick's Go. Or, to me, this is more of a race that I probably just won't even play. But if you're looking for some value, maybe it's Independence Hall. The ninth race, Himiko is really talented and I think will enjoy getting back to a, a sprint. Tossed the last two, tried stakes company going longer. Now you get back to seven furlongs where this filly has done some good work before. You see, she was behind CC also. She was only four to one in the La Brea coming off of a couple of really nice sprint victories. Himiko, if she's anything close to three to one, will make a win wager on the eight Himiko in race number nine at Churchill. In the 10th, it's the grade three Ak Ak. They'll go the one turn mile in there. I thought the 9 South Bend who gets back to the dirt he's he's just a little better on the dirt look at his last two starts on the turf and then when he was on the dirt in the Foster he's behind Maxfield he's behind the really sharp Mighty Heart prior to that he's beating Empty Tomb and Mighty Heart I mean Bo Liam 
his upside is is immense, right? If he shows up with his best effort, they're all probably running for second. But he's going to have to go a mile for the first time. There looks like there's other speed in here. This is a big field. There's a horse like Rushy right next door who's got a little bit of class and has been in some tough spots. I stacked him 9, 6, 10, and 11 in here with Aloha West, a very logical horse who's just improving and could sit a nice trip. 9, 6, 10, 11 for me in the 10th race at Churchill on Saturday, the grade 3 ACAC. Good luck at Churchill on Saturday as we head over to Santa Anita for Saturday. Big weekend at Santa Anita. Lots of stakes races on Saturday and that contest. Totally free to enter the sports betting challenge that combines different sports, prop wagers, and horse racing. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com Complete that registration form. It is free to enter with $1,000 in prizes every Saturday and Sunday. Or you can just uh, head to my Twitter and uh, follow the link that I post there. You can get right into this contest. Let's jump into some of the races for Santa Anita for Saturday. The third race on October the 2nd is a is Chakes, uh, stakes race, and it's going to be likely a chalky result. Mo Forza hit the road and smooth like straight are very, very nice. And I hope they f- they just get aggressive with smooth like straight. When he tries to sit, 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 he has a hard time holding off some of the deeper, really nice closers. If he can open things up and get loose and clear by a length, that's going to make his life a lot easier trying to hold off a horse like Mo Forza. So let's hope Rispoli gets a little aggressive with Smooth Like Straight in the third. We move to race number five, six and a half down the hill. Not a ton of speed in in this kind of a race. The three Fratelli could be the one to catch, and Mike Maker is so good with horses like this. First start off the claim, finding turf spots for them. The seven Crew Dragon with the blinkers off, I really feel like is going to enjoy the six and a half. A little bit of tactical speed routing and will come rolling late with a big late punch I'm using 3 and 7 in a lot of rolling exotics there in race number 5 we move to the 8th race and we'll hit on a couple stakes races as the 8th is the Santa Anita Sprint Championship there isn't a lot of pace in here for a sprint graded stakes race like this If the two vertical threat can clear Colt Fiction or vertical threat can let Colt Fiction go and sit right off, I think this two horse has a big shot. So on July the 31st, he was in the Bing Crosby. He was only 6-1. to He hadn't raced since November the 20th, uh, since November of 2020. And this was July. He had to need that race. He was a step slow, he moved through, but there were four others to his outside that were forwardly placed. He kind of got shuffled inside, and he just couldn't come on again. And he got tired. Then he just won at Charlestown. And he can go longer. If he gets the lead, or if he's sitting really close and they're not going that fast, he's going to be tough to pass. Vertical threat, the number two. I feel like Flagstaff is probably the one to beat in here. CZ Rocket will also come running. You, you sort of know what you're going to get from him, but maybe Flagstaff has a little bit more positional speed. 
And then Dr. Chevelle, who was so good last time out, but he got a perfect trip, and now the rail's a little bit of a concern. The ninth race, I'm kind of chalky in here. I just, I think the four going to Vegas is going to be loose on the lead. If Dog Tag gets aggressive, I mean, who who else is even going to be close to pushing going to Vegas? So we'll use going to Vegas, probably single in a lot of exotics, and then on another ticket, we use along with the two fast jet courts, second time US, the three Niji Blanche, who I like quite a bit, but I just, I'm worried that she maybe isn't going to get the kind of pace that she needs. And uh, the eight, Luck, who was super impressive first time in North America, and it's hard to really knock her at all. That is the grade one, Rodeo Drive. As we move along to the 10th race, a really good edition of the Grade 1 Awesome. Again, you can make a case for every horse in this race. Tis a Magician, Midcourt, Express, Train. I mean, uh, probably not every horse in this race, right? Trippy, uh, Tripoli, Idol, and Medina Spirit. I think Azul Coast and Stiletto Boy would probably be up against it a little bit. And I'm against Medina Spirit stepping up and facing older. I'm looking at Express Train, who was in tight in some early traffic, really lathered up and never, just never seemed comfortable last time out and putting a line right through it. I think he, he's not quite as good at the mile and a quarter, so I like this spot on the turn back to the mile and the eighth. And, and then Tripoli, who's been just so good in his recent races on the dirt, it's just hard to knock what he's been doing. So I'll use three and seven in the awesome again in all exotics. As we move to the John Henry Turf Championship, and United probably the one to beat in here, but Red King comes off of a, a race where he wasn't that far behind United, and Red King had a good start. He was taken back on the inside about six, seventh, five lengths off or so. He was saving ground. He was traveling really well. And he was up to just about two lengths out, but he had nowhere to go. He got shuffled back inside. He won't, he was waiting. He just was completely blocked. No room whatsoever. As soon as he was able to alter course, he was running. He just had no real shot and no real room. Red King is 15 to 1 on the morning line. If he's anything around 6 to 1, that feels fair. And this is opening weekend at Santa Anita. That is Santa Anita Saturday for you. Make sure to give us a follow on social media. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter, and we'll be posting some stuff for Santa Anita Sunday. Now we will head into NFL and our NFL previews with Eric Etoff, 2 1 Sports, hanging out with us, talking every NFL game. Uh, before we do, I want to let you know a little bit about SarahCandles.com, C E R A, candles.com, all natural soy wax candles, free from toxins, free from carcinogens, free from pollutants that are found in a lot of the other leading brands any scent imaginable for all different seasons, three different sizes, check out sarahcandles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O to get you 10% off your purchase. A week four NFL game-by-game preview unlike any other. We deep dive them all. Eric joins me, kick back, as we talk totals, sides, props, news, recaps, everything happening in all of the Sunday and Monday football games for week four. 
the nfl week four here on that's what g said with eric the tradition of uh recording as we watch uh, in the background thursday night football so far it is halftime as the jags up 14 nothing on the Bengals. they had actually an opportunity to get up 21 nothing at the end of the half they went for it we'll talk to eric a little bit about it so Eric, in that particular call right there, I'm not sure if you watched it, but I'll I'll explain it for everybody just in case. As uh, and then we're gonna get into week uh, week four, everything happening on Sunday. I I always almost always like going for it in fourth and short situations, like fourth and less than five when you're on the opponents, you know, on the other side of the opponent's field. I'm almost always like going for it. The only weird thing about that particular uh, call right there was it's fourteen nothing. The Jags. Are up two scores and there's only 50 seconds left to go and they didn't have timeouts left So it wasn't like if you don't get it you're not going to really be pinning cincinnati and it's not going to impact them Throughout the game right because you're just going to run it right out into the half anyways So that was a weird one because I like to go for it I like the aggressive call but if you take the three you go up 17 now you're actually up three scores and it it doesn't really impact the Bengals because they were going to probably just run the run the clock out anyways before the half. That was the time that I probably wouldn't have gone for it. Actually, I look at it like you're a, a seven and a half point dog on the road. You have a just a crappy team. team. Just go screw I, it. Yeah, I mean, I I flash back to when and like if you have twenty one to nothing in that situation, game's over. Like, oh yeah, you know you're own. What are you? What are they own two? Own three? Roll the dice. You got to go for it. I'm flashing back to when it when the um when the Texans they had a chance to get up. What was it? Twenty four nothing on the um KC uh KC in the playoff, playoff game. Yep. And they yep. get the, like if you're you're a big underdog on the road, you have a chance to step on someone's throat. And it's not like now. Granted, like I was coaching, I didn't like see like most of the first half. I was listening to it on the radio when I was driving back. No, they moved, they moved the ball they well though. They, the they did, so and they I were running like, the ball, picking up a yard, and 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 to be honest. They were they were moving it. That's that's why I actually thought it was it was a, a good conversation to to have because I'm like I said I would ninety nine percent of the, the only time that I don't I wouldn't would be at the end of the half when it might because I like the idea of hey you don't get it they're pinned anyways so they're going to be in a really bad spot field position wise and you're going to get probably the benefit of the doubt come field position here I don't know if if it. That's just me. That's what's what's cool about this conversation because I probably would never ever kick and in, in fourth and you know uh, less than the three to goal ever. But it, I, I kind of wondered. I wonder if it'll come. It'll come back to bite them or not. Because like you were saying right before we started talking, how are the Jags going to screw this one up? I mean, so. like I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like I I have the Jags plus seven and a half. I have them on the money line too. So <laughs> you I wouldn't mean, have minded an extra three there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like. But it, you know, they should no, have won. They I, have covered last week. You know, it's no, you're right. Play I saw, it and you know, you. Ro- I have no problem. Like I would have done the same thing if I was Meyer. Mm-hmm. I would have done it. Like I mean, and all of it's kind of it, situational. Like yeah, it is too. You're, you're a bad team, right? If you're if you're a better team in a game that you think is going to be a little close, like you said, who who cares right now with the Jags? Nobody. You're you're a seven point dog in this game too. You're not. You know, it doesn't. It's not like you you're trying to get back into the division race or this is a very important game for you. It's just go for it. And, and uh, also, like, we need to remember, like, all these stories are coming out that um, he's losing the locker room. I mean, like, by going for it, you're kind of like showing your guys, confidence. Hey, I believe that you guys can do this. Absolutely. So, I mean, I have 
I have no problem with him going for it. If it cost yeah. me the bet, it I'll wasn't probably. It's definitely not him. something that is like bothers the hell out of me, or I would think is a bad move at all. Because I think most people probably would go for it, especially like you're like you're saying in that case. It's just something I thought of after. Hmm, it'd be nice to go from fourteen to seventeen too, because now you're into the three score. Territory, you know, two touchdowns, two twos. You're still now you're up three, and I want and just knowing that, and I, I think I was thinking about it because I played the Jags last week, and because I was played just like you, I had them um, to cover. I had a little bit of sprinkled money line in a couple different spots, so I was watching that game with horror and with terror as uh, uh they just completely spit that one out. We'll talk about that in a minute, and we're gonna talk about everything going on. In NFL week four man we're rolling along here all the way up to week four right now and what's great about football Eric is the the parody you know we love basketball you were on this show talking about basketball every single week discussing what was happening but generally in basketball with five players on the court there's a little bit less parody. And, you know, this year, actually, because of all the COVID stuff and injuries and there was a little more parody than than we expected but football. The eight division winners from 2020, they're 12 and 12 through three weeks to start. They just, that's the way the schedules even, you know, the way the schedules are, they, they, they make it a little bit more of an even playing field. We had a crazy week three, four game winning field goals, the longest field goal ever, 66 yards. And we're going to talk about that with your poor Lions. The tied for the longest play ever in NFL history, 109 yard return on a missed field goal that. Is like we build that into every game we play against Arizona because it's Cliff Kingsbury and we kind of assume him to do silly, silly things that might end up hurting them. Um, definitely some of the things from last week. And then the uh, we're seeing Trevor Lawrence on Thursday night look pretty good. But these poor rookie quarterbacks have not looked very good so far. Zach Wilson, 0-3. Trevor Lawrence, 0-3 through three weeks. Mac Jones, 1-2. Justin Fields, 0-1. Davis Mills, 0-1 in his start. And Mac Jones, one and his win was against another rookie, Zach Wilson. Yeah. He, somebody had somebody had to win that game. Yeah, in, someone had to win. <laughs> in, in, in week three, Wilson, Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, they lost by 12, 15, 20, and 26. And they combined for four touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and 19 sacks. Just wow. Brutal last week for the Rooks, but you know what? Already in week three, in week four, like we we said, we're first through the first half. Trevor Lawrence has looked a lot better, and um, I gotta say, just talking about you know thinking about what some of the preseason predictions that we had and some of the teams that we were high on before so far through uh, just a few weeks. Again, things can change, injuries, all sorts of different stuff. But I feel pretty good about a lot of our preseason predictions and the previews that we did. A lot of um, in particular, the team's fantasy gets a little wonky because injuries can can dramatically change things. But as far as like the teams that we were pretty high on and teams that we didn't really love, I feel pretty good about where we stood. Yeah, I mean, you know, stuff. I mean, obviously, I was wrong about the Panthers, but, you know, I mean, that's, well, that was that's, and for me. It was that's like that's the, a schedule that's thing. The only one I'm, that's the only one I, I feel like. I'm and it was a, it's, it, it's not even for me, like with with the Panthers and the Broncos, too, for both of them that I like a lot of it was their schedule. A lot of it was looking at the schedule and just thinking, you know what, they're going to be a little bit improved and they're going to be pretty, probably two and one. And if they get lucky in that Saints game, maybe three, and oh, and that's where they stand right now with an opportunity to, you know, play a Dallas team and, and go to, to four. No. So that'll be a, a game we discuss in just a few. But um, your poor Lions, this was uh, something that I, I, 
I've seen. So the Lions, we're going to talk about Mount first in the in, in week four here. They lost last week. They come back from was it down 14 or 17? 14. Yeah. 14. And they come back, they take the lead. And it's a 66 yard field goal by Justin Tucker to win the game that bounces off the crossbar and goes through. The play before that should have been a penalty because the the clock, the play clock ran dead for like two seconds. It wasn't even close. It was it wasn't even like, oh, it maybe was close. It was it was sitting on zero for a while. So that would have made it a 71 yard field goal, which there's no way he would have hit because he he needed the ball to every every bit of the 66 for it to get there. There have been six game winning 60 plus yard field goals in NFL history. Three of them have happened against the Lions. It's just, just <laughs> the curse we have, man. You know what I mean? It's just 50% half of them. Just the curse. The joys of being a Lions fan is that right there, my man. Like, I just, it's just, I mean, regardless, okay, A, like, the Lions fan is upset with me because it seems like every single year there's, like, something, like, weird that comes up that's not called. Have it be the Monday night game years ago when Mm -hmm. Wagner poked, no, not Wagner, whoever it was from Seattle poked the ball out of bounds. You know, the playoff game against Dallas when pass interference was called. And then the flag was picked up, you know, just was it last year, Green Bay, there was one on on was it Monday Night Football? And then there was the stuff against the Chiefs down there at the goal line. There were a couple of these wonky, weird plays where stuff happened. It's like, what? It's just like and okay, fine. Like I looked at the play and a it was definitely delay of game. The left guard moved. And I'll be honest, like. Where is there a wide receiver when Lamar Jackson threw it out of bounds? I mean, they could even call it intentional grounding. So, mm-hmm. but end of the day, like you cannot give up a first down and fourth and sixteen in that situation. The play no. before to a passer I mean, like, that's not a great. It's when Mahomes makes that kind of a play, and you've played great defense, and you can just kind of applaud and say, "Okay, what do we do? What do we do?" You know, it, that's Michael Jordan making a play, but that's not the case here. You know, it's like this is someone who has is not a very good pinpoint passer. He's fine. He'll have good moments and bad. Then he'll sail a lot. And it, it was it was disappointing because there were a couple plays earlier too in the game where where you were just like, what? There was a big third down that they scored the touchdown on that they just completely blew the coverage on that one too. It was like, what? Um, all that being said, this team has been competitive in all three games. Your Lions, it, it could be for an 0-3 team, it could look a lot worse. In fact, we've seen 0-3 teams look a lot worse. See the Jags, see the Jets, see the Colts, see the Giants. All of them have looked much worse on in their games, in the film. And when you look back then you know, and dig into the box scores, then the Lions have. And they came back against the 49ers late with an opportunity to you know try to tie that game. They were up at half against the Packers when the the rain really hit, and we all know Goff isn't quite as good when it starts to rain. Ball slips out of his hands; he doesn't get a good feel for it. And you 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 needed a 66 yard field goal to lose that game, the longest field goal in NFL history. This is a team that's covered in two of three games so far. The D line played pretty well. 16 pressures. 
um, between a couple of defensive linemen. The running backs are good out of the backfield. Got to run the ball a little bit better. Goff didn't have any big big time throws, but no turnover worthy throws. As a Lions fan, now more than a, a gambler and people who are invested in that game, where do you feel kind of versus where you thought you would have been three weeks ago? I mean, we're competing. I like. I knew this was going to be a long season. Like we're competing. We still stink on the defense. I am pleasantly. Anthony Lynn is doing a better job than I thought he would. He would do. Um, but it's just still like you know we have no playmakers on the outside. We have Hawkinson. We have Swift. Jamal Williams has been good, and I just don't feel golf's a guy. Like I just feel like you know, we're just kind of an entertaining team that isn't going anywhere, to be honest, Mm -hmm. which is, it is what it is. I mean, at least when Stafford was there, I always felt like, hey, we always had a chance at something. Now I'm just kind of like, hey, you know what? Maybe we're a fun, (laughs) fun, good, bad team that can cover, you know, cover late. And uh, you'll have an opportunity to to do so because we have to talk about this Bears team that the Lions are going to be playing. The Bears are a three-point favorite at home uh, against the Lions. So Lions at the Bears over under in this game of 42, 42 and a half in that range. So the Bears, what they did last week against the Browns, what we saw from Justin Fields, but more what we saw from Matt Nagy, and you and I discussed this throughout the week. It was in reading like football outsiders and pro football focus and a a lot of the other websites that I look into a lot of analytics stuff and DF uh, DVOA and and how they grade uh, plays and stuff. They all were just flabbergasted. They could not believe the approach and the game plan that Matt Nagy had out there. And I I wrote down this quote just because it was, it it was unbelievable to, to, to hear and to kind of see written out. So it says quote, Fields wasn't even as effective as as effective as those putrid numbers would suggest. His throws over the middle arrived late to blanketed receivers. Throws to the sidelines sailed on him. He held the ball too long, appeared to have no faith in his reads. Exacerbated sacks by trying to escape out of the back of the pocket, resulting in additional loss yardage. Worst of all, he didn't look all that quick-footed, getting chased down from behind while scrambling and sliding awkwardly at the end of runs. His best play of the day was an interception that got nullified by (laughs) P.I. He even bounced a ball off of his left tackle, Jason Peters, back. Nagy set him up to fail. Zero designed runs, no end-around screens or easy completions. I agree 100%. I mean, like, and here's the thing, like, and I asked the guy, like, I still talk to him. I, you know who the guy is I'm referring to. He used to live in my neighborhood, and he played for the Bears. And, I mean, the stories this guy tells me are just horrifying about what type of Coach Nagy is, like, in, in, in the room and everything. And I always thought he was bad, but last Sunday – He's worse than I thought he is. Me too. Like, he is truly clueless. I thought he was bad. I thought he should have been let go a while ago. But he's just Be- truthfully clueless. And what it upsets me as a coach, I'm sorry, because like no. case in point, like um beginning of the summer, I started coaching this twelve year old girl and like I'm making plans for when she like moves up in an age group. I have all these plans going on in my head and I'm only coaching like a young girl trying to get her to that next level in her development because she wants to play in college. This guy is supposed to be a coach at the top tier of football and he's going out there with that. You got to give your team an opera, a, a, a position to succeed. And he one, gave nothing. One of two things happened and, and either doesn't mean he should be, co- be the head coach or even a, an honest coach in an in NFL. 
He's either A, so incompetent that he did not realize that you need to make sure you have a different game plan for Justin Fields than you would for Andy Dalton. You cannot have this guy try to just drop back against a good defensive front where you've got Miles Garrett, one of the top three to five defensive players in the league and definitely defensive linemen. You got Clowney and a a good Cleveland defense there. You cannot just... Take this young guy and have him drop back and think it's going to work. So one, he's either stupid and an incompetent coach, which if this as bad as this was, there's no room for him as a head coach anymore. Or two, he knew what he was doing. And then he sabotaged his own team and his own player and could have gotten this guy hurt. And in either one of those isn't there's no room for that. You you can't be this bad, Eric. He, they had Man. one passing yard. One and, passing yeah. yard. I mean, it's just, and I think it's just that bad because I sent you the tweet. Like you can see Foles clear as day. Look at at uh, what's his Dalton, name, Dalton, Dalton. And, and just say this offense isn't working. <laughs> he says you know what this I mean? like, offense isn't working. <laughs> I mean, but like that's the thing. Like Nagy was supposed to be this great guy and you know this offensive genius. Let's be honest, like. What like he really hasn't like he what, what was Trubisky's second pick? Trubisky was second pick. He really didn't do anything for his development. And now you got Justin Fields, who when he came out of college, he was excuse me high school, he was rated higher than Trevor Lawrence. This guy was supposed to be the it football player instead of Lawrence. But Lawrence went to Clemson, and where Fields go? Georgia. Fields would have went somewhere else. Who knows? Fields may have been bigger than Lawrence coming out, and you know it's just. Nagy just that's two young quarterback Nagy showing zero ability to develop and take to that next level this was honestly this was as bad of a game as you could ever imagine seeing in the NFL really and and I'm and, you know if we sound like it like we're whoa it was it that bad it was if you didn't see this game you don't want to watch it but when you watch it back it's he was fields was awful but you felt bad for him you felt bad for him as well as like, oh, you know, he's he probably isn't ready, but he he could have been so much better prepared to move the ball, to get to get a little bit of movement, to have some positive plays. He ends up going six for 20 for 68 yards passing, but because of the nine sacks, they end up losing 67 yards and he end up they end up with one total passing yard. They had 47 total yards. They allowed a pressure rate on 54%. Can you think, can you imagine that more than half of the times you drop back, there's pressure. But I mean, like, here's the thing. They're playing a wolf defense. And for those who don't know, wolf blitzes a lot. of This isn't like a thing where Cleveland, the defensive player for Cleveland wolf is just like, Hey, young quarterback, that's blitz. That's blitz. This is what Cleveland does. You know what I mean? So you should see this in the film. Should Know that and should, Hey, Let's keep a running back black back to, to, to Chip Garrett or whoever. Let's roll them out. Let's do an RPO. Let's do a screen. Let's have a hot route where Garrett's coming from the outside. We run Montgomery at him like we're going to block him. He fakes the block. Garrett goes by. We just dump into him. No, like, like just nothing. Just absolutely nothing. And it is so mind-boggling to me that. And I'm like, Nagy should have been fired. Like, there is no he should have been let go 
for I wouldn't have started the next week I don't think with him This was one of those like they just did it with US at USC with Clay Helton And it was one of those kind of losses where How do you bring this guy back into your locker room With a bunch of other players that you might want to be moving Like I wouldn't want him around even talking to anybody anymore Because like I said what there's only two things It's either he's that incompetent Or he's he was just being a dick And if that was the case like really You would do that to sabotage To say hey look I told you guys this guy wasn't ready I told you Andy Dalton was a better option I said it you should have listened to me You should have believed me that's what it felt like It really did And it's inexcusable You know inexcusable it, No cause cause for for you know I, I mentioned all the young quarterbacks at the beginning What's what's scary about a lot of these guys Now or you got to be careful with some of them. You don't want to ruin some of these guys. You end up getting in situations like Fields was in the other day or like Wilson's in right now a lot where you don't have any time. There's nothing positive going on for you at all. That that starts to do something to you mentally. You know, you you start to you get the Carson Wentz thing where you start looking around, you start throwing to him, you get happy feet, you don't know what to do and so you got to be careful with these guys and you got to try to put them in better Positions to succeed Did not get that feeling at all Watching that Bears game last week Now the one thing that the Bears Do well, their defensive Line played pretty well, they had 18 total Pressures and 5 sacks against a pretty Good Cleveland offensive line But the Lions offensive line is also Good, so I don't think that Cleveland's deep Or that the Bears defensive line Is going to be able to necessarily overwhelm A Lions team who have actually Performed pretty well Against who they've played, uh you know, 49ers defensive front That's that's pretty solid They they managed to do uh, okay to make some adjustments there Against a, a Packers team Who then came out of that, their game And, and played pretty well uh, Against the 49ers Then last week against the Ravens So, I mean, if this thing is three Or if it was anything Three and a half on the Lions side I'm taking the Lions in here And I would sprinkle some on the money line Because I mean, I'd imagine the Bears look a little bit better than they did last week. They can't possibly look worse, but I cannot feel confident at all about that Bears team. And this Lions team is kind of feisty. If you give me a field goal here, and and especially if this thing was three and a hook, I I didn't get to any three and a hooks. Did you get? It's been pretty close to three, has it? No. Here's the thing, like when because Lions open up Sunday when the games are going on, so Mm -hmm. I always look and. This thing opened at Bears Lane Six. There you go, and, and you got it. Huh? After, oh no, I didn't take it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not betting the Lions at all this year. Oh, actually, I did bet them last week, but Eddie and the week and week one. But I just, I can't bet this game. I mean, because I, I, I missed the six. I no, mean, no, 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 no. You're right. Now you missed the it, six. I, I missed the it's, six. Like it's right way different. Now, like right now, in my eyes, if this dips down to below three, then I would go Bears. We, then I'm going to go Bears. If this goes two and a half, I'm on all in on the Bears. Absolutely. At three. I Three's the number for me. Absolutely nothing. And that like, feels right. I, so if it's if it's right, I don't play it. It's when you feel like you have an advantage for me that I play it. The number's three. I feel like it's going to be three. I need at least three and a half, especially, like you said, knowing that that number opened up and you could have gotten it at six in the look ahead, you know, even in the Sunday. So that's... yeah. Because, guys, I'm telling you, those look-ahead lines, like, they stay up for a while. Like, mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, when you're seeing something and you can anticipate that value, I mean, then you can kind of lock stuff in. I mean, it's it's easy to find value. I mean, like, I I sent you a message. God, when was it? Like, last week. I was like, dude, Washington's at seven, 10 right now. Mm-hmm. And I they went down to seven. Value. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, so if you can 
see something you think you're gonna get some value like it's always a good time to to invest early let's go to the next game on the slate i uh, i did lock this game in um earlier in the week and i'm, I'm glad i did uh but it was uh it was saints minus eight i locked in the giants plus eight in here it's just the saints team they're not that good <laughs> they're they're really not they had the big win in, in week one um, against Green Bay, and that was more of Green Bay just not playing well. The Saints did have to deal with a lot of issues and being on the road, and they had COVID stuff to deal with. They got beat up by the Panthers. I don't, I still don't know. I don't know a lot about them based on their first two games. Based on this third game, I mean, this was a situation where they won twenty-eight to thirteen, and they they got a pick six in in this game, and they got another turnover from Mac Jones on an interception that set them up at the ten. They ended up getting three total uh, interceptions, or and they won the turnover battle 3-0. Jameis was only 13 of 21. He only threw for 128 yards. They didn't run the ball very well. Um, only 3.7 yards per carry for Camara, who had 24 carries for 89 yards. I mean, they basically just got gifted 14 points in this game. And New England may have been looking a little bit of a head because Tom Brady's coming to town this week. So who knows? They're probably all pumped up for that. Max still a rookie so it's not as if New England is great but I just I don't think the Saints are very good and I think the Giants are the Giants could be two and one very easily that game they could have won the game against the Falcons and they could have won the game against Washington and then we're probably talking a little bit differently about the Giants being two and one than being zero and three even though they're doesn't mean they're a much better team based on those two wins or not they're the same type of team I just Daniel Jones has been fine. He's been the eighth graded quarterback so far this year, fourth in, in passing grade by Pro Football Focus. Through three games, no interceptions, one fumble lost. I they're actually ranked the highest of all the zero and three teams in DVOA. They actually ranked higher than you know the two and one Green Bay Packers because they've had a bad game. They're ranked higher than the two and one Chargers because their DVOA isn't great. They're, they're ranked higher than the two and one. Tennessee Titans uh, in in DVOA also so give me the Giants here I locked him in at plus eight at seven or over I'd go Giants what are your thoughts Saints Giants I'm in the same boat I actually got the Giants plus the eight and a half um Giants they're 20 and seven against the spread their last 27 games and that's just a Daniel Jones thing Daniel Jones is uh, it's 10 and four against the spread on the road completely inverted he's five and ten um against the spread at home. So he does way better when he's on the road. And this is one of those situations, like this line opened and I saw the eight and a half and I was like, in what world is Jameis Winston laying eight and a half points? Yep. I mean, that touchdown to Callaway was a throw and a prayer. There oh, it was a fluke. And Sean Payton was pissed. Yeah. He was yeah. pissed off after that. You don't, th- he literally wasn't even looking and just threw the ball up and got so lucky that one of his receivers came down with the ball. Yeah. I mean, that is just an awful thing, an awful pass. So then I looked into it. I was like, what's Winston's percentage against the spread? As a favorite, it came back at a whopping 33%. So, I mean, right there, he's just not winning when he's when he's a favorite against the spread. Um, to piggyback on what you said about the pick six and the pick deep inside the red zone, the Patriots out, actually outgained the, the Saints in that game. They only the had Patriots, 252 total yeah. yards, the Saints. Yeah, they yep, they were moving the ball. I mean, I get it's the Saints' home opener, but eight and a half is just way too many points with Winston and Jones has proved he's cover on the road. Plus, another thing is, like, when the total is really low and there's a high point spread. Absolutely. 
you, you know, you got to take you, the point. Yeah, yep. You got you got to look at the points. This is this has been going back and forth between 41 and a half and 42. You got to just now think a room, take the Giants and their season's not really over because at one and three, you can still win the NFC East. This this division is com- still completely wide open. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to take the eight and a half and who knows? I'll see how Saturday goes and if the Jags can hold on the night and maybe I'll sprinkle on the money line. They, yeah. A couple other things too. If if you know, uh, they missed a couple field goals. Uh, the Saints, Aldrich Ro- Rosas missed a couple, and their offensive line they played pretty poorly. They allowed eight um, eight pressures, and their their inter uh, interior offensive line just those interior players allowed eight pressures themselves. Giants defensive front is fine. Um, maybe someone to keep an eye on this week is Kenny Galladay because Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard both have been banged up with hang, hamstring injuries. So you want to check their status as you get later closer to the game. And this could be a game where uh, Kenny G gets a little love. So, yeah, we're both uh, locked in on the Giants side. Anything for me over the touchdown would be uh, would be fine to take the Giants here. Um, but, yeah, you don't, I wouldn't want to take six and a half, but seven and a half is fine. Still, that's still that's still in that range of uh, anything, anything over a tutty. I take. Yep. Yep. Let's get to Chiefs Eagles. So we've got the Chiefs. This one was seven and a half earlier in the week. I think it's around seven now. They are a seven point favorite on the road, going to play Philly. Total in this game fifty four and a half. A little bit of a scare with Andy Reid. He was uh, taken to the hospital after the week three game, and you got to kind of wonder, Eric, if he was taken to the hospital. Yeah, he was not feeling good and bothered throughout the game. You wonder if he maybe was just. Like their offense was a little sloppy. They didn't look that great. I can't imagine he was calling his best game right there. I'm not going to say that's the reason why they lost, but that just might be another reason why they didn't maybe play up to their best. <laughs> the main reason is the turnovers. They had four turnovers last week, the Chiefs did. They had two in their loss to the Ravens. And in their last 10 regular season games, Kansas City is 8-2, and two, and those games they have won by Six, one, four, three, three, six, six, three, four, and two. And so their average score in those games are 29-27. KC, they're just not covering a lot. That's the that's the problem with laying a big number on the road with them here. Now, I and I, I can't this is a stay away for me, mainly because I still don't know the Eagles are probably one of three or four teams in the league that I just can't really get a feel for. Right now and still don't really know who who they are Hertz had a couple interceptions No big time throws on Monday night Got a banged up old line they allowed 12 Pressures Philly's kind of right in the Middle I think they're 17 in DVOA through a few weeks 18 offense 14th in defense um, This Chiefs team is 1 and 2 Could very easily be 3 and 0 oh. you know could very easily be 0 oh and 3 though could very easily be 0 oh and 3 You're right they could have lost to the Browns You're right they should have they not could have they should have Lost to the Browns They they needed the punter And the fumble from Chubb And the Baker thing to all go wrong Their defense is ranked number 32 In defensive DVOA I still think Kansas City Kicks the crap out of Philly in this game But I'm not going to touch it at all What do you think? So here's my thing Like, Did you rewatch the game yet? Yeah Is it just me or was Tyreek on the sideline For the majority of the second half? Yep he looked- So the fact that they signed Gordon, which really doesn't make that much sense to me, when you have like Hardman, Hill, they still have the Marcus Robinson, it makes me think something's up with Tyreek Hill. Maybe he's a little more, a little injured and they're not mentioning it. And he's got and, some sort of an issue why they're not running yeah, his routes. Because like 
that kind of stood out to me. Um, the other thing that like we were talking about coaching before with Nagy, I also found it inexcusable what happened Monday night. You're playing against the Dallas Cowboys, who don't really have a great offensive line. Gregory banged up. Lawrence, who's their best player by far in the defensive line, wasn't even on the field. He's out with a broken foot. Miles Sanders did not touch the ball for the second quarter. He had two runs in the second quarter, and his third run was in the fourth quarter. I have no idea why you're not running the ball. It was kind of like they're trying to get in a shootout and have um, Hurts throw the ball all over the field. I have no idea what that game plan was either. That was utterly confusing with me. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, they got some major issues, man. Like, they have major issues. Um, those two rookies that are starting, they are having a hard time. Defensive line, Jones and Clark are still banged up. And with the way the league is, it's an offensive-driven league. And if you don't have anybody rushing the quarterback to force the quarterback to speed through his progressions, the wide receivers are going to win against the DBs because it's just rigged where if the DBs start grabbing, it's going to be a penalty. So they're not getting any pass rush whatsoever for those guys. And, like, everything's just kind of getting exploited. And it's kind of like an offense. It's kind of like they're kind of like, hey, Patrick, go out there save the day. There's, I, It's just, like, it's really mind-boggling to me, everything that's happening. And he can't – he's going to make mistakes here and there. You know, that's the, and that's that's the problem we're seeing. He's, he makes – the their margin of error, you know, with the turnovers and stuff, it's, it, it, it's just not the same at all. They – like they don't run the ball very well. Edward Hilaire got he had a he had a better game. That was probably one of his best games. I thought they were forcing on the ball. Like I tweeted this out during week one. This offense is better with Darren Williams getting mm-hmm. get in there. Like mm-hmm. he is way the offense is way better. It's just smoother. I, you're right because they don't they don't feel like they have to get him the ball. Well, they just get Williams the ball when it's the right play. With Edwards Hilaire, you dra- you, you know, you spent the early pick on him, and so now you're in a situation where you feel pressure to make sure to prove that the pick was worth it. And so you try to, like you said, they, you try to start forcing him the ball, and it's not what's good for the offense. And it's just kind of like they're like just exactly you hit on the head, like they're just forcing him the ball. The reality of the situation is when Edwards is in there and it's a passing down. He's no threat to block. This poor kid cannot block. And they know that. So they know, you know what I mean? Like it's, they know he's in there to run around. You know, there's it, with Williams in there, at least like, Hey, we don't know what he's going to do. Cause he can, this kid can block. It's just, I don't know. Like there's some major issues. I actually locked in the Eagles plus seven and a half here. I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball against this, against this uh, chiefs defense. And I think that the Eagles are going to be able to pressure Mahomes and, I know Andy Reid is healthy, but how healthy is he? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I like over seven and a half. I make this line close to like five. So I saw value. I saw two and a half value. I took it. And I'm going to say this, like, um, there's always this, the NFL season to start has been very chalky in terms of favorites covering and even like the public underdogs covering. Mm-hmm. There's going to be this week where shit just hits the fan. It goes crazy. And there's and like, I have a lot of ugly bets this week <laughs> that I've locked. You're hoping in. it's you're hoping and it's I, this week. <laughs> and I think it's this week because like even like the public dogs like last week like um the two public dogs looking at bet counts were um 
the Chargers and the Bengals. And yeah. both those teams, like, went outright. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be, like, a cycle and, like, something we have need to understand as betters. And we'll get to, like, this game later in the docket. It's possible that a team getting points is, the like, the quote-unquote public and the trendy pick, like the chalk, kind of like the Lions. Lions opened up at six. It's all the way down to three right now. So they're, like, a chalk pick even though they're getting points, if that makes mm-hmm. sense to everybody. Yep, exactly. As um, we move along to Bills, Texans, sheesh, this game is 16 and a half, 17 in that range. The Texans starting Davis Mills, they do have a couple extra days off, though, uh, because they played on Thursday night. Josh Allen and the Bills did look much better in week three, in week three but it's just, it was the same kind of thing at the beginning. Like Allen w- was making better throws. He looked a lot sharper, all of, all of that. But, but... They did just get the benefit of the doubt again in a couple spots where it was like Heineke threw a bad, bad pick six there, and he th- he made a couple just head scratching plays. They were able to lock down McLaren a little bit, and so they couldn't move the ball all that well. And it it was actually twenty one fourteen, even after a twenty one zero start for the Bills, and Washington. Just cannot stop anyone And they probably are one of the teams I've been the most disappointed in Not even their record But just the way they're playing defensively I mean all that being said This game when it's big When it's a number that's this big like this I'll never lay a number that big I could only play the Texans Or just stay away And I'm going to probably just stay away um, Is the number inflated? Yes Is this Davis Mills' first road star in the NFL? Yes This is a pure pass I mean if, yeah. if this number was this high And Tyrod Taylor was behind center. Oh, sure. Sure. No brainer. But with Davis Mills, put the bills in your eliminator pool or survivor pool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just put them in there and move on to the next week. Don't overthink it. Yep. Allen had 358 yards, four touchdowns, much better passer rating. Uh, bills outscored their opponents from, from uh, week two to early week three, 59 to nothing at one point, and 78 uh, 21 overall. Emmanuel Sanders, though, he's been really, really good. He had a. Five receptions, 94 yards, and 80% snap count. Dawson Knox, he's had at least eight fantasy points in three straight games. Five targets, four receptions, 49 yards. So keep an eye on him if you're looking for like a low, uh, you know, low, uh, really cheap option in DFS stuff for for tight end. Zach Moss looked a little better, 91 total yards. The linebackers in secondary were better. D-line not quite as good, but yeah, I I don't even really want to spend a whole lot of time on this game because I I feel like it's probably one of the least uh, compelling games on the on the docket. Yeah. I I did do what you said, and I I I made the Bills my survivor pick, which I did. Yeah, ninety five percent of people are gonna do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I'm glad I did too because I thought a little bit about there were one or two other ones I just didn't like where they were. Like the Bengals were one that I was like, yeah, you know, they're not that good. Um, I'm, and so I'm, you know, we'll see. We'll see, uh, we'll see. When I do Survivor, there's like I never do a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, do a Thursday night. Game. No, I would never either. I don't think I have. I can't remember doing one. <laughs> and I yeah. never do um um the little interdivisional games. Like those are like my two things. Like hey, and I never take a team on the road. Like those are my three things. Yeah, try to you keep your rules as long as you can keep them right, yeah. and as long as you can until you're in a situation where you may not even be able to anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the, and hopefully at that point you're still alive. As uh, we get to Cowboys Panthers. Super interesting game here as the Panthers have played very well. They've had an easy schedule so far, but they did beat the Saints. They have the number one ranked DVOA 
And through three games Sam Darnold is just one interception and one fumble And he's ranked 11th overall uh, On QB grade On pro football focus He's ranked 10th on passing grade That's exactly where you would hope Sam Darnold to be Just maybe on the outside Of the top third Just a, a slightly better than Average or you know half of the league quarterback He you look at everything he's been doing in just in a few weeks And it's just the opposite of what we were talking about with Nagy And the opposite of guys like Adam Gase Where with the Jets his turnover worthy plays 4% With the Panthers 2.5% He was pressured 32% of the time on dropbacks with Carolina 42% of the time with Jets Big more big time throws with the Panthers And so what that's doing is You don't get pressured as much You feel more comfortable as a player You're able to actually use some of your skills We forget that Hey, Sam Darnold's actually got a pretty good arm Sam Darnold can actually move his feet a little bit He's a competent quarterback When he's not having to play like Zach Wilson's playing right now And never get back and just sit down and, And actually be able to look around and make a throw I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league And he's probably not someone who will win you a Super Bowl But he may be the type of person who can get you pretty close And for Carolina That's really all they could ask uh, Hubbard in for McCaffrey So obviously the McCaffrey injury is is an issue But you know, a running back is someone That usually is one of the The lesser You know play, Key players to be missing I do think with Carolina The fact that McCaffrey is such a big deal for them And he catches so much out of the backfield And he's such a big part of their offense That this is you know, this is going to be a big, a, a big pro- hurt for them. But Hubbard actually had a 2,000 yard rushing season in college. This is a guy who can who can run the ball. Um, Terrence Marshall has been getting a little bit more, uh, more and more looks than Robbie Anderson. So without McCaffrey, maybe you, you keep an eye on Terrence Marshall because there's 22 percent target share of McCaffrey's uh, to go around. I'm going to stay away from this game, Eric. I, I mean, I like the Panthers obviously as a team throughout the the season. I the the Cowboys have impressed me a, a little bit though. I just I don't like laying a lot of points with the the Cowboys because of their coach. He's not a good coach, and they've won games so far even with some stupid decisions that he's made. So I never he, he's very much in the Cliff Kingsbury range with me. I like playing the Cowboys if they're a dog or maybe close. When they start having to lay a lot of points, I, I stay away from them. With how bit like. I still don't believe it in this Cowboys defense, so it's tough for me to no. lay this many points. Um, McCarthy's a knucklehead. Like, the end of the Chargers game, I really think he got completely bailed out. Like, he had no idea how much time was left, and he was lucky to get that get that field goal off. And I don't know if you watched the Manning cast. Peyton was having a fit yelling at him about not calling a timeout mm-hmm. when at the end of the first half when the – I forget what it was, with a Hurts pass, Hurts throw, whatever – um, and it was fourth and five, fourth and seven or whatever. And he was like throwing a fit about not calling a timeout with how Zach is moving the ball. He has no idea how to manage a clock. I really don't buy this defense. So I was really hoping to get, get a three because I was really hoping people would be overvaluing this Panthers team, but they are not. It's actually moving in the other direction. I know it opened about three and a half and four. Last time I looked, I think four and a half. To, yeah. Four, um, four and a half, five. Um, in terms of fantasy, I think this is a get-right spot for Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with Darnold is I rewatched the game against the Texans. He still doesn't really survey the field. He still just locks into the first read. One or two. That's why, yeah, that's why DJ Moore got 
so many targets in the Texas game because he was always the first read and he was just going to there. Um, and without McCaffrey, that could be a problem because that's the guy who you look around, nobody's there, you know where he is, and you dump it off. If he's not there, that's where he could maybe get into a little bit of trouble. But like you said, I don't, I don't trust the Dallas. Dallas's defense has played better than I thought they they would be. But they've kind of gotten the benefit of the doubt on some turnovers. They're not very good in actually, st- and, the, and we talk about it all the time, turnovers that you don't, that aren't you making a great play. Or, and even when they are, they're very, very hard to replicate and they, they don't hold up. You can't sustain them. Defensively, they don't, like they're allowing yardage. They don't, they don't grade out all that well. It's just they've kind of gotten the benefit of the doubt in a few spots. So I, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not, I couldn't lay the points with Dallas. I just, that no McCaffrey concerns me a little bit with with the Panthers because that's that's so much of their identity. Yeah, I just like so with no CMC, like you obviously aren't gonna write, like fear Hubbard running the ball or Royce Freeman if he's doing it. So that's gonna completely negate the play action. So you can kind of sit back, force Hubbard to beat you um mm-hmm. with the running game. Also horns out on the DBs, so that's gonna force everyone to kind of Step up. I really don't think CJ Henderson, CJ Henderson is going to be able to play a complete game because he was, um, he just got traded there. Um, he was out last game for the Jaguars with alleged injury, but I think that it was more to do with him being in Urban Meyer's doghouse. Um, the thing you need to ask yourself is which team are you buying here if you want to get invested? And that's where you look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Cowboys team is probably the Panthers' toughest test because that Saints team was in the ultimate flat spots of flat yep. spots. Um, in my little ATS stuff I do, which I'm starting to do more this year, and I found this number really interesting, is Prescott at home when laying three and a half points or more is 60% against this spread, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're over 55, you're making money. Um but at the end of the day, this is just still a pass for me. Like if I could get, if I could have got a three, I would have been hammering the Cowboys all day long. But this number is just a pass. Yeah, stay away from me. Uh, Zeke and Pollard are two of the highest graded running backs so far. They've both been doing a really good job. In particular, Zeke because of how well he blocks. Also, he had 114 total yards, two touchdowns. Um, Pollard had 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, they had a com- combination of 28 carries together. Just yeah, I got a weird. I just can't get a, a great feel for this And I mean this is a big game I would think Dallas Coming off of some of the games that they played So they played you know to start the year Big games against Tampa and then the Chargers And then you end up Playing a divisional game on Monday night Against the Eagles which is you know a big game also If Carolina wasn't Good in, in that They weren't 3-0 and I would think hmm, Maybe Dallas looks past them or doesn't think Much of them or maybe this is a flat spot for Dallas Coming back on a on a short week But you know Carolina is something to mention too They do have an extra couple days where Dallas is coming Back on the short week but I just Because they're 3-0 and I think Dallas is probably going to take them seriously You know and, and not you know think of them As a you know just a walkover so Pure stay away from me Cowboys P- Panthers Let's get into Browns Vikings. So this one is two Browns are a two point favorite on the road. This is another one that I'm I'm probably gonna be staying away from. The both of these teams could easily be three and zero. The Browns are two and one. The Vikings are what one and two, but they yep. lost week one in overtime because Cook fumbled, and they lost week two on a missed thirty seven yard field goal. Um, they were down seventeen seven. They end up winning thirty to seventeen. 
And they did this without Dalvin Cook uh, Alexander Madison looked very good He had 171 total yards And Kirk Cousins has played very, very good football through three weeks He has been the third overall in quarterback grade And third in passing grade He had three touchdowns in the first half He doesn't have an interception in his last 300 attempts In his last 300 passing attempts He has 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions And he he's humming right now He picked on Patrick Peterson I mean, he picked uh, Patrick Peterson from their secondary Did not look very good He got picked on by Wilson But he picked on the, the Seattle secondary Quite a bit in that game um, Eight targets for Tyler Conklin They're finding more weapons now uh, They're two So you know, this Vikings team looks better than I thought they were going to look. Now, this is a weird game. I'm going to stay away too because I think the Browns are just a better team than the Vikings. And I liked what I saw from Odell. He had five receptions, 77 yards. He had four catches that were first downs. And like you said, last year it felt like Baker was forcing him the ball. It wasn't the case. He, you know, he he wasn't over targeting him. He was just making the right reads. Cleveland was messing around last week with uh, they were messing around with the Bears. They went for their fourth down twice in the first quarter and didn't get it. And the play calls weren't very good either. Their offensive line was a little dull last week too. Um, but I just it's a stay away for me. I like the Browns much better as a team. Just don't can't get a real strong opinion here. What do you think? What's the total in this one? Uh, around fifty one and a half. This moved yeah, down. It was, was fifty three a couple days ago. Um. So let me ask you this: Is who have the Browns really played? You know what I mean when you no, sit back who, and who you is, look at the who is good, this, who in the, in the NFL is good? That's what I was thinking yesterday. Honestly, the the right now through three weeks, the teams that you would say you think are a very good football team, probably the Rams and the Buccaneers, who the Rams beat up. You know the Bucks have definitely not looked perfect. They've got some issues. The Chargers maybe, but they they could they also the they, like, could they could be zero and three. they could be zero and three. So who like that's my problem is you're 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 right. I, I was thinking that, and then I start thinking that with every team. At least I kind of know like the Browns. They run the ball, and their defense is pretty solid, and they have a good offensive line, and they have some weapons. Like I feel better about them than most other teams, but I don't. This spot is weird to me because the Vikings are. Absolutely capable of beating any team in the league when their offense goes. Um, so I'm, I, I'll tell you what, I like, I like, I looked at the schedule. The Vikings have a tough schedule, but this is kind of what Zimmer does. Like Zimmer, the defense gets better. They're having nine new people on defense, and it's starting to look better. I mean. We can say what we want about Seattle and their issues on the offense on the on the defensive side, but their offensive side of the ball is good, and they got shut out in that second half by that Minnesota defense, which is insanely hard to do. I mean, I think this team is definitely trending in the right direction. I'm actually currently shopping for a prop on them just to make the playoffs because I feel like. With what they are, that you're going to get some good odds. Like if I can find two to one or higher for them to make the playoffs, I'm definitely going to be in on them. Um, in terms of this game, this Browns offense, when you look at the teams that they've played, I feel like their offense production should be more. I feel like they're getting way too cute, like you said, with like going for it, their distribution of touches. Like now, like Nick Chubb has to comp- 
Felton. Felton's getting wide receiver screens now. Like you have one of the better backs in the game. No, it is. It is weird. Him. The Chubb thing is weird. Uh, it's, like how it just doesn't make any sense to me. I hate how he rotates them. Um, I really haven't been that impressed with this defense. Yeah, he looked great against Justin Field, but I'm totally throwing that game away. Um, I really think the Texans game would have been a lot more competitive if Tyrod Taylor did not get hurt. Um, they choked the game away week one. Um, if I can get a three, I'm going to be all in on the Vikings. We also have to remember these coaches are very familiar with each other because Stefanski did work under Zimmer for a couple of years um, up in Minnesota. Um, and then also when I was doing my little against the spread trends and doing some deep things, everyone will admit Kirk Cousins sucks in prime time. He's Mr. 1 p.m. Okay. Kirk Cousins against the spread as a dog at the 1 p.m. hour is 69%. That blew my mind. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That completely just blew my mind. So I just, if I can get the three, I'll take it. If I can't, I'll just sit back. And like, maybe I'll do the money line. Cause I, last week I, when the Vikings were plus money against Seattle, I parlayed them live against the Packers money line. So maybe I'll just wait until I can get a little better value. But if I get the well, three of it, it's a buy. If not, I'll just pass. And for some of you who follow along with a lot of the, like some of the metrics that I look at too, like a DVOA that I mentioned next week is when they start um, adding in the uh, opponent schedules. So you will see a, a major shift for some of the teams who beat up on really soft opponents early on. Like right now, Carolina and is number one in DVOA. Cleveland is number two. Cleveland has the number four ranked offense overall and the number 10, 10 ranked defense overall. A lot of that is because they played a half against Davis Mills and they played a, a game against Justin Fields where they absolutely destroyed him. And so those will get adjusted a little bit for opponent and they'll they'll bump down a little uh, a little in there. And, and that's what will probably happen with Carolina, too, because they beat the Jets and, and then uh, what they the Jets and the uh, the Jags and that's where the two of the bad teams and we also see the same thing with a, a Denver team that we're gonna talk about in a few minutes but yeah stay away from me I'm still the it's funny because I wanted the Browns to be better than they are but then like I was saying when I start looking around to everybody else in the league I still kind of feel like they're probably where I thought they would be at, at one of the better teams that I would would think in a one game situation if they can really run the ball and have a pretty good defense like I look in the AFC right now and I mean who who would you 100% say you think would absolutely beat the the Browns in a game oh yeah like, I, you, I don't even yeah the the Chiefs you mean the, the Ravens those are the teams that people would have thought and and we don't think they're they're all that good I mean who nobody from the, the from the west you know, Denver, the Raiders, the Chargers, none of them, nobody, like nobody just seems unbeatable right now at all. And the whole league, and, and the Rams looked great, but we'll talk about them when they get there. They're not quite that good. That was a, a huge game for them. Um, fun, yeah, fun parody so far early on in the NFL as we move to Dolphins, Colts. So we've got the Colts at the Dolphins, and the, the Dolphins are a what, two point favorite in this game. Total 42 and a half. I'm seeing we got a uh, Mr. Sprained ankles, Carson Wentz versus uh Brissette here and <laughs> check down Brissette, the Dolphins. Hey, how did it feel to finally be on the right side of one of those Dolphin games last week? 
where we we caught oh the weird. Oh my god! Like you and I were going back and forth. Right. I was oh. Like, <laughs> like, and we could have like I never drink when I'm like watching a football game on a Sunday because I want to like be taking notes, be like. You know what I mean? Able to play, like, able like focused, yeah, able, able to, to, to play like, in game if able, you need to. Yeah, or I mean, like I like this is what I do. This is what we do. You know what I mean? Like we, this is how we make our money doing this stuff. And like, son of a bitch, like I, I, I had beers flowing during that goddamn fourth, fourth, <laughs> the fourth quarter and in overtime. And it's just like, and here's the mind-boggling thing to me. And I said it when we did our pre-game, our not our pre-game, our pre um preseason talk. I didn't understand how two co-offensive coordinators would work, and that's what Miami has. They got up to a 14 to nothing lead like that. And I'm like, okay, this is looking good, looking great. What the flying hell? Who runs a wide receiver screen when you're pinned back at your own one? I know. You know what, what I mean? Doing? That play, and then, like, you get the crowd into it, and then just stuff just starts going after that. And I think the offense could look better. Mike Gusecki is actually a thing now. I think we all mm-hmm. forgot how mm-hmm. good Mike Gusecki is. Ten receptions um, for 86 yeah, yards. He, he looked great. You know, you, you, they're throwing the ball downfield um, to Fuller and everybody. I did think that was a P.I. at the one. One percent did throw it deep to Fuller. Um, the offense just looks better. I mean, like, Brissett, mm-hmm. I mean, it was chucking the ball around. I just, this game for me is another thing. Where it is an absolute pure stay away. There's no way in hell that I am betting this game. And the reason is this. Is A, um, Nelson, I don't think he's going to play for the Colts. Mm-hmm. That's a huge Quentin blow. Nelson, high ankle sprain. Yeah. And I just, Frank Wright is another guy. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Like, to me, it is inexcusable when you have Jonathan Taylor and you're basically in a must-win situation like as you were last week. And he runs about 10 times with one reception. 11 touches. And he has 6.4 yards per carry. It wasn't it like just, he was getting stuffed. You got to find ways to get him the ball. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, in games like that, and I know it's crazy, like, Eric, you know, game three is not a must win. Well, yeah, it is. You're playing an interdivisional game against the team. And if you lose, you go down 0-2. And you're going to be 0-3. That was a huge game for them. And that you was give huge. your best playmaker... Like, nothing. You know what I mean? Nothing. nothing. It just makes zero sense to me. You're, and you're asking, you're asking a guy with two sprained ankles to make plays for you, and you yeah. it doesn't. It it was similar and wasn't as bad as what happened in Chicago, but it's like along the same lines where you you honestly thought that you your team was well prepared for that game, or you honestly felt like you were giving your team the best opportunity to succeed and to score points. Why not try to get the ball in in Taylor's hands a little bit more and have him make a play and make someone miss than try to make a guy who can barely stand up? Exactly. Exactly. You got to give your team the best shot to win. I mean, hell, even this game against that's going on right now. And the Jags are about ready to give me an effing heart attack if they blow this cover. But Robinson right now, how many how many touches does Robinson have? He's got 16 touches and in the fourth quarter. Okay, 16 runs and how many receptions? And one reception. So he's, he's touched the ball 17 times. That's good. But it's I mean, very for good. Taylor, for Taylor not to be like that limited, and that just absolutely makes zero sense to me. That's just inexcusable in my eyes. And Completely agree. N- Nelson is out. Two offensive coordinators not working. Um, 
yeah, to me, this is just a pure stay away game. I agree. If I were to bet, it would be the Finns. Me too. I, mean, I, I lean the Dolphins at anything under three, but I, I, I don't, I'm not interested in, in getting involved. And I mean, the Finns are 11 to four in their last 15 against the spread. That was the only big real trend I could find, but I take the Finns. Other than that, I'm just staying away. Let's jump to Titans Jets. So this one has been around seven, seven and a half. Is it Titans minus seven at the Jets right now in touchdown? I'll tell you what. I told you I was going to get dirty with my picks, and I got the eight. I, I got the nice. Jets plus the eight. Nice. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if the Jets straight up win this game. Um, this is a total game that the Titans lose. It this is, is 100% because now everyone saw them in the last couple of weeks, and they went, yeah, you know, the Titans are, which they are. They're still the best team in their division, and they're going to win the division by default because the rest of the division sucks. But everybody saw them win a couple games now and went, oh, yeah, you know what? They're good, but. AJ Brown, we don't know. Hamstring injury. He's out. He's out. He's out. Julio Jones probably going to be out. Didn't play at all during the fourth quarter. Not none. So if Nothing. those two guys out and it makes you a lot easier to defend and you really try to pack the 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 box there with Henry. And, and the Jets you, have been good against the run. Like I was looking at stuff, they've been shockingly good against the run this year. So you're going into the strength of the defense. This Jets team just has to find a way to Move the ball a little bit or get lucky offensively Get a, a turnover for uh, The touchdown something along those lines Seven interceptions so far for Zach Wilson They only ran the ball 12 times for 41 Yards last week they had four different Receivers drop a pass it's like come on you got A rookie quarterback here who's going to Be a little bit inconsistent You got to help this guy out a little bit with You know some of these veterans there they haven't Been doing so and a couple of their starting linemen Allowed a, a, at least a few pressures But it's not like ten- Tennessee's defense Is bad and the thing is, Carson Wentz could not take advantage of it at all because he can't throw down the field right now. He cannot move the ball down the field. The guy has two sprained ankles. He can't move. He can't plant. He can't, you know, really, really try to get the ball, you know, and, and let loose. Wilson can at least do that. I'm not saying Wilson's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson or anything, but then uh, I'm not saying Zach Wilson is a better quarterback than Wentz, but I'm saying he right now is probably more capable to take advantage of a really bad Titan secondary than Carson Wentz was last week at the current health that he's at. I agree 100%. And when we look at like DVOA and every statistical category and everything, this is the easiest defense that Zach Wilson is going to face. He's going to go. From facing the Panthers defense I'm not that high end but you know what It's his first game on the road Throw that one mm-hmm. out He just faced a Belichick defense And a Banjo defense This Titans defense is going to look like So easy a great to point. Because it's get, it's, the, the coverages aren't going to be disguised The blitzes aren't going to be as complex And the Titans really can't get to the quarterback At all They're awful against the third down This is a complete get right spot For the Titans And I mean, in terms of you mentioned Jay uh, Julio Jones and everything, like, are you really going to risk, even if he's like somewhat healthy, risk him playing against the Lonely Jets if you're the Titans? You know what I mean? It just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like anything over Jets, the second, like said, you jump yeah, in. Jets have been good against the run, and like it was the same situation that the Dolphins were in um, last last week. Teams that are have been shut out the next week are 61% against the spread since I think it's 2004. Um, yeah, just take the points, sprinkle a little bit on the money line, 
and go with it. But yeah, I'm totally locked into this this eight. I'll put a little bit on the money line. I think I think this is a completely get right spot for the Jets. And this one thing that this Titans team has shown us during the um, rival rival tenure or whatever is they play up to their competition, but yet they also play down to their competition. Remember last year when they lost to the Bengals on the road? This mm-hmm. spot reminds me a lot of the same. Tennessee, one of the yeah, one of the bottom teams in DVOA. They just don't grade well because that defense is so so bad. We move along to Washington at Atlanta here. This one I got at one um, with Washington football team when it was uh, I, I found it at minus one. They're playing at Atlanta, and this is just again. Going back to some of my preseason handicaps and just knowing, knowing this Washington football defense is way better than we thought. And maybe they're not way better than we've seen, but they're better than we've seen. They have been so, so bad. 29th in defensive DVOA. They had 26 pressures last week and zero sacks. And... The, the game was really weird. They were down twenty one nothing, and then all of a sudden they score a touchdown. There was there was crazy wind. Hopkins kicks the ball off, and it blows right back to him. And he gets the ball set up, and I'm thinking, oh wow, this is great. This is exactly what we needed. If you backed Washington, now all of a sudden they're down twenty one fourteen. They get two scores within three minutes. It was like they got a second chance, and then the Bills just wiped the floor with them. They still couldn't stop them. It was like, hey, you guys. Have another opportunity after playing horrible to start the game to just now try to lock down, and they still couldn't do it. Those three turnovers did give the Bills 21 points. They were down 21 nothing after three offensive possessions. Um, the offensive line was a little bit better; they only allowed eight pressures. Uh, Bills generated 46 last week against Miami. And the um, the secondary was was pretty bad for Washington, but I don't know if Atlanta is going to be able to to pick on them there. And Atlanta won last week with less than 300 total yards in a game where it was one of the uglier games you'll see. It, it just doesn't make sense that neither team were able to score on weak defenses, and their O line was bad. Matt Ryan had no big time throws. He did lo- lose a fumble. He got sacked three times. And uh, Cordell Patterson is the He's got the third most receiving yards among running backs. He just seems to be getting lots of looks here. I don't like laying the points on the road, but it was just one point. Eh, so I, I jumped in on Washington. I just I feel like they're a lot better than Atlanta. And I think Washington wins this game pretty handily. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the Washington defense. I I looked at the defense and then I looked at my notes from the free agent class. William Jackson in Cincinnati last year played man to man. The way Washington plays defense is zone. And I really think the issue that they're having is William Jackson just can't play his own defense. They need what I what I really think they need to do is do like some Belichick type hybrid start type stuff. You put Jackson on one side of the field, he plays man to man, the other side of the field is completely zone. I really think that's what they need to do to kind of get this defense right. I don't know if Del Rio, who's an old school guy, will do that. Um some couple notes on the defense. It's given up 815 yards the last two games. Last week against Buffalo, complete nightmare. 41, 29 first downs. Um, I really don't understand Antonio Gibson's lack of touches. I really don't understand why they're not giving him the ball more, especially out of the backfield. Um, 
the big matchup is obviously the Falcons O-line against Washington's D-line. I completely agree with you, but I don't like laying points on the road. Um, will the D-line be able to get to Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan, a little struggling this year. Average depth of target is three yards less. Also, Hank, Taylor Hankey, he's never won on the road. Um, I want to take the football team here, but I just don't like laying points on the road, so it's a pass for me. But I do think they win the game. We move to Rams Cardinals and this game is a pure stay away for me because I really wanted to play against both of these teams coming off of their weeks last week because again we talk about a Cardinals team that is they're 3 and 0 and they should have lost to the Vikings they absolutely could have lost last week to the Jags they were up they were down 19 to 10 with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter And then the Jacksonville Jags just completely fell apart And it wasn't as much of Arizona winning that game As it was Jacksonville giving it away They scored 21 unanswered points in the second half On bad uh, turnovers Hopkins is a little bit banged up So who knows about that We did see a good game from Christian Kirk Seven receptions, 104 yards The three, They have three offensive linemen that are banged up On the Cardinals Something to monitor They have not been practicing And I like playing them in a spot like this where they're an underdog, but I don't ever like playing them when they're giving when they're laying points. It, just like we saw last week, because Cliff Kingsbury does something stupid, like he did at the end of the half, trying to kick that 68-yard field goal that gave Jacksonville a 109-yard touchdown and should have been the thing that ended up costing Arizona the game. It didn't. They got lucky there. Um, I mean, all- just think about everything that happened. Like you sent me that message. You're like, dude. We had like 38 <laughs> things go against us that I could discover, man. I know. Like, I mean, like, it, we, we earned that. Like, some games, like, you cover, you don't deserve. Some games, like, you bet. We were on like, the hey, right side of that bet. game. We were. That was the right side. We <laughs> were there. It was 19-10. They allowed a 75-yard drive in two minutes. Then they threw a pick six right after. Then they allowed a 65-yard drive right afterwards. Then Jacksonville twice had the opportunity to cover. They drove the ball all the way down to the 16-yard line, fumbled it. They again drove the ball all the way down to the 24-yard line and fumbled it. All of those it's, things had to happen in order to not cover. If just one of just them didn't insane. happen, we cover. Like I'm just like Jesus, like, like two missed extra points, two on top of all that stuff, which doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh my but, god, like, and like, but that's the, that's the things in betting. Like sometimes you are completely on the right side and you lose, and sometimes you're completely on the wrong side and you win. But it goes back to what I said earlier. All this stuff. Is going to eventually like balance out a little bit And these We're going to see like these teams That are valued low By the betting public start to Start winning these bets in terms of this game Opened up at six It dipped all the way down to four and a half This is a dead zone to me if I could get the Cardinals at six I would be pushing it all in But I dead number For me this is a pure pass I will say this though Whoever is The starting running back Henderson or Michelle McVeigh loves attacking this wide nine system that the Cardinals run. So there, whoever's the running back is going to eat. So make sure you guys put them in your DFS lineups. And for some reason, like you were saying, it's just one of those matchup things. We saw it with the bills and the dolphins a few weeks ago, the Rams are eight and O straight up versus the Cardinals. When, uh, since McVeigh has been around seven Oh and one against the spread and the average margin of victory 20 points per game. The last Arizona quarterback to beat the Rams was Carson Palmer. Just to give you an idea of, uh, of, of how, so let the- me, 
I'm a bit, I'm starting to get into more trends and like, I've like the yeah, last cool. couple of years and like, just, well, I mean, just like looking like for like Gruden against the spread, like Clinsbury against the spread. I look at quarterbacks and uh, coaches. coaches, but when you see like someone, something like that, and I see someone's like eight and all against the spread, it kind of makes me think like he can't go nine and all. You know what well, I mean? Like hundred percent. It's going to, it's going to go the other yeah. way soon. It's yeah. going, it makes you more want yeah. to play the opposite side of the trend. Yeah. Then the positive side of the trend, just knowing that it's going to sort of get some regression to the mean, you know, um, or just back towards it. Um, I mean, the Rams, and this is a, like the I think the Rams are a lot better football team than the Cardinals. This is just purely off of the Rams winning that game. Everybody saw the Rams win, and now everybody thinks the Rams are the best team in football. And right now, honestly, they're based on what they've done in their win over Tampa. They are. This is three weeks in. Things will change every single week But right now if you had to say Who has done the best It's probably been the Rams And that win was oh. probably the best win That anyone and got I do my power rankings every Tuesday Rams, I put the Rams at one I mean they have, but they, it's, it's a flat spot it's a, man it's a They were spot. so pumped up for that game McVay was flying around dude. He was running down the sideline Smacking everybody's asses He was loving it Everything was perfect They had a great game plan They spread the ball around Cup had 9 receptions for 96 yards and 2 touchdowns They got Deshaun Jackson involved He had 120 yards and a touchdown He was wide open for another one that Stafford missed And how about Deshaun Jackson That's his 10th career touchdown Of 75 plus yards That's insane His top 10 all time for that number um, Higby, five receptions, 40 yards He looked great Stafford, nine touchdowns, 70% completion percentage And 343 yards last week Four touchdowns, no turnovers In week three against Tampa They had the highest graded O-line of the week They only allowed one sack They had the second best performance of any team Offensive line against Tampa Since last year I mean, they're looking good. Like all like, these things, but they're a play they're, against they're this week. Good. They're yeah. a total play against this week because they're goes back like the, Yeah, NFL is a week to week league. You know, it's it's a week to week. Buy low, sell high. That's what it's all about. And like, if you want to make money doing this, that's what you have to learn to do. You have to put your fandom aside. Like, I had, I totally I love agree. The Rams. Like, I think they game. probably win. Yeah. But if this is a field goal game, or if it's a close back and forth game that Arizona's in late, or even if Arizona wins this game, it wouldn't shock me at all. I just I don't like Arizona enough to want to really back them here, and maybe the Rams are just really good and they're focused right now, and they come out and they kick the crap out of them because, like we're saying, for some reason the scheme wise, the Rams just seem to have an advantage. And if we're talking about coaching, yeah. McVay versus huge King, advantage, you know, we're, huge. we're talking it's not even close there. Huge um, advantage. The one thing that your boy Stafford has really helped with, and this stat was one that just like opened my eyes, so. On attempts of 20 plus yards this year Stafford is 7 for 11 With 3 touchdowns and no interceptions Last year The entire year With Goff 13 for 43 3 touchdowns and 2 interceptions All year So he completed only 13 deep passes And only 3 touchdowns all year Stafford's already 7 for 11 With 3 touchdowns through 3 weeks Yeah, I mean it's like just, it's it's amazing how good he looks when he has a competent offensive coordinator, a competent offensive line. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, it is. It's just, it's just he, like he could always sling it. It's just he's finally right place, right time. around him, which I'm happy for him. Like, great huh? guy. He did a lot for the, the community of Detroit, and he's still like 
contribute stuff. So I mean, I I I hope the Rams win it. Like my I mean, I got teams out, and I hope they win it. The most, the more I keep like I may have to jump in on the Cardinals in this game because the more I keep the everything was so good for the Rams last week. All of these metrics, all, everybody played well. The way they spread it around, they only had one penalty for four yards. They've yes. only they've only had seven penalties through three weeks. That's gonna change a little bit because the. They're going to look at them and realize that they're And then call them for some ticky-tack penalties here and there But you very rarely have a game In a spot that everybody sees Where everything goes so well for you like that And they're just going to be overvalued this week No matter what it is Yeah, let's get Flat spot, you got to take them But I missed the six, so like in my head I just can't do it Mm -hmm. Let's get to 49ers Seahawks so this one Is 49ers uh, they're Up to three they're getting the, the three They are the three point favorite at home Seahawks I don't know what to do with this team total on this one Is 52 In that range The Seahawks Whatever is happening <laughs> At halftime with them is bizarre It's like the anti Pete Carroll of USC where he used to be Really great at making adjustments and then he would come out in the second half and whoever they were playing, they would just kick the crap out of them. So in week one, in the second half, they scored seven total points. They were up big early on the Colts. They didn't they just kind of coasted. Week two, in between the second half and overtime, they scored a total of six points in the game that they lost to the Titans. In week three in the second half, they scored a total of zero points. So they've scored 13 second half points. In three games and in overtime They have not scored one point In the third quarter Not one point They only ran five plays in the third quarter Against the Vikings last week Which is just insane I I don't know it, What happened um, Their first week they looked offensively Looked okay They looked like they were moving the ball fine And these last couple weeks I don't know they really have struggled. They haven't been able to run the ball as much. They've struggled to pass block. That maybe that's some of what it is. 17 pressures, 12 hurries, and three sacks last week. And their secondary got lit up by cousins. In fact, their cornerback Flowers called out their scheme and called out the coaching of the defensive, you know, the 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 DBs and and some of their secondary. Um, they've blown double digit leads in back to back weeks. It's, All that being yeah. said, I'm I'm not that impressed with the 49ers either. But what what are some of your uh, your handicaps and and looks on this game? So my first thing is, I've mentioned it before about public dogs and everything, and I really feel that the public dog this week is going to be Seattle. I really feel like 100%. already in my books, hundred percent. On the I use bet stamp to kind of see like everything. Um, they're down to two and a half. So I mean, it's already got the number of three. I just can't see anybody. I just don't trust the Seattle team. Like you said, offensive line issues, DB issues. They have just a million and ten issues. Offense isn't flowing, which makes zero sense to me. Um, in terms of the 49ers, are they sending Jimmy G up to fail? Like, where is this potented like run defense, run offense? Why aren't they doing the zone run? Like, Anahan has not play, looked good. Yeah, He's not been good. Want, if you want to play... Trey Lance, that's fine. Just play him. But if you're playing Garoppolo, you have to stay with the scheme of running the ball. So I really don't understand at all that game plan against the, um, the Packers. Against the Packers, I just don't understand how you don't play to your strength. This they only had 21 carries yeah. and only 3.2 yards per carry. 
It just you cannot, yeah. you can't do that because you don't have a quarterback. Okay. I know your backfield's banged up a little bit, but you don't have a quarterback that can make those plays. He zero big time throws, three turnover worthy plays, and he's lucky because only one of them was actually a turnover. They could have turned the ball over a couple more times that the Packers didn't take advantage of. And what what we've seen, and like the the thing no, is, and I'm sorry, like you said no, no, it go ahead. about Madison. And I said it when we we're doing all the the pre the pre show stuff. The running back doesn't make the system. The system makes the running back. We've seen Mozart, Mitchell earlier in the week. We saw Madison at Minnesota. If you're in a good system and it works, you're going to be able to run the ball. I just think they abandoned it. I think they just want to, they have a hard on to start Trey Lance. That's fine. Just start him. You know what I mean? I just because of that, I can't bet the 49ers. And at two and a half, I want to bet the 49ers. I'm. I'm, I three is the Seahawks number for me. Where I would lean three. I mean, obviously three and a half. I would like three. I'd still lean Seahawks. Two and a half. I'd probably stay away just because I'm. I don't think either of these teams are great, but I think Seattle is better than the 49ers. I just haven't been impressed with the 49ers really at all from what I've seen from them. They face the Eagles and the Lions. Also, two teams that really don't have the weapons to try to throw the ball down the field. And now Norman is injured in the secondary That secondary that just got lit up by by Rodgers and by Adams So, you know, see the Seahawks with, with Wilson There should be no excuses here in this game Why he cannot get the ball to Metcalf And we'll see with Lockett It was so weird because Metcalf on the first drive I, I played him in, um, in DFS last week And I, I showed you I had a, a lineup that was one of the li- types of lineups that you can win a good amount of money on because you get some good production from some of your cheaper, and so you just need your stars to really show up. And the first drive, three receptions, 17 yards, 27 yards, and a 10-yard touchdown for Metcalf. I'm going, oh, man, this is great. And he only had five total receptions. It just doesn't didn't make a lot of sense. It seemed like they couldn't stop him early, and they went away from that. Um yeah, I mean, I lean Seahawks, but I don't. We'll see if uh, if Wilson can pick on that secondary. I just this is more of not loving the 49ers than necessarily being in love with the uh, with the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I so, mean, like I said, if it drips down to two and a half, it's I'll probably end up betting the 49ers, which I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> we move to Packers Steelers. Okay, so I, I did lock this one in. At six and a half um, the other day with uh, with the Packers, I'm just I'm flabbergasted. In I mean I'm not because we both thought that the Pittsburgh was going to be this bad, but they looked so bad last week. I I mean we talked about the rookie quarterbacks looking bad. Ben looks just as bad, maybe worse. He he tripped over himself and fell on a play where he was just dropping back. There was nobody around him. He just fell. Like he's not. He has zero. Fleet in his feet anymore He cannot move around at all And he cannot throw the ball down the field whatsoever The first four drives for the Steelers Last week, three punts and an interception The running back Najee Harris Was targeted 19 Times He had 14 catches For over 100 yards But just over He actually had a 7.29 yards per reception Which ties the NFL record For low in a game with for a player with 100 receiving yards, I it's, he dropped I mean, back 62 because, times. That's all. 62 times for a net 297 yards. 
O-line is bad Offense is not creative Ben is old and slow They're banged up Boswell missed a field goal They had 10 penalties for 75 yards (laughs) Harris is getting that Because that's all he can do Is dump and dink Because that offensive line Is insanely awful Um, This is the thing though Like I feel that Like I When the games come out I always what I do is I make my notes on each game and then I make if I was setting the lines, what would they be? And I don't have this this high. I think this should be closer to like a four and a half. I think the Packers are getting a little overvalued, like teams always do off a primetime game. Um I saw this at seven and I actually locked it in at Steelers plus seven. This is a typical Tomlin spot where he does this is us against the world. Everyone's letting us down. You know, this is this is the Tomlin spot. So with that being said, I locked him in. Um, Have we heard about Watt yet? He's playing. Watt okay. is in. He's playing. Okay. Here is the things. The last 34 games as, oh, no, sorry, as an underdog. Are you, okay, the last 34 games as an underdog, any underdog whatsoever, home, and, home or away. Tomlin is 24-8-2 against the spread last 34 games as an underdog. As a road underdog against the spread, he is an insane 75% against the spread as an underdog. I mean, like, to me, like, with these numbers, this is just, I'm taking the Steelers, like, get a block punt, a pick or something, you know, I'd lock it in. And this this Packers defense at the end of the day, isn't really that good. I mean, no, they're not. They, they played better. They played better last week, much better than than in the first few. But it was the the 49ers aren't some incredible offense for them to let them come back into that game either. Um, I yeah, I, they spotted them. You know, they they got out to a 17 nothing lead. The Packers did last week. Um, they needed a Mason Crosby 51 yard game winning field goal to win. And we've got to keep an eye on Adams. He got nailed And I can't believe that he was back on the field there Because that looked 100% like a concussion He, he Do you think a, if that was a 1 o'clock game They would have took him out Oh my! Do you think if that was anybody that wasn't Adams They would have taken him well, out no, you know? I, I legitimately think like he only stayed in there Because it was a primetime game Very like, much If it was a, like a 1 o'clock Fox game Or even hell even a 4.30 He's, he's out But I think it's because of a primetime spot that's why I think he stayed in the game, which is which is awful. The you know, Rodgers had five big time throws. The the number I thought was crazy. He targeted Adams on fifty six point three percent of Adams' routes run. That was the highest mark in his career. In fact, that was the fourth highest mark of any player in any game since two thousand ten. So he just dominated. That's 49ers secondary and we're just picking on them over and over and over again. They got to run the ball better. They only had four yards per carry. Um, and the O-line, I will say their O-line, even with some injuries, was was better than I thought they would be. They only ended up allowing a one sack and two QB hits. They got to be good this week, especially if Watt's going to be back. Like I said, I locked in the six and a half. You, uh, you jumped in on seven there early. 
And uh, we'll see. This is something we've had a lot of games, very, very few games, and which is which is fine. We're not always going to agree, but it seems like for the most part, we we play a lot of the games and we we play against a lot of, you know similar just, angles, yeah. you know. So it's, it's very rare that those... we kind of end up on opposite sides. Yeah. And like I said, like I sent you that message like early in the week. I'm like, this is an ugly betting week for me, and this is mm-hmm. just there's one of know, them right one there. Of those, one of those ugly ones. I mean, this team has looked completely awful, and yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna back them. We move to Ravens Broncos. So we've got the three and and0 Broncos versus the Ravens. The uh, Bengals get the win right now, twenty four twenty one. But uh, you look, you cover. You don't get your uh, your money line there, but you do. I mean, who are they? Like they gave up that twenty yard pass play at a tight end screen. I know. Oh my god! It was like, just inventing ways to lose here for these Jags. Oh uh, my god. Um. Okay. So we get to Broncos Ravens. This one has been teetering around like one. It's basically a pick 'em. It's gone back and forth. I, I think I saw it earlier in the week at Broncos minus one. Now it's moved to Ravens minus one. And you know, the Broncos are three and zero. They beat the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. So obviously, who knows how good they are? But everything that I've watched in the rewatches of the games for the Broncos, they're doing everything I thought they would be doing. I didn't think they would be some incredibly high-powered, insane offense. But I thought they'd be very solid. They have some good playmakers. They have two pretty good running backs. They have some issues now with a couple injuries in the receiver room, but they still have two very good wide receivers, a couple pretty legitimate tight ends, and an excellent defense. So I I know what what they are. Even though they, you know, they beat up on a couple bad teams, I look over at the Ravens. And I think that the defensively, they're kind of living off of reputation. Their defense, now they had a lot of issues last week. They were missing a ton of starters for COVID. And we'll see, you know, COVID protocols and stuff. We'll see what ends up happening there. But they're up 13-0 against the Lions. They spit that game out. They're down, and they need a 66-yard field goal to win the game. They needed to get lucky to get that play that wasn't called the penalty right before. This team could easily be 0-3. Easily be 0-3. They gave the ball back to the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, and the Chiefs turned the ball over multiple times, and that's why they lost that game. And the, if Justin Tucker doesn't hit the longest field goal in NFL history, they lose to the Lions. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know how good the Ravens really are either. And so when I see this game, I think that the Broncos are going to do. Are, I'm confident in knowing what the Broncos will try to do in this game. Have a good defense, play smart defensively. I think they're going to be able to make it difficult on Lamar. And they have the number one, the number five ranked secondary against uh, in defensive pass DVOA. They're one of the best secondaries in the league. Lamar's not going to be able to really throw the ball down the field. What do you do with Marquise Brown, who had three drops, two that would have been touchdowns? Confidence wise, is he going to be beating people in a good secondary down the field? I don't know. Uh, I like the Broncos before the season. I like them in this spot because I just am it's more of not loving the Ravens even and, and just kind of thinking that the Broncos are pretty solid and nothing spectacular. So we're gonna disagree again. I locked nice. the Ravens in at a nice. point and a half here. Um we I have to we have to a few times. We have to a few times. <laughs> the teams the Broncos have played are 0 and 9. They've outscored them 76 to 26. Um you look at who they've played, they really haven't played anyone. That likes to blitz and likes to bring pressure to the quarterback. Um, Broncos are a lot more banged up than people are realizing. Um, 
They have two starting offensive linemen that didn't practice today, and they just promoted two offensive linemen up from the practice squad. That leads me to think that they're going to have some interior starters not playing, which is going to hurt this Ravens defense, who's going to be getting back Williams, and I think they're going to be getting the two pat their two starting pass rushers back. So that's going to hurt Teddy Bridgewater um, and this offense. And for who the Broncos have played, and I understand it's not a high-octane offense, but they really haven't been putting up that good of numbers when playing against below-average defense. And even if this Ravens defense isn't what it was a yesteryear, it's still a middle-of-the-tier road defense. You know what I mean? It's not as bad. No, they're not bad. Guys. They're not bad. Or, you, know, you know what I mean? It's no. still going to be an uptick on the competition and scheme-wise different. Um, and then something else, I don't know if you heard the quote on NFL Network, that was the beginning of the week, you already have Melvin Gordon in the media complaining how hard it is for him to get a rhythm because he oh, feels I, yeah, he's not I getting that. enough. I know. I hate, you but you know what I mean? Stuff. Like, you're 3-0, yes. your team hasn't won anything, and you already have someone griping that can lead, lead to stop. So that's a big red flag for me. Um, also, another thing is, I said it last week when we did our fourth and inches so on Better Than Vegas, um, I am almost to the point of selling on the Broncos. I've reached my selling point. This is the point I'm going to sell them. You get Harbaugh coming in, who is 58% against the spread as a road dog. That number is good enough for me. I'm going to lock in the Broncos, the, excuse me, the Ravens. I just feel like this isn't like any other team the Broncos have played. I still like them, but I just feel this is the point where they're at their highest, so I'm going to sell off on them. Yeah, and I don't think that they're – Getting valued too much in the number, so that's kind of why I'm I'm still okay with with this number here. If if we were in a situation where the Broncos were, you know, laying m- anything around a field goal or so, or even multiple points, I probably wouldn't would. But when it when it's close like this, I, I think they're just a, a slightly better team, honestly. And and for me, I think the Ravens, like I'm just I haven't been quite as impressed. So. Let's see if uh, if it doesn't matter that the Broncos beat up on the bad teams right off the bat. Um, Lamar was 16 of 31 last week, four sacks, 58 yards rushing. They didn't run the ball that well. They only had 15 carries for their running backs for 58 yards. Mark Andrews did have a good game, though. Uh, he was up over 100 yards. So um, so what do you think, like, the game, like, hypothetically, of course, um, let's say Highwood catches those two balls, and what would have that made the score then, like? They won by two, they won by 12, 14 points against the Lions. What do you think the line would have been then? I honestly don't think it would have been too much different. I, I don't, okay. I mean, because I, I think that the Ravens are still pretty, like, I think they have a good, a pretty good reputation by like the betting public. They, they're still, they're still sort of like talked about and treated like a, a top tier team. And, and I don't think they're a bad team at all. I think they're going to make the playoffs and be a, like, be a, a solid team. But I don't, I don't know. If they're, you know, I, I still think they may be a little overvalued. So yeah, one uh, little little dissension in a couple of games this week. Fun here, so we may have to make a little side bet on Broncos Ravens uh, on that one too. As we get to the Sunday night game, the one that everybody's been talking about. Uh, both of these teams may have been looking ahead because uh, they both got beat up last week, and we thought that they might. Um, you know, the Bucks are are all at all. The Bucks are. Um, they had 13 rushing attempts last week. Rojo had five. Fournette only had four. Brady had three scrambles. This is a Tampa team 
that is is it is it up to seven now um i think let me pull up my it's tampa at patriots so we're getting the brady heading back to new england it was six and a half earlier in the week i think it's probably going to stay around seven i'd imagine um, it's at seven right now yeah yes that's you know the secondary issues for tampa too they're without um was it uh sean murphy bunting they lost uh jamel dean during week three i just don't know if the Patriots are the type of team that'll be able to make them take advantage to be able to take advantage of those secondary issues like the Rams did. They had that streak of nine straight wins where they won and scored 30 plus points that got snapped. And uh, the O line struggled. I mean, you'd imagine Aaron Donald's in there, so they're going to struggle a little bit there. And the the D line actually didn't get a sack until six minutes left in that game, and they were down 34 to 17. <laughs> the one trend that I do think is funny, uh, Brady. In his last nine games that have kicked off after 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, he is 0-9 against the spread. The old man, it's too late for him. It's too late for him <laughs> when it gets when it gets uh, when it gets out there. But um, I don't – this is a stay away for me just because I have – I could see Belichick having some fun and keeping it close. I could see Brady really wanting to stick it to them. And I could see Brady being a little anxious in this game, kind of coming back and maybe, you know – a silly mistake or something early. I'm. This is a pure stay away for me. How about for you? There's so many layers to this game. Like so many layers. Grant coming back. Um, um, and Bill. Like the stuff that came on ESPN about Bill refusing to have a goodbye meeting with them. Just so many layers. And I love sports. I love drama. I cannot wait. But at the end of the day, with the injuries that the secondary has. For the Buccaneers, if this thing is anything over seven in the hook, seven, seven, excuse me, you have to take the Pats. Right now, there's no way I can take what the line is at the seven. If this gets up no. to seven and a half, totally taking the Pats. Dude, they brought in old man Sherman. And they, like, sure. they, yeah. Sherman's playing the game. You know, yeah. he looked awful last year and even the year before in uh, San Fran. He's going to get picked on by Belichick. Belichick knows what Brady likes to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to give him wrinkles that he hasn't seen before. You don't think that Belichick with how I don't want to sort of use the term crazy, but with how like, you know what I mean? With how he he's wired. You don't think he's been like devising a game plan since the day after they won this, the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl to stop Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like I I'm going to end up taking the pads here. Anything over seven. I'll probably sprinkle the money line too, but I just, that's just too many points in my eyes. Yeah, they gotta just get a little bit more creative um, offensively. But you, you know how he is, though. Like you he, he does this. Been, like just no, like he does this. Like, I mean, like he's been planning forever for this. Hundred percent. They've been keeping it close to the vest. There's gonna be a couple things that they they bust out here that they haven't. And the you know I do worry a little bit about the past. Just overall skill position players. They have mediocre receiving weapons. They're they haven't been really pushing it down the field that much. And I don't know why they're not really leaning on Damian Harris more who I think it's those fumbles. Like he, honestly I mean, like I think he, he, you're right. And it was like the, it, they all fumbled early in the season and it just it seems like Belichick was really, really is like holding it against Harris. And we'll see what happens now because James White is out. So you got you have to use Harris as one of your best players. You have to try to find a way to get him the ball because he is one of your ta- more talented playmakers. They threw 51 passes in week three. Like you're never going to win a game when you've got Mac throwing 51 passes. And him and McDaniel's got to get on the 
same page a little bit more. I don't think McDaniel's has been very good with some of his play calling either last week. Or he'll be more creative this week. I think they all will with this game. They're going to take this game very seriously. Um, and you know, if you're just looking at the Pats game from last week, they gave three turnovers and basically 14 points to the Saints. That that game was one of those that you know, you, as you mentioned, they had more total yards in that game. Um, just something to mention about the uh, the Pats nine one in one in the unders in their last eleven. So this team, you know, ever since Brady has been gone, they they don't move the ball a whole lot, and they they don't even really try to. They try to just they can't turn the ball over because they're not going to get too creative when they turn the ball over like they did last week. They have no shot. Brady and Belichick together twenty years, the longest coach player relationship of any of the four major sports. Nine Super Bowl appearances. Six titles, 249 wins That is 105 more victories Than Sean Payton and Drew Brees had together <laughs> uh, So just a shout that out to these two Two of the yeah, all-time greats just, You'll jump Pats at seven Yeah, like at seven and a half Seven and a half, I'll get that's, involved That's my number seven, Yeah, yeah. Just, just sitting back But I mean, like, like I said There's just so many layers You know, it's going to be interesting to see Do they boo them? Do they cheer them? You know, what? Like what happens? Like does Brady come out? Is this the one game Brady looks rattled and nervous where he just starts pressing? Like I don't know. And you know the sports fan in me is eager to find out. I'm I'm watching the Dodger game in the back right now. Tatis just hit a ball out of Dodger Stadium. Uh, Fernando Tati. And my, it's one of the. I, the he, just check this home run out later. Anyone that's watching this, that Fernando Tatis Jr. hits uh, against the Dodgers. Baseball and, is so frustrating to me. Like I always like shut down. At like this point, after the All Star break, yeah, but I do have like there are like I have this I don't want to say database, but this database of pitchers that are young pitchers that I really like, and one of them pitched tonight for the Royals. This and this dude pitched an un I pitched but him first five in game. This, I mean, he didn't allow an earned run for when he was in, but there was a throwing error that allowed two runs to score, both unearned. So I lost my first five bet. Pirates had a kid going I loved yesterday um, Three scoreless innings Gave up one hit and they just took him out Like wait, I, it's just I don't know Like baseball this is why I always shut it down After the all-star game but I mean The kid tonight for the Royals I mean I was looking at his stat line I mean five innings pitched Three hits, four Ks, one base on ball Two runs, both earned Lost the first five on a throwing error by uh, The shortstop You know what I mean? It's like the Jesus sick as hit it's as yeah. sick as it happens, and uh, we'll uh, we'll finish this out talking about the Monday night game. We've got Chargers Raiders, and this one we talked about it very early on. It was at three. It where Chargers are favored by three. It jumped up to three and a half. I think it's still in the three range though, and um, I'm seeing like fifty two, fifty two and a half on the total. Uh yeah, I locked this in right off the openers. I locked in the Chargers minus minus the three. It's right around 52. I mean, I think this Raiders team is the bluff of all bluffs. I am not buying this team at all. Gruden is 48% against the spread eight, um, after a win. I said that last week, the same situation. They win, and then they didn't cover against the Dolphins. I love the Chargers here, and what the Chargers like to do with the offense, kind of filtering 
to the middle of the field, it's just going to be really hard for the Raiders to defend. Um, I think that Bosa is going to be able to get to Carr, make him a little bit uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I locked this in right after opener. I think the Chargers steamroll him. Me too. The DVOA does not like the Raiders all that much either. Um, they are the lowest of the 3-0 and teams. And, you know, you dig into the Raiders – I'm going to give them a lot of credit. You know, Carr has been pretty good, but Gruden is one of those coaches too, who I'm, I, I still just don't trust. And he does some goofy things here and there. They came back from down 14, nothing. We talked about the the safety that sort of kind of got them back into the game. It was just a, a bad play call. They ended up having six scoring drives over their final 53 minutes. They ended up starting out punt, punt, pick six turnover on downs. If you start out like that against this chargers team, you're probably in trouble because Miami Miami and the Chargers are just completely different offensively, totally different animals. Now, the Raiders have done a pretty good job without Jacobs, Peyton Barber last week, 23 carries, 111 yards, three receptions, 31 yards. They had nine different wide receivers catch a pass. Their O-line, though, did allow 16 pressures. And so with the defense that the Chargers are able to present, Joey Bosa left the game, but he did come back there. Keep an eye on Derwood James. He's been a little banged up also. And... I'm I'm Chargers all the way here. Um, I just think the Chargers are the better team. Um, I'm I'm really I'm excited what they're doing with Mike Williams. His A dot average depth of target last year was 14.5 yards, which isn't good. Like you 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 see a big number, and that's not really good because it's hard to complete passes that are that deep all the time. You want your depth to be, you know. Six to ten something in that range You don't want it to be one But you want it to be over five And this year 6.5 It's exactly where it should be They're using him much differently Than they did last year and in, in, in previous years Where he was just a deep threat guy He's getting involved in the offense He's moving the chains And he's he's doing really really a uh, really good job He has four touchdowns at 295 yards in, in the three games Their offense has looked pretty good Eckler Eckler had 107 of their 350 total yards And he had 11 carries for 55 Six receptions for 52 This is a good team They're a good team They could be 3-0 They're another one like we said Who could be uh, (laughs) 0-3 Also they're right there But I do feel like they're one of the the good teams in the league And I I just think they're a lot better than this Raiders team I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers kind of beat up on them a little bit here I agree 100% I mean, I just don't see anything that would lead me to take the Raiders. Um, to your Mike Williams point, this is why it's important, like, why you guys have to do the work in the offseason and understand coaches and their systems. Um, Williams plays the X position of the wide receiver. That's always going to be the first read. So then, the, And your first read on a play isn't someone that's going to be stretching the field. The majority of the plays, it's going to be who the quarterback's looking to first. So hence why Williams fantasy value is jumped off the book because it's the system that makes the players. It's not the players that make the system. Um, Another quick thing about the chargers. The one thing that does worry me is they do make a lot of stupid effing mistakes. Like they still I don't do. understand. They're still like, in the red zone even. The, and but the end of the game, like why did they not just waste the time? Why did they not run the what, ball down yeah. and just kick the field goal to win the game? Why did you give him the, I mean, because everybody was like, Staley's very aggressive, and I get the going for it on fourth down, right? That's that's the I aggressive no, one. I have no issue with that. My Not at all. Like, sure. That, that's great. The ball, clock's running out. Just Why are you throwing the yeah, ball on first yeah. down? Just run yeah. it down to zero and kick a 
15 and yard just, field goal. And just get out, get out of Dodge. Like that's the one thing where I am worried about this. They do have a lot of effing illegal shift penalties. I mean, they, I have never Three, seen a team get in every game. They've had one right yeah. so far this year. And they've had, have they had one. four. Yeah. I think they've had four or five because I know one game they've had multiple, and I think they've had at least one in every game. And they're always in like pivotal moments, a, a third it's, and short that ends up being instead of third and two, now you're third, you know, now you're bumped back to third and long to where you're in a bad situation. Yeah, it's just it's what is going on with these penalties with this team is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. It's just it's worrisome, and I do feel. I mean, it cost them the Cowboys game, and. I locked him in at 33 to one to win the Super Bowl way back uh, in the spring. But it is a little worrisome as a guy holding a future ticket about these silly penalties they make. I don't think it's going to make a difference, though, in this Raiders. Raiders game, though, I think the Chargers get the easy cover. We're both on the Chargers on the Monday night football game. And if you want to get more up to date analysis from me and Eric, come and hang out with us on Sunday morning. If you follow on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. Or if you follow uh, at BTV Bets on Twitter, there's a live stream that starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We run for uh, about an hour, maybe a little over an hour. We go through, just like we did here, we go through all the games. Um, but what's good about at that point on Sunday morning, we will literally be. You know, two hours away from the games, so we'll know all the injury news. We'll know what the exact movements in the lines look like. We'll have an idea, a better idea for some player props that we want. Maybe uh, a couple other players to mention to throw into some of your DFS lineup. So you get uh, a lot of the information that you got here, but we get a chance to kind of give you up to the date, like latest breaking news. And when we're gambling and when we're investing our money, we always have to be. Checking on everything, check all the boxes Any injuries, anything up to date No last minute stuff, we always gotta be careful Yup, you gotta know the stuff You gotta know the weather, who's playing Who's not playing, and it's always like the little injuries You know what I mean, like Offensive line, defensive line, defensive backs That people overlook, and those injuries matter A ton Eric, ETOF21 uh, Give us your uh, your Plugs for your Twitter, for your Social, for your Instagram, and uh, let us know What's gonna be happening with the podcast that you've got coming out. Um, Etoff21sports.com is my website. All my, I have my power rankings there, my fantasy football rankings there. I let you guys know, I publish all my betting spreadsheets there so you guys can see like my records for every sport. Don't try to hide anything, try to be honest. Um, Instagram, Etoff21sports underscore and Twitter, Etoff21podcast. We're going to talk a little Betting NASCAR, and then um, we're going to talk talk a little fantasy football, um, start sick questions, and then kind of use some guys to help build a uh, DFS lineup around. Eric, thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to uh, chatting with you again on uh, on Sunday. Make sure to give us a follow over there at BTV Bets. Good luck this weekend. Uh, let's make some money again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, my man. It's Eric there, give him a follow, check out all that great content that he does Helping you out with the, the blogs, with the fantasy rankings And make sure to give a subscribe to that podcast that he has uh, coming out a little later this week Don't go anywhere folks, still plenty more on this episode of That's What G Said Great stuff from Eric, make sure to give him a follow And come hang out with us on Sunday morning When we really get into all of the updated news And we take a look at the final lines for the Sunday slate at BTV Bets If you want to come uh, follow along with us Sunday morning. 
So we now will get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll talk about Extreme Rules, a little bit of SmackDown, Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, and AEW. Don't forget about OldSmokeClothing.com. High-quality clothing rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Use that promo code G-I-N-O to get you free shipping on your order. Loop joins us for This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is. Your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! Coming off of Extreme Rule, we have uh, NXT 2.0 and AEW continues to roll along. It is this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said podcast. Koopa Loop, my man, how we doing today? We're doing fantastic, sir. Uh, yeah, interesting weekend. Last weekend, um, we always mention these little, and I hate to say little, but you know, not Survivor Series, not SummerSlam, not WrestleMania. The non-big four pay-per-views. Yeah, they kind of always between. seem to deliver. And they with do. Seven matches. I thought they were fantastic. I thought this was a nice little pay-per-view. It, I agree. It, because you, like you said, under deliver. And and you, we know that it's it's going to be uh, more likely that all the matches are pretty good than all the matches are pretty bad. They, right. they, these are all good workers nowadays. You know, they're going to when they get 10, 15 minutes, they're all going to put on a pretty good match when it comes to it. So when they get the opportunity to do so, when they don't have the uh, the you know commercials like you get on Raw or SmackDown sometimes, when they can really get into it, I was. I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of things at Extreme Rules in ring. We kind of talked about it before. There were a few things where they kind of booked themselves into a corner a little bit yeah. um, with people. And, and I'm I'm okay with that. It, it just – in actually a weird way, the two people that got protected the most on this show were Bianca Belair and Finn Balor. The yeah. Demon, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because those are the people that we we've kind of worried about. Over the last couple of months that a lot of the the hardcore fans worry about when Becky came back and she, you know, squashed Bianca. Oh, no, what's going to happen to Bianca? And everybody's worried with Finn and the demon and Finn getting thrown into the match with Roman. What's going to happen? But both of them, you know, their matches end up not having clean finishes. Really, there's kind of goofy stuff that happens at the end because I think WWE is really invested in these two as major players moving forward. Yeah, uh, it was interesting to see Sasha come out at this pay-per-view as opposed to waiting for Friday Night SmackDown. And I, I guess I, I don't know what's going to happen Friday night. I don't even know if 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 some of these the, the workers even know. That's what's kind of I remember back in the, the old draft days. Remember, we had the locker room camera. Everyone was kind of sitting around in chairs and then they would announce a name and they were like, OK, I'm going to Raw or I'm going to SmackDown. But, I, you know, I would hate to split up Sasha, Bianca and Becky because I think you have something very interesting and intriguing there that you can do. Um, you still have unfinished business with Sasha and Bianca. So I, I assume that's where this is going to pick up. And then at the same time, you know, 
Becky kind of puts her hand out there like, thank you, Sasha, for doing this. And then Sasha, you know, does her thing with Becky. I, I thought it was well done. It was a, it was a good match. Uh, 17 minutes. Um, they pulled it off well. And yeah, they they protected Bianca and, and they should have because, hey, look, the crowd really likes her. And she mm-hmm. was put in a tough situation with Becky coming back and losing that title. at And with Sasha, because. Yeah. That you know what was a bummer about all of that was that had n- really nothing to do with Bianca. No, right? Sasha right. wasn't cleared for their match, so instead of them having a big match that would have been again of one of the highlights of the weekend, they have to go in a different direction. They don't want to just have a match. Becky's not really ready at that point to have a match, no. so they have to just bring Becky out. Which it wasn't like Bianca was hurt. Bianca wasn't sick. Bianca didn't do anything wrong. You know, it, for for that to happen, so that was a bummer, and I think that's why a lot of people were ups- were upset with how she was treated at SummerSlam and and what they were that what they thought was going to happen coming out of that. But I think it's very obvious that they have major plans for her. She's right there up as a major player in the women's division with both Becky and with Sasha. And now I wouldn't be shocked with the draft coming up. It, you know, we've been we've been kind of talking about it a lot um, over the last few weeks. In a weird way, it they they botched the draft probably every one of the last what eight, ten years. It it was only yeah. like the first couple where it sort of feel like what they were doing was right, or oh, this is kind of cool. Like I get what they're doing here. Um, I will say that it it I definitely feel over the last few weeks that they are noticeably getting people and their character like revamps. Refreshings start you can feel That there's some people that they're getting ready to push Probably because they're going to split them up You're going to send them one way or the other Um, You can just you can kind of Feel it I mean we talked about Montez Ford Is maybe someone if they get yeah. you know it, yeah. it could be a singles we talk how about uh, You know just what we've been seeing with Carrillo and Garza Two guys that have been being built up right now We're seeing it with Veer Veer and Shanky yeah. and and Jinder, you know, Veer is someone that they seem kind of high on. He has that uh, Cor- uh, Corey Graves actually mentioned million dollar arm this last week, yeah, so we he got does the baseball reference. We got it <laughs> finally. We've been waiting for it. Uh, so you kind of, yeah, you get that sense. I-, I wouldn't be shocked if Becky and Bianca get split up, and this ends up being a WrestleMania match again. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see, I could see both of them going to Raw. Um, I, I don't know if Becky goes to raw. I, I don't know. You know, the, these, the old verbiage, the old wives tell is, is, you know, not to split up couples. And we know that her and her and Seth are, are a couple, but you know, I thought for sure drew was as good as gone to SmackDown. And then, uh, you know, here he comes out, uh, on raw, um, with his sword to point it at what, Big what's the E. Sword so, name? The sword's got a name, right? Yeah, the sword does have a name. Is it so Angela? It, <laughs> yeah, it, I think it, it's. <laughs> I think it is. It's really. It's just it, coming out of this pay per view with all these really good matches. Uh, matches you mentioned the Street Profits. They had again. That was a 13, 14 minute match with the Usos. That the very end of the match was really, really high, and the fans were into this. Excellent. And you had a couple of promos where where Dawkins and Dawkins and Cortez have have kind of like, "Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you, fam." I could see a split up there, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know? Me too. It seems like some of these tag teams kind of get just stuck in the same tag team rotation. 
just look at the Viking Raiders and, and, and look at the Street Profits. Heck, they've got good matches, but they're not going to beat the Usos for the titles anytime soon. No, and if if we know and if WWE knows that they're going to funnel through these tag teams pretty quickly, if they have a short shelf life, right? They come in, they have a couple months where they're maybe on TV or they're new. If they're not one of these traditional, really old school tag teams, if they're just a couple people that you put together, break them up. You know, if you don't have yes. plans for them, then break them up, split them back up, freshen them up. And, uh, you know, I'd imagine we may see something like that coming soon with AJ. You know, oh, a- yeah. Yeah. AJ Lashley are two guys who I'm very interested in because Lashley, uh, we, we had a tag match at the very beginning of Extreme Rules, which is just one of those weird things where it's like, WWE, just announce it. Just like, yeah. just announce this like <laughs> yeah. two days before yeah. and tell us that the WWE champion is going to be on the show. I'm sure a few extra people would have. Wanted to tune in to, to watch Big E, you know, open the show. But anyways, so Lashley, oh, uh, AJ, it seems like, he, you know, he got a, a win and maybe he's getting ready for a, another sort of singles push where they go there. Um, Charlotte beats Alexa and these two had a very good match. Yeah, it was at good. Extreme Rules. And then after Charlotte goes crazy on the doll and rips Lily apart and all that madness. And so apparently Alexa Bliss is going to be off for a little bit now gonna maybe take some time same thing with her wouldn't be shocked if we see her show up in three weeks or a month on smackdown yeah with a character change probably Um, totally different uh, right just just back to alexa like the mean girl alexa or anything maybe she's a baby face who knows but just something different this has to be the reason that you're off tv now for a little bit lily's gone she did the best anyone could have ever possibly done with that freaking gimmick that you know what it was bad at times, but the crowd was into it at times. The last few weeks with Charlotte, the crowd really got into that stuff, and it it you became know, the a payoff. Little... Yeah, the payoff was good. I thought the payoff the match and at Extreme Rules was 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 pretty good. I mean, they both had had plenty of opportunities. They both you know got to show uh, their finishers. Um, I thought it was a little excessive there at the end with the doll, but you know, hey, look, if if she's going off TV for a while. Uh, the rumor is she's going to have some sinus surgery or something like that. You're going to keep her out for three or four weeks. Then it's okay. They drug it out a little long, but you know what? The match was fine. It, it, you know, the crowd was into it. Again, I'm not a huge Charlotte Fair fan, but she always delivers in ring. She always does. We then saw Damian Priest win the U.S. title. And Jeff Hardy was in this match. Sheamus was in this match. Hey, Priest, they're doing a really good job with Priest. He, it's this natural progression that you feel with him where if Priest were to be someone to win the Royal Rumble or be in those final few, that wouldn't be a surprise where he's no. being slotted right now. And I, I like that because now you're starting to look around and you go, it's funny because as a, as a longtime wrestling fan, that's always one of the things in the back of my head. I go, okay, where this person is right now, could they win the Rumble? You know, could they be, <laughs> could they be? Like, could they feel like they were big enough to win the Rumble or be in the last few and where you feel? I feel like that with Priest. I feel like that kind of with Riddle. I feel like that with Finn Balor. A couple guys who are sort of new and fresh. They haven't been in that main event picture repeatedly over and over and over again. And obviously now we've got Big E in that picture. So that's something that WWE has done a really good job of recently. Just a month or two ago, we kind of were scratching our heads going, you know, it doesn't look like they've got the next wave of guys ready. You know, we yeah. kept asking, is there anybody really there that you put in the ring with Roman that it makes sense? Hell, when you put Big E in that ring with him, 
it doesn't feel weird. Big E doesn't feel he doesn't feel inferior. He feels yeah. like he belongs in there with him. You know, an interesting what you bring up Damian Priest. They had, they had a pretty good match there with with Hardy and Sheamus. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. The interesting thing is we, we get the next night we get another pre-Sheamus match, which was it's really good. That was they, great. Yeah, they beat the piss out of each other, and then I I think Sheamus is going to be off TV for a little while again for a a a second uh, or maybe even third nasal surgery. Let's see what they do with Damian Priest now. Let's see mm-hmm. who you know because this is a guy that's that's bigger. He's a good athlete. Um, he's very aggressive. Let's see what they do with him now because I, I'm. I'm going to take a line out, out of what you said. I'm already seeing mentions as Priest as one of the early favorites to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing I... polls even by WWE online, WWE.com, uh, The Bump, their social media. They're throwing some names out there, and Damian Priest has been in all those polls. So uh, this guy has been, you know, once he got out of the Bad Bunny situation, which I don't think was – bad you know i just think it was hey we need somebody to go here and once he got away with the got away from the miz and morrison a little bit and he needed this title oh man it's the, the sky's the limit for this guy this, this he, guy is a future champion world champion in this in in wwe they did a couple good things with him too you're right that the miz and morrison stuff was dragging on a little too much he went from oh you know what this is a really good spot for him he's hot to like ah come on let's get him out of here remember the zombies the thing? zombies we actually we've all kind of forgot about that to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he, it, he, he didn't get the stink. Yeah, he didn't get the stink <laughs> off of on, on him off of that. Um, but they, there were a few times where he was hurt, where they they just kind of checked in with him backstage, and yeah. it's weird because sometimes that's all you have to do. Just remind people, you know, oh hey, I'm I'm here. You know, he would kind of bump into Riddle backstage, or something would happen, and he was he was just kind of there. And then he helped out Ricochet when the you know Sheamus kept beating up beating up Ricochet and Korea. So I, they've done a really good job with him. You know they they all they'll ruin some people that come up from NXT. They didn't do that with Priest and Finn Balor. Looks like he's in pretty good shape right now too. I know a lot of people rolled their eyes at the finish of the match. The match was damn good. The Demon yeah, stuff was great. Roman again delivers in a main event, and you know you get the Usos who come out there who are interfering, and then. As the demon, man, I'll tell you, I thought I thought he was. They got me for a minute, <laughs> right? Because like they got me when he starts climbing to the top. I'm going, what is going to happen right now? There's they're doing. Are they really doing this? Finn is going to beat him. What are they doing? And sure enough, the the rope snaps, breaks, and Finn falls off. And you know we see things like this in all you know in in, in wrestling all over when they don't have a a good way to get out of this. They didn't want to have a can't really have like a DQ in a match like this where it's a no DQ match. They had the interference already, and I, same sort of thing. I feel like with Bianca, you know, you had Sasha come out in that match, and maybe you go Sasha Bianca and you split Becky away. It feels sort of like what they're doing here. They they want to kind of save this Roman fiend or Roman um, Finn demon thing. For maybe down the line And so maybe these two guys end up getting split up Maybe Finn goes to, to Monday Night Raw Because I don't think Roman's leaving SmackDown No he's not And it's uh, you know It'd be s- s- just stupid if you did Because it's just it's It's been so magical And no, one, no one's tired of this And I think 
aren't we getting the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match at Crown Jewel? Is that what we're <laughs> going with? So we all knew that that Finn wasn't going to win, and and right. and that was going to be a weird, you know, we're going to get there eventually. But um, yeah, the 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 only thing that left a sour taste in my mouth was you had two your two main matches with the men and the women both. Had really good matches and then just not the clean endings. Yeah, you know? poorly finishes. That, yeah, and that's yeah. the bummer because they were good. They were both, you know, starting to get to a really good point. Also, um, couple yeah, because things- if you, if you, if you have Brock coming in right, it's going to do Crown Jewel with Roman. I don't I don't know if Brock wins that title there or not. You know, here's the interesting thing about Crown Jewel. I'll have to go back and look it's just weird because it's during the day yeah it's at like um, noon eastern yeah, because time of, <laughs> because of the, the 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 time difference but there are a lot of titles that have been switched on that show before that have changed hands and i'm not mm-hmm. saying it's it will happen or not going to happen but you know that's something that we're you know that's coming up here over the next couple of weeks we got to get through the draft first but with brock roman this early i don't know if we get a title change of protection uso's Join in, we get a DQ, something like that. I don't know. So it's just something we'll have to take a uh, keep an eye uh, close on as we get closer to Crown Jewel, see which way they go with that. Coming out of uh, Extreme Rules, a couple news tidbits before we get into Monday Night Raw. So um, apparently, Randy Orton is also not cleared. He uh, yeah, he was, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm, he wasn't on Raw. Um, Riddle does mention it. In the show, like, oh, Randy's not around. He he's annoyed by me again, Randy. But um, he he was gone for almost two months, um, yeah. not long ago. And then he came back, and he got there was a lot of buzz when he came back. He felt very hot, but we didn't even really find out why he was gone. So hopefully, all is well, uh, health wise with him. And maybe this is just some sort of a nagging injury that keeps popping back up. Um. But yeah, they—they, they, I mean, normally they'll tell us like, oh, it was a hamstring, something he hurt his knee, or it just seems a little weird that they just keep saying he's it not is, cleared. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got ratings in for a couple of the shows. Uh, uh, we'll talk about NXT in a little bit. They had a six hundred fifty-five thousand rating. AEW Rampage, gotta say, was they were probably a little disappointed with their six hundred forty thousand rating. The, the one thing, and, and that was on Friday night with their uh, their big two hour pay per view show, a Friday night show that had CM Punk wrestling on TV for the first time in seven years. A show that had uh, what the Bucks were, yeah. the Bucks and Cole were on there. Jericho was all on there too, I believe. Um, so one, I think that time slot sucks <laughs> for them. Yeah, it, they, they're going to throw everything at the wall, and they're not going to get. They're not going to get close to what they wanted Or what they thought they were It's been just going down, 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 down every week And two We're really seeing right now You know, the time of year this is This, I think people forget Because last year this didn't happen Because of COVID All of these TV shows And like Hollywood was shut down There was, there were no production going on For a long period of time Right when COVID started So what does that mean? They're not making TV shows. They're not making new episodes of TV shows, which means when September comes along and it's new seasons, there weren't new seasons last year. So there weren't a lot of shows that came September that had what we're seeing right now. There are brand new shows on every channel, on network TV, on cable TV, on streaming services. We've got football that just got back up And people are really pumped Baseball is about to head into the playoffs Basketball is two weeks away College football is on All of these wrestling shows that were Doing pretty good numbers 
just a few weeks ago. And when you compare them, you and I don't like to do this, but when you compare them to what everybody <laughs> else is watching and, you know, that they're still doing good, you know, compared to what right. other other TV and stuff is. But everybody's taking a little bit of a hit, really, except for SmackDown. SmackDown. <laughs> it's the only one that's yeah, taking, that's not taking a hit, right? <laughs> of all things, Friday night, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's I don't know if there's just they have a formula that's going there and it, and it's doing very well. Um, Raw is doing about as good as you can against Monday Night Football. We we talked about this. Uh, Monday Night's been a juggernaut, even with yeah, bad games. With the stars, yeah, the boys, oh yeah. There's just you know, and then they're really they've picked up. I'll say that. That's why I think this this draft coming up for Friday and Monday is probably one of the most important drafts. We've seen in WWE. I, I have no predictions because I have I have no clue what's going to happen. Um, I would like to see some people move and some people go. Um, I do think uh, we're going to get several uh, people that we've seen on NXT over the last several months probably have their chance now to make the roster, whether or not they're used correctly. I, I, I think. Uh, you're you're going to see a lot of the women, uh, several women on NXT, I think, are moving up. I just have that feeling. Uh, Dakota mm-hmm. Kai is probably one of them. Maybe even Frankie Monet is probably one of them. So this is a pretty important draft, I, I think, in my opinion, uh, for the previous, just because of that simple fact. You have SmackDown so hot, doing so well in the ratings. Roman Reigns is probably not leaving. But then again, you don't want to just keep, you know, Drew McIntyre and these same faces on Raw, you're going to have to get, there's going to have to be some new faces that 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 are drafted on Raw. Either they come yep. from SmackDown or they come from NXT. Mm-hmm. They need a little shakeup over there in particular. The one for me to, that really feels like he's got to head to Raw is Finn. Because yeah. that feels yeah, like that'll shake up the, that'll shake up the top at least. You, anywhere from the mid card to the top to the main event. And you could, you know... It's a good way to keep him away from Roman. Probably thinking of one more from from SmackDown, or that we haven't seen, you know, somewhere to come over to Raw, and that could really, uh, you know, that could really move things around a little bit. Um, we, let's get into Raw, which I mean, this was all about a uh, Big E and Lashley versus Big E, and you know what? They have done an incredible job of making Big E just slide right in as, hey, we're we're serious with this guy. This isn't a money in the bank winner that's going to win the money in the bank and lose and, and was just a transitional champion. We saw the Miz win it and lose the last league get squashed. <laughs> this ain't that, you know. This is not that. This guy is winning matches. He's in the ring competing with the most uh, the most over and the most protected WWE stars. I mean, Lashley didn't lose and Big E's pinned him like three times in a week. <laughs> he, he didn't lose for months and um I, I do like the fact that we got the Hurt Business back out there. Is, you've been uh, calling for it. I think I you've been calling for the Hurt Business. Because these poor guys had nothing. That makes that, <laughs> if, you, if you had a plan, even just a plan for Cedric, right? It's like, okay, hey, we're going to break these guys up because we're going to let Cedric go. And we have a plan. Cedric, in three months, we want him to be the U.S. champ. You know? They, that, then I get it. But those guys broke up. They had nothing. Cedric, remember a couple times he cut those promos that were the worst, like whiny, like oh, they were terrible promos, were terrible. and he interrupted Jeff Hardy, and then Jeff Hardy would just beat him. Hey, it would, was just... would you would you would have rather seen, uh, of course, them two, but 
would this would have been since MVP is out. Would you rather seen Keith Bearcat Lee join this group? Or are you okay with him being like a solo renegade type guy? The, the, I guess the only thing is I don't. I think I think they don't really know what they want to do, do with, with, Keith Le- with Keith Lee yet. Yeah. Which which you know what I'm 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 okay with what they're doing with Keith because we know about Ke- what's been going on with Keith behind the scenes, right? Right. right we. Right. Everybody ripped on WWE What are we doing with Keith? They're starting, they're stopping the push And then we find out that Keith releases this video That he's been not He had serious, serious health issues Like heart stuff Like scary, scary stuff To where he was completely out of shape So I think right now I I honestly think he's building himself back up I I just think that's what they're doing with him Is that I don't think they want to put him in a spot to go out there right now and have to have 15, 20 minute matches, I think it's hey, let's let him squash, let's build him up, let's kind of see how he gets received here. The Bearcat name doesn't bother me if that's something that he likes. No, I think and that's, it was, and that's what bo- that one of the things that bothers me with wrestling fans is uh, we get a lot of bitching complaining that nobody's getting used, right? And then they bring someone back. I, I think he's been working some pre shows, some mm-hmm. some dark matches before Raw. Or, um, then they bring him back. I, I'm okay with a Bearcat, but then you go on Twitter. It's like, oh, they've ruined Keith Lee. You How know, have they ruined I, well, number him? One, <laughs> number one, he's back on TV. He got a squash. He was supposed to squash uh, Akira Tozawa, right? That, that's not even supposed to be a match. We really don't know if he's a heel or a face. What if he know? We don't know that he didn't come up with this Bearcat name. I think he did. Just, I think it was a tribute. Let it evolve. These people on, on Twitter are just so... Yeah. Quick to jump to to conclusions about things. That's why I was asking and, you: Do you think maybe he should have went to the hurt business, or do you you like him as a solo? Because I saw a lot of people saying uh, they've ruined Keith Lee. He's back on TV. What do we want? What do and we he's winning. He's winning, and, and you could tell he's he, they feel like they have plans for him. I honestly yeah, don't think focused to me. This it is, wasn't like juvial and he's kind of smiling no. and laughing. I hate that a lot of times with faces. And it looked he, like, okay, I'm focused. You know, I'm going to kick this dude's ass and that's it. And I think that's what they did. I think it was a, a tribute to a, a wrestler who passed away recently. That was yeah. a former, formerly named Bearcat. So, you know, it's like, if he wants to do that, he likes that. That would be the same thing that if it was done in any other wrestling organization, people would <laughs> right. go, Oh my gosh, he's honoring the Bearcat. Look at how cool that is. But because some people just want to crap on WWE so much, anything they do, they're going to blast before they let it play out. Remember a few weeks ago, Big E was never going to win the title. Remember, we're never going to get any of these matches on TV. Well, you know what they've been doing recently? And WWE does this every year and people forget. They do this at at the very beginning of Monday Night Football at least, right? They'll do this for a few months and then towards like, between November to December around the holiday time they'll they'll sort of get quiet, slow down and then they ramp back up like right around the new year leading to Royal Rumble. But this isn't new. WWE has done this for years during Monday Night Football where they've done a, a lot of hot angles, title changes, a lot of stuff throughout the first few weeks just to remind everybody, hey, don't, you know, we're still here. We're still going to be doing good things. And this Raw, the the last month of Raws the show that we complained about the most on these recaps, I've had a lot less to complain about. Just... And, and look, and there was some bad on here, but sure, uh, uh, there there was a few squash matches, but you had ten matches 
in three hours. That is unheard of for WWE, any WWE event other than a WrestleMania. Ten matches in three hours on Raw. Very Ten. good. We got the Lashley Biggie stuff to to start. When Hurt Business and New Day interrupt, they end up making a steel cage title match for later, which is another very good thing that Raw is starting to realize that this is what they used to do in the Attitude Era. Hey, Stone Cold has to win these two matches, and if he does, he gets to fight in the main event yeah. again. You know, yep. for the time you get people to stay around, right? you get people to there's the right a, way the, the right angle way. through all throughout the show. You're right, and it's and this was great because it it got paid off clean. They have a a steel cage match. Very good match. These two guys hard hitting. Again, Big E, for as much as you know, he's well liked, he's popular, he's well received. How many 15 minute or 20 minute matches singles by himself has Big E been in on well, TV uh, like that? Not that many. For, for one show, he he's got about 25, 26, 27 <laughs> minutes of, of match action. He did great. The dude who's a beast. He did Bobby great. Lashley is an absolute beast. But I also like the fact. That we're moving on. Big yep. E has 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 closed the book now with Bobby Lashley. Um, he's defeated him again, and uh, the cage raises, and here comes maybe a baby face Drew to point the sword at at Big E. I'm okay with the winding. It's something different. Me too. I just thought we were getting Drew to SmackDown. Maybe we are. And maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe this are. is maybe this is like a match on Monday Night Raw. And then yeah. Drew's gone. You know, yeah, maybe he challenges. We talked about that. We talked about we talked about it last week. We will see some matches mm-hmm. of guys and girls who get drafted, who stays and goes. Loser leaves just, town kind of matches. Yeah, yeah we're going to get that stuff. Yep, and and that would be that would be good. I mean, if they brought the hurt business back because they want to put him with Lashley and send him to SmackDown together, that's that's makes sense to me too. You know, yeah. hey, we didn't have much for these guys. They let's get them back with Lashley. We can throw them over to SmackDown, and they can feel, you know, um, we'll put them in a IC title feud right away or something like that. You know, kind of like right below the top of the card, and kind of have them be a guy to maybe, uh, you know, right underneath Roman or who knows. But it, they would feel fresh um, over there. Also, we got um, Angel Garza beating Eric. So just. You know, they're guy that they're uh, that they're building up the the Garza's. No, nothing crazy there. Just a quick little, uh, quick little match for him. The okay, so <laughs> Reggie and Ricochet. So okay, I've got mixed feelings on this all over. Me too. One, love Reggie. Think he's very entertaining, and I actually, I actually like when they when they have twenty four seven title matches, and they come out yes. and they'll say. Okay, hey, the rules are suspended. These two guys are going to have a match for the twenty four seven title. I like, I like when they do that. Two, Reggie and Ricochet are two of the most impressive people that you will see in a ring. In I was any, excited in any like company. So if you let these guys go for a little bit, I would love it. My only thing is, <laughs> I hate seeing Ricochet feeling like he's been this, you know, yeah. downgraded this far down the card. But then in a weird way, I think it was like late at night And I was thinking about this last night When I was doing some of my notes I had this like vision of Ricochet Taking the 24-7 title And making it Like legitimate Yeah you know, just, uh, well, that, Hey look, I, that's what I thought was going to be done in this match I went, okay, too. Ricochet's going to win the title And then there's Drake Maverick with the walkie-talkie 
And I'm like, ah, you know, I, look, I like these matches when they're matches. I, I don't like the 24-7 title when someone's getting rolled up in the back or someone's in the ice cream truck and, and gets beat. It just, it at the beginning, it it's was. Cute it was cute for a few weeks. And it now was it's. with R-Truth. But look, if you're going to make it a title and you're going to give it a match, I thought, okay, we're finally going to get something. Let these guys show, but we only got a 90 seconds of something and that's what disappointed Give me. these guys 15 minutes let them go yeah. like yes. let them go and yeah i admit that i had this thing that ricochet's taking it and you know he's making it legitimate <laughs> he's challenging other champions and stuff I but mean. it's just me like my fantasy booking i've always got this fantasy booking like <laughs> thing for ricochet to win the though in the well main I, event. I know i know I, look I, if gino has the first pick in the smackdown draft on friday night by God, Ricochet's three you, to five odds. You know first. it. <laughs> Ricochet three to five that way, and Monday Night Raw it's coming the other way. Through. That's one of my guys. We uh, we talked a little bit about how um, uh, Seth, who we didn't mention because he, he wasn't on the uh, the pay per view, but Seth, who's continuing to do really good stuff on SmackDown with uh, with yeah. Edge, and I'm, I'm curious where they go uh, with him. He was on. Um, uh, the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold. Um, just a, a plug for that. If anyone out there hasn't had a chance to listen to it, go check it out. It's because I think you and I were talking about it. It's, it's long, but it's good background noise. You know, if you're doing some work or you're just, you know, you want to throw something on in the background. Seth comes off very likable. You know, a lot more likable than he comes off most of the time on social media or when he <laughs> when he says things that come off a little like either whiny or like he's really trying to defend WWE too much and then people roll their eyes sometimes but he's just very honest in this yeah. you know he talks about positives negatives the ebbs and flows in his career the relationship that he has you know with Vince and some of the others and I thought it was really good yeah you know and it's I'm a Seth Rollins guy I've always been I kind of got bored with a couple of these characters but you know, when he talks about the injury overseas with Kane, you know, and, and he thought, man, this, this is going to be over. Then, then he, you know, pitching. I, I love the stories when these guys and girls go up to Vince McMahon and pitch ideas and say, hey, man, give me give me the Intercontinental title. I know I, I was the world champion or give me the United States title. I, I, you know, I know I was a world champion and let me run with it. Let's go and let's do this. And when they decide to do it and it comes to fruition and it works. That's what really excites me about pro wrestling, to hear these guys and girls, these stories behind the scenes. But this one was really, really good. Uh, I, I think he led into a, a lot of his private life. I love the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Uh, I loved every moment. I think we're getting a S.H.I.E.L.D. documentary coming up with WWE, which is going to be fantastic. So, yeah, put some time, even if it's background, put some time for uh, the Broken Skull sesh with with uh, Seth Rollins, really, really, really good and really informative. I watched the whole thing after yeah. Extreme Rules. It yeah, it was, it was great. Um, we spoke already about the Davian Priest uh, Sheamus match. He wins the that U.S. title match in a no count out, no DQ. That was just these two guys beating the hell out of each other. Uh, go check that one out if you hadn't. Veer, Jinder, and Shanky get the win over Al, uh, Ali, Mansoor, and Jeff Hardy. Um, so, and Veer, someone who they keep mentioning, it seems like he is. Someone they like that they're going to give a push to Who uh, brings us to our next gentleman who is, uh, <laughs> I mean It's like they're not watching the show When they have Karrion Cross Cut this promo in a suit In like this dark Wherever he is Corridor and he's talking Using all these big words And then he walks out In demolition gear 
It just oh, doesn't boy. make sense. Like, pick one of the two. Pick one of these guys and then go with them. But this isn't the same person. It's really confusing. And this poor guy, we talk about people that get ruined. This guy feels like he's gotten gotten oh, he's, ruined. Yeah. I think the only thing that saves this guy is probably Scarlet. And uh, remember, we, we do have – I'm going to defend him a little bit We right now. It, he's not always been the, the best ring technician. He was, no. he was a hot commodity. You know, coming from Impact Wrestling, AEW wanted him, everyone wanted him, WWE got him, you know, went to NXT, won the title there, wasn't the best champion. Uh, Then it's just kind of the wheels fell off. I I think we have short-term memory if you bring Scarlett out, but I don't, you know, maybe they're waiting for the draft. I'm just, I'm I'm holding out for a thread of hope. I don't see that. I was okay with the promos the last couple of weeks. If this is going to be your new character, and then we get the gladiator stuff again, or whatever the the, the gimmick stuff he was wearing, and it, I know it's just it not doesn't... working. And I feel bad for it. Yeah. Look, I've not been a Jackson Riker fan. Where's what this the hell happened been? here? This guy just where, got. Where's Elias? Where's Elias been too? This is another guy that that threw his guitar away. Jackson Riker finished off Elias. We had, this is what drives me insane with WWE. This right here, this this very match and segment, and thank God it was a minute thirty five because the match was not good at all. Nope. Um, there was a very good match following that between Riddle and AJ. And, yeah, very good. Uh, AJ, lot, gets, but it was good. Yeah, and AJ gets the win. Um, and we, you know, like we said, we I love seeing these two guys. I love AJ and Orton stuff, but we've had a lot of it recently, and hopefully with the draft coming up. We'll uh, we'll get some you know some freshening of storylines with uh, with both of these two because yeah you can plug both of these guys into the main event right now and it wouldn't feel weird. Riddle can go, AJ can go, you can slot them anywhere, um, and we'll see with Omos. He continues to remain pretty over the crowd. Uh, the crowd gets hyped anytime you know Omos is you know confronts someone. So uh, we will see what happens with Omos. The okay, so the Charlotte Dewdrop. Stuff the women's stuff I thought was a little bit weird because I have no problem with Dewdrop answering the challenge. I have no problem with Dewdrop coming out and even looking strong when she's in a match with Charlotte and kind of catching Charlotte off guard and Charlotte like not expecting you know this from her. The Eva interrupting even uh, it's like come on really I thought we were we're past Eva and Dewdrop we've you know sure I, I feel like we were beyond them but but even Eva interrupting the match. I can, I'm okay with The thing that I thought was weird was You're trying to get Shayna This heat I, I guess or maybe are they not trying to get her heat Did, Are they trying to have her be like an Austin Like a Stone Cold Because I'm, I'm thinking about the two people That they, they tried to make look sympathetic They're not baby faces They no. had her do this to Naya And then they had her do this to Eva And the thing is normally You know Eva, people aren't going to get sympathetic when you break Eva Marie's arm or when you try no. to do that. They're going to cheer for you to do that. And so this is either WWE kind of doing a cool thing and having a badass baby face, Shayna, or in the opposite, they're not understanding what they're doing because they're getting her cheered if, instead of getting booed. Um, either way, the, the way Shayna is being presented right now is the way Shayna should always be presented. The only problem I had with it, uh, you know, Dewdrop, 
Dewdrop kind of got a little goofy now. She's starting to do this little. The dance skipping thing. stuff is too much. Yeah. I, I like I don't. I, I she don't wasn't get that. Me neither. Like you don't have to be a goofy. No. Just let her be I, a I like she can be smiley and a, and a and like a fun baby face, but just be a good wrestler. I, I thought the crowd was gonna get behind this. I'm like, okay, I thought this could have been built up a little bit more. Um, I, I'm with you with Eva. I thought we were done with this, and then the problem I had was was not Shayna coming out and being a badass, but I think they had to pipe in some booze in there. Uh, that that's what I, mm-hmm. I kind of heard it on television on on live where I'm at and then I read some things that people don't want to they like no. that and so, it's, it's 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 Eva screaming in pain which I I'm okay with that but if you if you want heat on Eva this is not the way to get heat on Shayna who just turned on Naya and now is doing this because I don't want babyface Charlotte. And heal Shayna to go. I, I I want them to either be both baby faces or both heels, or or let Shayna be the badass baby face. I I I, I don't know. This was very confu- confusing to me. I I like that they're letting Shayna do this because it needed to be done this. But I think the execution part was 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 butchered there at the end. Very much agree. Um, and this I can't I can't believe. That Goldberg is threatening murder (laughs) on TV. He is threatening murder on TV. And okay, first of all, what the hell? What the hell was that picture in the background with the baby? It was like a baby. There was an arm arm and an arm. It was like a drawing, but and and you couldn't. This is what's funny is like whenever I. And I've done millions of things just like that, of hits, like on TV shows, when I was working at TVG, when I'd have to do a hit for someone else, when I've just helped someone do like a video, something for a live stream. I've done a billion things like that. The one thing that you always have to make sure of and that (laughs) producers will make sure of and everyone will is that there's nothing distracting in the background that people aren't going to be staring at. And paying attention to that instead of you And that's exact I was like staring at this thing I was trying to figure out what it was No I was like what are those things in the mall That you would walk up to and look at You know and it's yes. like there's, a, there's yes. like a hidden picture In there or something I'm like, like the, yeah. I'm like <laughs> I'm waiting for it to like To show itself to me you know like yeah, Is this and, like a 3D print exactly, Is this exactly. like what the hell And I exactly. all I saw was that And then all I heard was Gage Goldberg is my son Dude. I will kill you And bury you And not offer any condolences To your family I'm like what are we doing This was horrible just poor, Lashley, just poor Lashley You know had a hell of a run It's done a great program with Big E you lost, Basically you lost twice on Raw And now you're going to get buried In a horrible match by Goldberg In Saudi Arabia Right <laughs> Just oh, unbelievable <laughs> Just hilarious stuff So uh, yeah that was uh, that I'm was... glad you caught that Because oh. I did too I went what is going on back there Oh my god <laughs> It was it was so great. Um, so that was Monday Night Raw. So oh, man, we head over to NXT, and man, this was we're getting a lot of new 
oh, new yeah. people, lots of new stuff, which is great, yeah, right? It's gonna yeah, take a few weeks. This. It's gonna take a few weeks to a month to kind of they throw a bunch of stuff out there. They're gonna see what sticks. They're gonna see who's quite ready, who who's not. You know, that's kind of how baptism by fire here. As yeah. uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Hit Row come up soon. Something, they, yeah, they feel pretty. You know, B Fab the the match to open the show. B Fab loses in a no DQ match to Electra Lopez. These two girls are still green. You know, in work wise, their their gimmicks are good and they're good being you know part of Hit Row and Legato del Fantasma. And so Electra gets the win, but Hit Row comes out at the beginning. They open the show and they feel you know with the good entrance in the ring. They're Promo style and the way they talk is just a little bit different than a lot of the other things happening on WWE. So they they're either going to be a major part of this NXT 2.0, or I would not be shocked at all if they showed up on on Raw or SmackDown. I just as a group they are good. I think individually each one of them all still needs a lot of work. Yeah, and they've been losing. Haven't mm-hmm. we seen you know? Uh... Swift, he's lost, Swerve. and he's Swerve. Uh, he he's lost. Uh, the the guys have lost in a tag match, and now she's lost in a no DQ. It was green. I was okay with it because yeah, you know fine. they're they're trying. I, I thought it was interesting to lead off uh, the show with this, but hey, look, it, it's it's a lot better than what AEW has been putting out there in their women's division on television. You know, minus face. some Brit. I mean, so look. The way to hide things to green workers is you put it, you make it a gimmick match. And look, Wade Barrett even said really, that. Did you, you yeah. know, he had that line where he said, you know, if you, this is the type of match where it's actually not that bad for people who don't have as much training because it, what, it, how not. much training do you have to have to pick up a, pick up a pipe and hit someone with it? <laughs> right? You know, whatever he said. So. Look, and I, 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 you look, they probably like everyone, but I have a sense they really, really like Electra Lopez here. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I think she, I, I think she's probably the better of the two. I, I just it, it was okay. Look, yeah. it, what, it's just not going to blow me away. I wasn't expecting it, but it was a no DQ match that had a lot of interesting stuff that, that you normally don't see with two women wrestlers. They try to that? do things a little different. These two women, what I like, they both completely different looks to them too. Yes, yes, right? they're not your. They don't look just like every other woman that walks through completely different vibe and feel to them, which is what you want. You want the diversity. You want different acts, people who look, you know, act and have come from all these different backgrounds. And um, I think uh, both of these girls are with with a lot of this NXT women's division. Now, what we're seeing is they are a lot of them are green, but they're they're just starting with with like new versions of a character. And it's going to take them a few weeks to a month. We see like you said. We see this with a lot of, I think with the women more than the men because the women don't get as many opportunities on live TV and stuff, you know? So we we don't see them getting opportunities. How many times do the men go out there and stink up a segment and nobody sure. says says anything or somebody cuts a horrible promo or a botches? It only sort of stands out a little bit more when it's the women because there's only two or three women segment a lot of times on a show. And if one of them is bad or if the promo is bad, then you kind of really remember it. Um, the now we had some of the uh Dexter indie honeymoon <laughs> segments, yeah. Just, Gargano is funny I, I stuff, just it's goofy, just, he's just corny, really good man. Goofy, he's 
he's nervous because he's he's worried about what they're going to do on their honeymoon. And they, they start thinking about what they did on, on their honeymoon. And then they show Candace's belly is pregnant. And he's like, oh, no. And so he's, he's doing like everything he can to make sure that they don't they don't go to bed together. And it's he ends up, you know, swimming around in the water with the shark fin. And then he gets trapped in the room and he <laughs> thinks he hears them having sex. And he's like, harder, harder. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he pulls out a good. load of like condoms. He's got like a squatty. Keeps, keep, yeah, it's like one of those clown gimmicks. They pull the the string or the the ribbon out of their shirt, and it just keeps going, going, <laughs> going. He goes, "What do you need all these for?" <laughs> it was, it's you know what? On every wrestling show, that's you know, there's always room for something like this. Yes, yes. You know what? There's like. I'm always good with a comedy approach at some point to try to liven things up because wrestling shows are supposed to be also variety shows, you know, a little bit of something for everyone. And uh, this is good as curious what will end up happening with Gargano in this new version of uh, NXT 2.0. You know, does does he maybe say coming up soon something like my job is done with you? I've you know, I'm, I've taught you everything, uh, you know, I need I've, I've shared all my and then he goes <laughs> up for a little bit or maybe he just. Kind of stays around He's always said he loves NXT And I think he's we, you know, We've even mentioned that he's someone who We could see transitioning right into being a, Like a player coach Because that's something he already likes doing And he, he has a school where he trains So um, fun, funny stuff in the Dexty, Dexter Indie Honeymoon segments And you know what Coop Joe Gacy is not cancelled No <laughs> The he's, not, ones. <laughs> he's not canceled. This gimmick is funny. Just because I like it. I it got the other day. I like this. I like it. This got gimmick. buzz last week, and it's just I love. It's so fun. Liberal snowflake. You know what is this? <laughs> this is just like a really meta like of what's yeah. happening in America. This is a safe. Despite what you think, this is a safe place. <laughs> so good. So I can't. And he is someone who. If you haven't seen some of the stuff that he's done on the indies, he has got these cre- this like creepy character that he's done. Yes, that's yeah. That he it's it's like a Bray Wyatt ish sort of um you know dark and that's and you kind of hear it with with where he's going now. I get these these feels of early Bray, and I'm not saying that this guy is going to be as talented or that, but just from the pure gimmick alone, the way he's going with it, you know, when Bray came out at the beginning and was. You know, and was the Wyatt family that cult leader guy? You know, and hey, this is what it's like. And he's talking, you know, and he's cutting those pro. This is sort of what I get with Gacy. So I'm, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. The next time he comes in and uh, and cuts a promo, and I mean, just new new people all up and down this show. Zion Quinn beats Oni Lorkin. He looked very impressive um, physically, and then Grayson Walker, the thrill junkie. We got a vignette from him. And we got a match against Roderick Strong. He looked very good in that match, and and Man, he that looked was a good match. Looked look good overall in this. He's he's got a little something to him. Yeah, that was a really good match. I, I was sold on the women's tag. We'll talk about it. I, I thought I was really impressed by that. Um, but this was a really good match. I thought maybe you know since they're going youth, youth, youth. I thought maybe uh, Grayson would win the title. But I was I'm glad. I, I look. I like Roderick Strong. I think he kind of got thrown not purposely or intentionally intentionally you know with the adam coles and the kyle o'reilly's in nxt he's kind of the third man out i think he does very well in this role and that was a hell of a match that was a good match i agree with 
He's he's a really underrated talent. People forget how good this guy was. He was the man in Ring of Honor for a while. He has hour matches out there that you can find that are excellent. And he just kind of got, like you said, kind of got lost in the shuffle, got shuffled back a little bit because he wasn't as big of a star as as uh, Cole. And you know, he, he just ended up being another one of the guys there. But this is very good role for him. Very yes. good role yes. for him right here as a cruiserweight or as like a like a mid card kind of champ because. He may not have enough charisma to be your guy, you know, to be the face of your of your promotion, but he can absolutely be one of those workhorses that you you know you you put out there every week or on TV all the time and get you 15 20 minute matches with a lot of the new guys and hopefully that's what we get from him here. Great job by Grayson Walker um with that the uh, the thrill junkie. We then got the men's tag team. So we this was very Monday Night Raw, right? Where the Oh yeah. And yeah. and and the, you know, again, we're gonna give them some leeway because <laughs> these teams haven't probably done anything like this before ever, where they've had to no. come out, cut promos, interrupt each other. It's a little clunky, you know. You you start working on timing. There's eight people out there with a microphone that are sort of trying to interrupt each other here and there, back and forth. So these are the reps that these guys need. They need yeah. reps like this yeah. out there to just kind of figure this all out on a live. Show with the live timing And everything like that And when we get matches with MSK They're always good So what they've done here is they've thrown Carmelo and Trick kind of into that tag team picture And they've thrown Josh Briggs And Brooks Jensen into that tag team picture So we got MSK in there Who have been sort of the the Mainstay for a while in the division You got grizzled young veterans Who always do a really good job And have excellent matches out there And so we'll get you know, combinations of these four teams, I'd imagine moving forward for the next, you know, month, couple months. Yeah, I think next week they announced an eight man. Uh, I don't think it's uh, uh, a quadruple threat for the title. Yeah, I, I think, think it's we just get a... MSK, Josh and Brooks versus Grizzled <laughs> and Carmelo and Trick. So that, that'll be it. Look, they all can go in the ring. It was just a little clunky. MSK was a little clunky on the mic. Uh, I, I still, this Carmelo and Trick thing is, I'm trying yeah. to get used to it. You know, I, I don't know if I buy it, but. Look, we're going to see some good spots next Tuesday night on NXT. That'll be an interesting match there. The next thing up was a uh, a really good match, like you said. Eo uh, and Zoe, I, I don't like the gimmick with them together, but you know what? Zoe looked really good in the ring too. Here, yeah, they, they they did well. Yeah, and and Toxic Attraction in just this one episode. Episode, yeah. they feel like a really big deal, even though they end yes. up losing this tag match here. Uh, EO and Zoe beat Toxic Attraction for the tag titles. At the end of the show, we see Raquel Gonzalez beat Frankie Bonet in a pretty good match, too. Sure. I, I gotta say, yeah. like yeah, you were well. saying, the level of of what we expect for women's matches on WWE and NXT versus some of the other programs, it's you know, the, it's unbelievable it's because it we is. just expect so much more out of these divisions that even when they have a good match, we kind of. We don't feel like it's that great, but if you threw it somewhere else, it would get all sorts of praise. <laughs> um, and yeah, Ra- Raquel is the interesting one that we've been talking about for a while. Yeah. So, you know, Raquel, even Frankie Monet, Frankie's had such a short little stay here in NXT. She's come in. They were supposed to have this match a couple different times. It kept getting pushed off to now. She and I looked, thought we were going to get pushed off again. I'm me like, too. They, they added Kyle O'Reilly and Ridge Holland at, at, at like, 15 minutes till and I went no, no! Like how are we going to fit this all in there I know it didn't Didn't feel like 
it was going to make a whole lot of sense. Yet they were able to 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 squeeze it all in and pull it off. Yeah, Frankie is another one who is she's got a little a different look, a little bit of a different style. She could, you know, who knows if they would ever want to put her with Morrison, but. She could be someone that just is a little bit new in the women's division And we have not even come close to seeing the best from her Of what she can do when no. when really when no. really asked So I'm just kind of curious with these two women You know, if, if one of them moving up and Probably not Raquel if it looks like, you know, she's got the title And we've got challengers coming after her But I wouldn't be shocked if we did see Frankie jump up sometime soon yeah, because what's left for her now, uh, if you're going to lose, you know, you, you've only had a couple of matches and you're going to lose in a, in a title match. I think probably this is that's over and done with. I'd like to see her come up. I think she'd be a great addition on Raw, uh, maybe even on SmackDown. But look, Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane. I mean, dude, ah, they look great. This, and this they... is good. This is good TV here. And she again. They are not perfect or not a no. finished product by any no. means, and but I they. Like that, though. Me too. I like that. You it's see edgy. the progression. Yes. Yeah, you see them progressing. You you see them kind of figuring it out. You see Mandy kind of gaining that confidence. I think that may have been an issue too. Maybe she just lost a little confidence for a while. You know, she she came in. They had high hopes for her. You felt like she was going to be someone who got pushed, and then she was just kind of floundering. You know, with Dana not doing a whole lot. This is she's got a different look, and she's she's cutting promos and talking and actually feeling like a, a like a having a presence on a show much yeah. more than she's ever done before. Oh yeah, she's always just kind of like that. there. Oh wow, here comes Mandy, really good looking, but we yeah, never really show, we didn't blonde, know anything about her. We didn't know who she was. We didn't know her motivations. We didn't know any of that stuff. And now we're kind of we're getting her story on yeah, uh, on an. It, you know, it goes back to Tough Enough. You know, she was on Tough Enough, and, uh, you know, I've told this story multiple times. Um, Chelsea Green was supposed to win Tough Enough. It didn't work out. Uh, they went with Mandy Rose, and they kept her kind of the blonde bombshell, so to speak. This is what Vince like. He, You know, look at the all the women uh, in, in the WWE, WWE, WWF past, and uh, now she's got a different look. Ah, she's... I love it. I, it. It's edgy. Uh, it's raw. I don't want them to be perfect wrestlers. This was what I want. And look, I've always been a huge Gigi Dolan slash Priscilla Kelly fan. I, I think this is fantastic for Tuesday night for NXT. I'm loved that they're getting a big push here. The the man coming soon is going to be Braun Breaker. Man, they love they it. love this guy. They, he cuts a, promo, a good promo. Man. It was awesome. He wants the title. He doesn't want to wait. I love. Okay. It, they're really screwing with us because they're making him do and say everything to make us think about him being a Steiner and to just yes. not mention it. He even says, you want that? You want loyalty? Go get a dog. You know, yeah. like a, the, the dog face Kremlin, which I'm thinking right away. It's like, oh, man, they're they're having fun with it. But he has that that it that people always yeah. talk about, that intangible it, whatever that it is. He's got it. The guy's yeah. got it. This was a good little video too. They showed different websites. Hell, I, I thought I thought did I think I saw that's what G said on there. They said, "Hey, yep. that's what G said podcast talking about Braun yep. Breaker and, uh, yep. and a lot of the other uh, <laughs> a lot of the other uh, uh, publications that were on there." So 
and and even the way that Champa they had him respond, I thought was really cool. Yeah, he was like, "We're how many times are we watching a show going? Well, if somebody's watching and they saw that, wouldn't they respond to them or call in or say, "Hey, I saw," and that's what happens. Champa facetimes in. He says, "Hey, I saw what Braun Breaker was saying, and you know what? He's legitimate. He's got skills, but you know, he wants the title." He's gonna learn that he's, you know, swimming in a pool of inexperience, and you'll get you you'll get your shot. But it was perfect. It was yeah, like it, was. it just felt like a real. If somebody calls you out, you you're not just gonna sit there quietly. And he's not being an ass about it. He's just saying, hey, "I want your title." He was he's bronze being respectful about it, and Chompa's being very respectful, kind of baby face right back to him. This is something that's very short and small and simple. They used to do this in early Monday Night Raw. Remember when they would have like Bret Hart's on the line during oh, yeah, a match, yeah. you know, yeah. they would, or they would have, you know, somebody call in Razor Ramones talking with us now, as we watch this Jeff Jarrett match, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just something a little different. I, I like it. I've always liked these in, in match promos or <clears throat> excuse me, pre-match promos. I think it's good. And I think it's good that you, you kind of keep them Away face to face from each other for a couple of weeks, right? <clears throat> you, you you don't want anything squirrely to happen to Braun, um, as far as take a silly finish. His first match probably needs to be the win for this NXT title. Don't you don't you agree? That's the way so. I look at it. Yeah, I look. I and so. He's a star. This, this guy belongs on Raw and SmackDown right now, and everyone would know who he was. The the place would just blow up. We uh. We yeah I agree I agree. absolutely agree he is an, a monster star and <laughs> we then go to Boa who meets <laughs> Andre Chase chasing the sweater gimmick him wrestling oh my gosh and then he walks backstage <laughs> after and he's pissed off and he's bullshit he says it on it it's like whoa yeah. he said bullshit and then. We get LA Knight back there Who's cutting his promo and talking about How he's the uncrowned champ And uh, Odyssey He says he's got a match with Odyssey Jones next week They're kind of talking back and forth And uh, when Chase walks through It distracts Odyssey Jones And then LA Knight attacks him from behind I could see LA Knight Losing next week to Odyssey Jones And being go- up on the main roster Yeah cause you remember You know if memory serves me correctly, WWE probably will do this. We'll get the draft will just continue on through social media and Twitter when you think it's over and it's not. So I, I can definitely, I, I don't want LA Knight to get lost in the shuffle, you know, no. or, or Cameron Grimes. This was another no. one. Uh, they've done too good of work not to be recognized and rewarded. And uh, I, I think they deserve to be on, on, on TV, especially, I think they both belong on Monday night. I could see Grimes on Raw. You've got more time. He's more of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, L- LA Knight too. So yeah, I could see LA Knight losing. I don't. I don't think he's going to beat Odyssey Jones anyway, even if he doesn't come up. But I, I definitely think he need he needs uh, to be on the main roster. He he would fit very very well cutting promos on Monday Night Raw, as um, we get to Dante Chen. We know of the three I's. Dante has the three P's. Passion, <laughs> precision, and perseverance here. So, I mean, this is new. Dante and then um, Trey Baxter, Cora Jade right after. The, you know, just Cora Jade. She's only 20 yeah. years old. She is cute, Golly. man. She is. Yes, she, she really is. is. And she's got a little, 
she's got a little something to her too. She's got that excitement, yeah, that that youthful exuberance. She gives Trey a, a kiss backstage, and uh, and then we hear about it with the gossip and lashing out with Lash Legend. <laughs> <laughs> this this did seem like one of those studio shows, though, right? Like something yeah, that you would it see. It did seem very, you know, and it's and, like. It's like Wendy Williams, Phil Donahue, yes, uh, yes, Springer. This is what I heard. You go, girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was is funny. I, I, and if they do this and they stick to what's going on in WWE, I think it'll be good. When they start trying to do stuff in like the real world, it'll get a little wonky. But if they are making fun of themselves in NXT and in things happening in WWE, I'll, I'll get a kick out of this. Yeah. Remember this. This is someone with no professional wrestling background. You know, she was a basketball player, right? You know, uh, you know, played in the WNBA. Uh, th- this is someone that that wasn't on the indie scene. So just keep that in mind as as WWE grabs these people with no professional wrestling background at all and turns them into stars and see how they progress that's the that's what separates wwe from a lot of the other territories they can they 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 have magic to do this it's really fun to watch the uh ridge holland kyle o'reilly match ends up in a uh, roll-up but the you know ridge is with pete dunn Obviously, yeah. they still think pretty highly of him. Uh, Kyle's in this spot, so this is a good spot for these guys. And, and I'm sure whenever they end up, you know, going at it, it'll be good. Von Wagner um, <clears throat> comes out for the save post match, so I'm, I'm imagining we'll get a tag team match coming very soon with Von Wagner and O'Reilly versus uh, Pete Dunne and Ridge. And yeah, no, no problem with this. Like these are these guys are probably going to end up being some of the major players in in NXT. In what it seems like, I'd imagine this this is a feud that's sort of like. Right below that main event title yeah. picture. Yeah, I like Ridge Holland. I'm not a Kyle O'Reilly fan. I was hoping Ridge would get the victory here, but I was okay with it. Uh, I think we'll get a tag match. Who I'll, I'm really okay with is Tony D'Angelo. My boy, baby. <laughs> My boy, Tony D'Angelo. He's at the docks. He's going to debut next week. He's giving some things off the top here, Koopa. It's some things with him and his family. They've been skimming it off the top. And my brother, he owns these docks down here. He owns the docks. My brother, the smart guy. Man, I am. I showed my dad this gimmick, and we were laughing. I was like, "Dad, look at this thing, man. Look at this. Look at this wop they've got coming out here. Look at this Dago. Like me and my dad as Gino Nicola Bacola Jr. and Senior. We love Tony D'Angelo. We're Tony D'Angelo marks already. I can't wait till there's Tony D'Angelo merch so I can buy me some. And uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'm just curious now. If he can wrestle, this can be a funny gimmick. Yes. As long as he can go in the ring a little bit, they can have fun with it because they're leaning into it and just it's so so cheesy. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious to see next week if Tony D'Angelo can go. We will find out on uh, NXT 2.0 next week as we head into uh, AEW. That was um. Kind of a they didn't it wasn't like a, a full on tribute show, but it was you know uh sort of a Brody Lee tribute show in Rochester and there were some very emotional moments and there were some things that were done really, really well. Like I have to say, you know, we we will critique a lot of things that both of these companies do, WWE and AEW, but we have found out recently 
that you know from from some people that WWE is not as bad as a lot of us think and AEW has done really really well by their wrestlers. They have yeah. they, we haven't heard anyone yet come out and say anything bad really, you know. I think Brian Cage has said a couple things about the booking and we've heard some rumblings about EVP stuff backstage but no nothing bad about you know the way things run or the the way they've been treated and in fact CM Punk Mentioned one of the main reasons why he wanted to come to AEW was how they handled the whole situation with Brody Lee. He was sick. Nobody knew about it. They weren't public. They kept his secrets and and they respected his family and their privacy with everything. They have given him they they have treated him with so much respect and with so much honor afterwards that I almost think it it in the main event in particular. I wonder if. They felt the need to do something big on this show because it was a, a show for Brody, and that's why they end up having Sammy Guevara win the the title. And, and in a situation where we like Sammy, I like Sammy. I think he's very good, and I think Sammy is one of the main pieces of the company that I want to see them building around moving forward. It just didn't feel like the right time. No, that was that was the only pro- the problem that I had with the main event. I guess we'll we'll hit that here, uh, and we'll kind of go backwards a little, um, but. Sammy was kind of nowhere for a few weeks, and then he showed up with Fuego del Sol, Fuego del Sol with the car, the car thing, and now and then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, they're best friends. And I didn't, I didn't know that at all. Sammy was been hanging, he was with Jericho and their group for it forever, the inner circle, and so then he. He gets upset because you know Miro's beating up on Fuego del Sol, and Fuego del Sol offers up his car and and all that. But it just, I didn't, I didn't think this was the time that felt like Sammy needed to win right now, or the time for Miro to lose. Miro's been doing really good stuff, and I'm a little, I'm just a little concerned moving forward because you look at the main event picture, and they've got it's, it feels pretty full with. Yeah. Omega where he is there right now And with Danielson and then you have To imagine at any at some point page Is going to be in that discussion well, the Whenever was chant- yeah the crowd was chanting Hangman page last night uh, During multiple Kenny Omega segments You know you'd have to imagine He's going to be showing back up at some point too MJF can't Be kept out of it for Too long he's gonna he's got this Stuff with Darby but there's a lot of people uh, there I, I'm just a little worried about what Happens with Miro Moving forward and it, this isn't Again this is like one of those weird things Where it's this has nothing to do with me Thinking it was a bad match Me not no. liking Sammy as a wrestler Or not thinking Sammy would be fine With his title it just This was a very hot shot This was very something that, that was hot shot that just didn't seem like it was built Very well for no. Hero who's been one of your stronger Champions someone who beats him feels like It should be kind of a big deal I mean, I thought it was going to be Kingston that they were going to do in New York, and then and then for a minute I was like, they're not going to really have Fuego del Sol win this when they when they went back to it and, and did the car gimmick because then they put him in a weird spot where it's like, and you just made this guy look like an absolute schmo. And now Sammy's talking about how he's going to go buy him a new car or something afterwards. I um, match was fine, just did not feel like the right time for a title change. No, I think you used the. The right word here I, I was going to use knee jerk And I think you went with hot shot <clears throat> to, to try to end this show Because so much was built up 
uh, I, I think was minus one, negative one, whatever they call whatever they call him. I think he uh, they spent a lot of time with him uh, on this foundation. I think after the show, you saw the stuff with uh, with Dark Order. We'll get to it in just a moment. I, I just didn't feel like that's what AEW is just. They do okay with some of these storylines, uh, but then other matches. They're just stuck together. This didn't grow at all over the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry. And then, look, we bitched and complained about Miro not being used correctly in WWE. He gets his shot. He wasn't used correctly to begin his AEW career. Heck, what, it was count, really the bad. The video game stuff. With the, the video game stuff uh, with Kip Saban, who we have. I have no idea where that guy's at. Um I, then he finally wins the title, and then he's on TV winning some matches, and then he's off TV yeah. a couple of weeks, and then he's back on TV, but just cutting a promo. And then I, every I, time I we know. saw him, the promos would be great. They'd be fun. They They'd great. be those funny, yeah, kind of you know, serious Miro really stuff. Hot wife, but I'm doing this for God. The Redeemer. Yeah, I, I just, was, I, I didn't think this needed, I, I'm okay with the match. I didn't think it was main event quality. I'm okay with the match. I was definitely not okay with the title change here. It bummed me out a little bit. And yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I think it's weird because if this was going to be something that you wanted for the Dark Order, I would have, in a weird way, it would have made more sense if you're going to hotshot something like that for Miro to come out and say, I'm going to defend my title, blah, blah, blah. And then someone from the Dark Order win it for one yes. night or a, a week yes. and then have Miro win it back next week. That sure. would have at Made a little more sense to me if you want to go for the this is the feel good night because Sammy didn't really have a connection with Brody. It was more no. of the TNT title that was the title that you know. So I don't. Yeah, I think I understand what they wanted to do. They want to end on a big note. They want to end on a high note. They wanted this night to be really good, and it was a good night. It was a good show. It just I didn't I didn't think that needed to happen. No. Um. We let's go back to the beginning and we okay. uh, we kick off with. CM Punk on commentary. He was a little better this week. He had a couple lines that were more creative. Last week, I don't know. He was playing this weird. It was like he was like almost trying to play a heel, but he wasn't. And this week, he at least was. There, and there were one or two things that he said that I, the Lloyds of London thing, made me chuckle <laughs> when he was talking about having the Lloyds of London insurance policy. And uh, there was, I think, when Bear Bear Country was out there, he said, "Are they are they Bear County or Bear Country?" And he said. <laughs> He said bear country he said okay that's, that's a lot more real estate or something like that But <laughs> there were just a few that were like okay so at least that was that was fine And um, man uh, Adam Cole Jungle Boy very good match And Cole wins after the low blow You just hope that Jungle Boy doesn't get you know another one that doesn't get shuffled down But if, if Jungle Boy is in matches like this on TV and having good matches I'm fine with it That's fine Cole's got to win and you don't want Cole to get cheered, so you have him do the low blow to one of your baby faces. So I, you know, this all kind of made sense to me. I'm fine. Cole is hot, man. He is. Yeah, good, good match, good chemistry. I, I, I don't just don't know what the payoff for Jungle Boy is going to be. I feel I, bad for the guy, right? I, you know, look, I want him to be on TV. It's kind of like the Ricochet and the Cesaro stuff that we mentioned in WWE. We want to see these guys on TV, you know. But I, no, he wasn't going to beat Adam Cole. Look. Good match, good chemistry. Um, the boys keep winning, you know. The elite come out after, uh, and we have their 
it, you know, and then, you know, it's going to lead to what Brian Danielson and Nick Jackson uh, Friday night on Rampage. Um, yeah, you know, look, I just kind of think, uh, look, we're, we're taping this podcast a little earlier than we do on Thursday. I, I, I think this is their wheelhouse. I think this is where AEW, it's 1.1 on Wednesday mm-hmm. nights. Uh, they're going to change, you know, what to TBS here coming up uh, in November or, or maybe January. We're going to get the uh, the channel change here because of NBA. I just think this is in their wheelhouse. Um, this is what we're going to get from them. And hey, look, not to get off on a tangent, we, we, we talk about good wrestling matches all the time and we love a good wrestling match. But you and I and I was talking about this with somebody else. It's like the WWE. Five-star matches usually don't bring out great television ratings. They don't because AEW have some really good matches on TV, right? Mm -hmm. There was nothing wrong with Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. But hell, if they did, if they did, Coop, the the match with Omega and Danielson last week was would have would have done a lot better. Exactly. And that's my point. So it's like you know. WWE, they want characters. These kids want superhero characters. They want the Roman Reigns. Where I'm going with this, I'm a little long-tongued. Where I'm going with this is New Japan was just in Texas for two nights. They did a two-night tour. A friend of mine who's a big concert promoter, he got uh, talked into doing some wrestling. So there were two shows in Texas this week. They had like 800 fans at one of the shows and had like 900. And they had several good matches. But you know what? Great wrestling matches doesn't do it for people nowadays. I think that Impact, when Impact came over, bought Access TV and kind of killed off New Japan on TV, I think that kind of killed off the end of, I want to watch five-star matches on cable television every week, Mm -hmm. right? And I know I'm kind of crazy all this, but this brings me back to Adam Cole, Jungle Boy. It was a really, really good match, and I think this is is just what AEW is going to do. They're not going to get... WWE numbers. I don't care who you bring in, Bray Wyatt, they're just not there. I'm not saying they won't ever reach it. I, I just I would like to see some more storylines and some more involvement instead of just the two or three, the Cody Rhodes storyline and the the elite uh Brian Danielson storyline. I don't know. Again, I where was Britt Baker? I, I I'm just we I'm saw her for two seconds, two seconds yeah, on this I'm just, show. I'm just frustrated here. So anyway, no, I'm sorry and, to go all over. No, not at all. Because I, I, no, I know what you mean. It's, it's just one of those things where there are, and we've kind of felt this way with a lot of AEW stuff for a while. And again, it's not like we feel this way just with AEW. We've, well, we felt this way Absolutely with everything not. happening in WWE for a long time. It's, there are so many good people and talented people there. You just kind of want to move them around the board a little bit better, you know? Like it set them up better in in their feud in, in some of their feuds and in the story. Like we said, if you would have been building Sammy for a month or a few weeks, I wouldn't have had a problem with him beating Miro. If you would have at least built him like you thought he was going to be the next guy, the problem is Miro has been built really strong and looks strong, and then he just kind of loses out of nowhere. So I don't. I, it, it wasn't like long term story enough for me. And then we're here, you know, and then you'll get the, you know, Adam Page, who we haven't checked in at all with him. No. Not at all. Why haven't we at least got a, for for a company that most of their fans are on the internet and know what's going on, most people know that Adam Page 
left because he had a baby or he left, you know, for some personal reasons or he was off time. He had he asked for some time off. Why not show that? Why not check in and have him just like show a little picture of him with his family and say, "Hey, I needed some time to reset, to you know, freshen up." And Kenny, I'm coming after you. Like that's yeah. all. Like something like yeah. that. We we haven't heard from this guy at all. He just. He dropped off the face of the planet after that tag. <laughs> he was like, we didn't. He didn't get beat down and written off. There was no, I, I like it was just, it, it was really weird. It, it, you mentioned yeah. they, they start chanting his name during this promo. That Daniel yeah, Bryan comes out. Um, Kenny says there's not going to be a rematch with Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Daniel Bryan cl- says that he's got no balls, so we get a no balls <laughs> chant and. Uh, and then Kazarian, Christian, and Jurassic Express enter. So, I mean, this will be fun. Like, this match, it'll be, again... Yeah, next Wednesday night. It'll be a good little match. It'll be good. It'll be a lot of energy. It'll be really, really fun. It's just like you were saying, the WWE doesn't get a ton of viewers when they have great Drew McIntyre Sheamus matches on Monday Night Raw. You know, they Monday Night Raw has had some really good wrestling. But people Absolutely. still don't want to watch it a lot or sit through it. It's three hours. It's too much, or it's a story, or we've seen this rematch. We don't know the story. I think Jim Ross has always said it best, where it's like you've got personal feuds, personal storylines that that end up co- like g- leading to a fight, causing you to the reason to fight. That's what it's all about, you know. Yes. Just throwing two people in for a fight—that's entertaining, but. How much more fun is a football game or a sporting event with the, with the storylines, right? This weekend, Chad, we've got Tom Brady going back to oh, yeah. the Patriots, right? And that <laughs> game, the thing about the game, it could be a terrible game. The Patriots may not be very good this year. We don't even know. They could be bad. They got the crap kicked out of them by the Saints last week. They looked terrible. And, the you know, Tampa might be one of the best teams. But everybody's kind of interested and excited And this Sunday night football Is going to be this massive event I've even seen Peter King Who writes the football morning in America column He has spent two weeks in New England Driving all the way across (laughs) the state Checking in at every different city To ask people how they feel about Tom Brady And his return And they're going to have all this stuff go down (laughs) Just because of the story It's it's great so little and, and, to do with the, the match or, or the, the game itself, right? It's just the the event of him coming back. That's what wrestling really is because, like, there's so many times where the bell rings and every wrestler, including Daniel Bryan, the one of the best wrestlers in the ring that I've ever seen, Bret Hart, all of them, the things that they talk about that people remember a lot of times aren't a match. It's a moment. Right. It's what happened after the match Or it's a promo or it's an interrupting thing here Or this or that It's generally not a You know Oh yeah that moves that, yeah. yeah Yeah So um, and, and look We had two good matches Singles matches But if you look at the rest of the card we It was tag team heavy There was a lot of tag team stuff here And it looks like You know We're I, That I'm done. I'm tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you it's mean. Just it's just frustrating yeah. because I like a lot of guys and girls on this in this promotion, and it just—I don't know—it just does a whole lot. Look, this is their mo, and we're going to have to accept it. That, I've said that for a couple of weeks now, so I'm just—I'm just going to have to accept that. We actually have heard, and I, and they're kind of leaning into it too, um, recently that 
Tony Khan's making all the decisions now yes. in the back. Yes. The EVPs, so the Young Bucks and Omega and Cody are having less and less power or they're more focused in other divisions than necessarily creative. You know, they're more into publicity, the video game stuff, the marketing and, and things like that than they than they are making all the creative decisions. And there was even some rumors that there might have been a little, you know, like any anyone when you run a business and you with some of your friends or your family, you're gonna get into it with them. It's inevitable. Like not everybody's gonna agree on every decision all the time. And so I'm I'm kind of curious if they lean into that a little bit in you know in the story because that's something that's been been mentioned a couple different times and we heard this week. So uh we'll we'll see what happens with this elite, you know, with, with them because we've got a couple of the EVPs here. And then not long after we saw Cody, which was a very this thing was weird. I, you know, he's got to be turning heel, right? But yeah. Oh, he's definitely turning heel. There. But what I love is that, you know, within three nights, we got Goldberg threatening murder and then Arn talking about pulling out a Glock and shooting somebody. <laughs> it was, this was, this Arn was, may have not have been sober. <laughs> no, this was, this was really funny with Arn. So it was Cody and Lee Johnson versus Matt Seidel, Dante Martin. Uh, Brandy and Arn are uh, are out there with Cody and Lee Johnson. So Cody and Lee end up winning, and then after the match, Cody grabs a microphone. He calls out Malachi Black, and Arn grabs a microphone from him and he says, "Cody, you just need to shut up." He just tells him to shut up, and then he says, "You know, you're you're not focused." He calls him a loser. loser. He says, "He says if somebody tried to steal your car, you would say, hey, take the car, but just don't hurt me.'" <laughs> he said, you know what I would say? You want my car? And I would pull out a Glock and I would put it in his mouth and I would shoot it. We had, what do we do? We had murder again. Monday night murder, Wednesday night murder. It's murder. <laughs> my grandma used to watch oh, Murder, so she funny. wrote. And we, we got Murder, she Woo. wrote. And man. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. It hurts. It was, it was really, really funny. And he tells Lee Johnson already goes, come on, Lee, at least you listen to me. And let's get out of here. <laughs> he just, and Cody and Brandy are like, what the? What? They're just looking around. They have no clue what's happening. Um, and okay. <laughs> so Cody and Brandy, well, while we're here, we got to talk a little bit about them because following, <laughs> following Rampage was the Roads to the Top premiere of their new reality show. And we've been seeing this thing promoted for a while. Um, what, and they, you know, they did a good job of trying to get people to stick around for it because after Sammy Guevara won the title, they said, Hey, Sammy's going to cut a promo during yeah. the, during the break, first commercial break. So hang around. They wanted to, to get people to hang around. Um, okay. So one, these reality shows are always very like, roll your eyes, you know, blah, blah, yes. blah. We, we've, we've seen a million of them, but uh, two, I don't know what the tone of this show is supposed to be. Um, because okay, so example, Miz and Mrs. You know, Miz is a, a a heel in WWE. He's a bad guy. He's one of the few bad guys that will play a bad guy. But on that TV show, Miz and and his wife and their family. The the grandma like they, they all come off 
like very likable, very lovable, kind of goofy. Mrs. Dad is such a goofball. You know? <laughs> I love him. Like, you you watch them all and it's it's goofy, but it, you're like kind of smiling. It's corny. It's but it, it's you you end you walk away from the show liking them all more, even if it's. It's a show that you don't want to watch and spend time with. I understand. But after a few minutes, you you kind of like smile. You're like, oh, these guys are likable. I don't I don't think let me let me find the way I'm gonna say. I don't know if they <laughs> realize how they come off the roads on yeah. on shows like this or in in um you know, sometimes in interviews, in particular Brandy m- mainly, I think sometimes she just seems a little bit out of touch with <laughs> With like who she is, you know, yes. or she she definitely is passionate, and she's definitely someone who has a role in in wrestling. She can she can definitely be a, a major service to a promotion to a company. But I don't, yeah, I don't. She she doesn't come off likable when you see <laughs> the more and more of her. You know, she kind of everything about this felt so. Unnatural Yes And forced And like And it's hard We can And again I love the freaking Miz Right So of course I'm gonna love what the Miz The stuff that the Miz does Because basically This is kind of a rip off To that show It is You can compare it To that show Because it's nearly The same thing It's identical You got family wrestling Right You got family wrestling You've got the the kid two wrestlers that are in it, and they've got a kid coming, and it's exactly the same template that we saw for the Miz and Mrs. shows. It's it's just I'm so anxious, Gino. I number I did not watch it, okay, so I can't tell you if it was good or not. I will tell you this: it did not trend in the top twenty-five of Twitter at all last night. Now I saw people say, "Ooh, look, they got neat little Twitter hashtag emojis for it." But the show never trended in the top 25. So I'm really, th- this is going to be their best rating, what that show gets after that show last night, because it always goes downhill from there. It always does with the Bellas, uh, uh, Total Divas, uh, Miss and Misses, I think every now and then had a pop or two. But this is going to be your best uh, rating. And I'm real anxious to see. How many people actually stayed around at 10 o'clock, uh, 9 o'clock Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern to watch Brandy and Cody, who's not a household name. Look, for wrestling, Cody Rhodes is, but across the board, there's a lot of people, wrestling fans that, are, that, like, if you put a picture up of The Miz and Cody side by side, I guarantee you they recognize The Miz over Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. 90% of the time. So I'm anxious to see, you know, what this show, where it goes from there, do they have, uh, I think, Ricky Starks, uh, they have people making cameos, I believe, on it. I don't know. I just, I, I know it's a part of this package to try to get AEW, you know, he was a part of this, uh, this, this uh, television show that they did where, where people won money. It was like a game show. It was it's outside. a big show. Yeah, looked, yeah. I, that had Snoop Dogg on it. And I love Burt Kirshner. He is my favorite comedian. I tried to watch that show, and it was just, it wasn't very good. So Yeah, that was the one that Rosario was on, too. Dawson. Yeah, yeah that's why I, I, I got her on there. I just don't think there's a lot of room for this on cable television. I'm sorry. I know, look, I know there's my 600-pound life, and uh, my feet are killing me, Darcy and Stacy, Honey Boo Boo strikes back. 
but I just don't think this is is gonna make it. I really don't. Mm, yeah, it's just it was uh, yeah. Um, it's the way the that reviews you, were not good. The reviews were not. You good have to be reality TV people. You just you have to be a certain kind of personality to do these shows for them to go. You have to be very goofy. Hey, look at two good looking work. people. I'm not knocking that. No, no, me neither. And like Brandy is again, Brandy is great looking, and Brandy has a role in wrestling. I don't know if you know she mentions wanting to be the women's champ or she meant you know, which is great. Like you want to have those biggest things, but I don't know if. Her saying that out loud is something that people watch and go, oh, I like Brandy more now. Sometimes yeah. it feels like this, oh, is she kind of not understanding yeah, where she where she kind of fits on the pecking order in that she may not be as good in the ring or she just may not be that level in the ring to be a women's champion or to be a world champion. She has a lot of other very, very good skills that we talk about. She's a very good people person too, but she comes off like – Serious some points too And it's just everything Do you think she's a good wrestler Gino? No not at all And I want to like, Not at all okay. She She's tried hard and She's gotten a lot better why... She improves But she's well, not You know She's not a very good wrestler You know when you compare Her and, and She can be lost in a match With Britt and Ruby And and they're not even Two of the best women's wrestlers In the world No you and know? that's my point Now do you see why WWE Did not Put You know Go in that direction because I know she was an announcer for a long time, a ring announcer uh, for house shows, and I think she she may have done it for SmackDown too. But now, do you see a reason why that WWE makes some of the decisions mm -hmm. that they do for talent? Maybe it's not the best, you know. I, I just PR wise, it doesn't I, come a, off the best. But we understand now. No, we look back and we understand. One hundred percent agree. She she yeah, this is she prime, couldn't prime example have, of that. She couldn't have ever been in a spot with. You know, with Charlotte or Becky or Bianca oh, no. or Sasha or someone like that, she's she's very good yeah. with Cody alongside. And you know what? I think they will be great heels. They will. They could be great heels if yeah. they just lean into because they're they're try so hard to be baby faces that it comes off like a heel sometimes. You know, yeah. and that's what's been happening to them. Like Cody is trying so hard to be this good guy, this squeaky guy, this that that it just the crowd goes, oh, come on, you know, like come on. And if Brandy and Cody just turned and they went with it, and she it, and she said, "Screw all of you," and you know, and was I, I think that would and be booked a way herself to... in matches. Yeah, booked yeah. herself in matches that she don't belong in. I would get into it more than this. If she was like a, you know, a more powerful Eva Marie-ish kind of character, yes. you know, yes. like run yes. with, lean into the heat, lean into it, embrace that because Cody's actually, Cody gets good responses still, you know, like he'll yeah. come out and get like good baby face responses where he is. And then, and then, you know, if, in a match or something, if he's thrown in the ring with Malachi, they'll cheer Malachi because he's pretty cool. Like people sure, want to cheer sure. Malachi right now, but Brandy is never, she's never going to get these monster baby face reactions. She could get a monster heel reaction if she leaned into it. Yes. She could agree. get the, some of the most heat on the show if she just like came out and was like, my husband is the best. Screw all of you, those stupid young bucks and this and Kenny Omega. My husband was the real star. He's the real reason. That would like, it'd be, it writes itself right now. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, 
let's see it because I I cannot I can't st- uh, stomach very many uh, more uh, roads roads to the tops. I'm actually almost curious if we get you know they have the the nice lead in already with AEW. I wouldn't be shocked if in a few weeks we find out this is something that's you, you can get exclusively on the TNT app. You know, yes. <laughs> and, and not even something that's like airing uh, all the time. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if the people support this one. Just a little backstage. They threw so there were fifty things that happened on the show for the record yes. too, and it was just oh, it it's, does. it's it's good and bad. There are a few things. It's like oh, okay, I'm glad they did that, but then there's a few that are just like I got to take my breath, take take a yeah. deep breath because it's a little too much. Andrade interacts with Penta Phoenix. He kind of mentions someone to go after those AEW tag team titles. I will say that that. This is what I'm worried about with the Sammy Guevara Miro stuff. So yes. the tag match was awesome at the at All Out. The cage match, Young Bucks, uh, Penta and Phoenix, incredible. But we were kind of talking about how there wasn't any buildup to it because they had just won a number one contenders match a few days before. It wasn't like there were weeks of of building this match up. So when they won. These tag team titles don't feel nearly as big as they did when they were with the Young Bucks right now. They kind of feel out of sight. Oh, out of absolutely agree. I wish I could say opposite, but no. Look, I, I and look, WWE has been very, very guilty with this with some of their tag team championships, especially the women's tag team championships. Um, heck, even the Raw tag team championships. So look again, it's not just AEW, but this is what happens when you just put matches together and somebody wins a title. And it just kind of like, okay, it goes from there week by week, whatever happens, you know? This this happens even when, hell, when big baby faces win titles, a lot of times right after they win, it's kind of like a dead downer because they, they you know, the chase to win and then they don't know what to do. So e- that'll happen even with Daniel Bryan after winning WrestleMania. They had to, he put him in a match with Kane and it was kind of like, oh, really? You know, this or that. You got to have plans for everybody. Win or yes. lose, what you're going to do moving forward You got to have that storyboard We used to hear that WWE had everybody Mapped out six months to a year They would sit at the pool with Pat Patterson And they're, you know <laughs> And then run, run, jot everything down You know, whatever And probably doing some coke And who knows what else But, but, but we we um with, with the Miro Sammy G stuff Because Everybody's telling me whenever I'll say things like where's Hangman Page Oh don't worry long-term storytelling right? This is, this is great long-term storytelling Well I haven't there hasn't no, been another ch- There hasn't been another chapter in two months To this story <laughs> To this story It's like a book that I it, Okay like where's where? So I'm waiting on that to be this great long-term storytelling Even though Daniel Bryan is obviously like in the main event picture right now and, 100% And then with some of the other titles We kind of get these Hot shot where okay Sammy won I don't know if that was the right time For him to win the Lucha Brothers win Awesome match Did they really need the titles though When the elite It's kind of cool when they have all the titles yes. It's kind of cool when they come out yes. and they're doing their Elite elite you know they've <laughs> got the, the the tag titles And Kenny's got the world title And now you could even Cole could kind of get pissed off at some point That he doesn't have a title that could even be something, you know, with with them. But I don't, yeah, because for example, we get to the the what they've been doing with their title feuds have been concerning me because 
you know, we we get to Brit Ruby. Ruby cuts a promo, and this was the problem that we said when she came in, and they said we said we all knew she was going to debut in that battle royal and be the Joker. What's going to happen? You don't want her to lose the battle royal right off the bat. You don't want her to win the battle royal and then have to go right to a match with Brit because Brit's not ready to lose the title either. And I still cannot believe that if you wanted Ruby to lose, why did you not just have her get pinned? Why do you have her tap out? Which makes it 50 times worse. She's got to come back and cut a promo here and says, you know, she'll stock up wins and work her way back up. And Brit mocks her afterwards. Just a week ago, they felt like they were on the same level. And now Brit feels just like she's above her again. And, and Ruby's yes. back down below. Yes. Um, I, I would have been okay with her even losing the, the Casino Royale Battle Royal match because it's <clears throat> you're not actually losing it, especially if she makes it to the final two or three and, and gets eliminated. Or, back or, in or after getting right. eliminated, it throws her out again, right? Or maybe it was, at that point, it was Jamie Hayter and, a, and the Brit girls saying, we don't want you to be the one. And they come back in, they throw her out, and then she's got to get through Jamie. She's got to get through, uh, and she, she builds it up a little bit, but... I everything they did with this felt a little bit off. And now again, I'm not using crowd reaction as a gauge because AEW goes crazy go for, everything, for everything, which is cool, which is really good. But if somebody, you know, somebody's response is, well, the crowd really, really liked it. The crowd likes every single thing they do. There's no way every single thing they do is perfect. There are. I'm kind of gauging it. A lot of the things with the volume down when I'm watching the TV. I, I don't watch it with the volume down, but that's kind of how what I'm what I'm saying is how would I be watching it from home versus the live experience? Anyone that goes to a live AEW show, you're singing along, you're cheering. That's got to be awesome. That's got to be great to go to. I'm just kind of you know when we do here is we're talking more about the product that we see uh, on TV, and I don't I don't think this was a good a good job with the woman who. As soon as Ruby was on this roster, she felt like the second biggest woman star. A big, yes. Like yes. right away. Right away. Was and she on Wednesday night at all? They, they cut that promo. That's all. It was just okay. that little promo where Ruby said, you know, I lost. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. And, you know, coming out here and getting the response. And then they, they cheated me out of it. And, you know, I know I have to go back to the, the back of the line and stock up some wins. And that was what, stupid. I hate yeah. that. Yeah, no, no, it's coming back to me. I just missed it over the nose. That I hate that type of promo. It's I stupid. Know. It, it just makes no sense. And if you look, if you're you talk about long long term planning, their next pay per view is November the thirteenth. We've got a pretty long. That that's that's a while. That, that's almost a month and a half. That's six weeks, and I don't like. And do we have we have on Rampage coming up? I think we have a triple threat women's match, right? With which, Jade, which, Nyla, and Thunder Rosa. That's which, probably like an unofficial number one contender. Well, let match. me tell you this: I'm not going to give you a spoiler. I'm not. I'm not. I, I was told by this by somebody in attendance. This was a horrible, horrible match. Eek. And Eek. you're who who you think wins it does not win it. I'll, I'll just, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I was told that in a text last okay. night. Eek. It, it was just Eek. not good. It was Eek. not good. So we'll see where they, they yeah, they didn't, they didn't say it's a number one contenders match, but if you're, if they've already, we've, 
we we talked about it because they've talked about it. The long term plan for the for 2022, the first quarter of next year is to put Britt and Thunder Rosa back together. Mm -hmm. And I would assume Britt's still going to have the title then. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe this is going to be one of those feuds where you don't have it. Will it feel less important? Uh, uh, You know, know. hey, did Britt have the title? When her and Thunder Rosa worked the uh, no, because Thunder Rosa beat her, match. right? Okay. Thunder Rosa beat her, and then so Britain she doesn't need after. So okay, so in all actuality, she doesn't need to have the title then. No, and you know because that was the thing for like Britt was over before the title. She was fine over. Was yes. she was way more over it, than it, it she took, that, it took and, them too long to put this title mm-hmm, on her. Exactly, that's what it was. Okay, um, okay, but you're right, like. It just is weird because Ruby felt like someone who would have been perfect to build to the November pay-per-view. And win the title. Yeah, you could have had her build to the November and then win, and that would have been fine. And then you can have whatever ends up happening with Britt moving forward. She's not going to be the champion for five years. You know you know what I mean? Like, she's going to lose the title at some point. That's fine. And Ruby felt like the like a, a really hot new act. And, you know, we hear about all these, the men who may be coming in and, most of them have come in so far already to AEW. I don't know how many, you know, in the next couple months they even have, but we didn't hear a lot of, of women except for Ruby. She was the no. only one that was rumored. So it's not like they've got three or four other big name women coming in that they're waiting on. It just I felt mean, like that was and your some- your one women's match, and I get it. I see why they did it because they've kind of had this little Ongoing storyline with uh, Negative one or minus one Whatever whatever he's called It's Anna Jay and Ty Conti With Penelope Ford and the Bunny Which was not very good You know, it, it was a bad It was not a good match I, You had a, a, a Sheeta promo, right? That was mixed in there somewhere um, But, you know, just going Just discussing the women's picture In AEW I think they've recently signed Kiara Hogan I mean, that Look, no offense, that doesn't do anything for you. She's going to be on Monday and Tuesday night YouTubes. She may get a match here and there on Wednesday night or Friday night that's taped. But I guess there's, there's one, not like, a lot of big. There's not a lot of big name. No, and you know, like, I like agents that's going to come in and help out. I will. I will give them credit because I do think, like, I like. I like Ty Conti. I oh, think, she, <laughs> and I like Anna J. Anna J. Both. You know what? And I think that the two of them. Are are actually improving quite a bit. Yes, they're yes. and they're like they're in an okay spot for what they are. But the problem is neither one of them is on the level of a women's world champion. You know, no, not at all. That's unfortunate. If, if there was like a women's tag division or something, they'd be a good. They'd be in a good spot there. You know, like that would be a good spot for them. But they don't need that in AEW because they don't have enough women's depth. So that's not right. like something they would be good in the. In a not world title of the women But like I like Ty Conti I think she's improving I think she's getting better She's a good fall she just seems like She's one of those people that seems like she's just So genuine She feels like everybody loves her If you watch her on social media everybody just Seems like they're, she just is A really sweet person and the crowd starts To get behind her and Anna Jay same thing it's like I don't have a problem with either of them But I don't you're right it just is so it's such a weird division what they're doing right now. There is nobody at all that feels like if you put them in the ring with Brit, I guess maybe Thunder Rosa because you can just call back on the like Thunder Rosa has beat her and they've had that badass view. But nobody feels on her level. Nobody. Right. Does. 
at all. And we'll see uh, what they do with uh, Sheeta. As you mentioned, she's looking for her 50th win. So we saw her cut a little promo. And then we saw Anna Jay and Tay Conti beat the Bunny and Penelope Ford and Negative One celebrating with them post match. So a feel good moment there. We did get, uh, you know, I guess a couple women's segments, but there were, I mean, a lot of women. We saw Brandy. We, but very briefly saw the, the uh, Ruby and and Britt. It wasn't like this women's match was all that long. There were more women on the show, but wasn't uh wasn't anything you know really. Groundbreaking uh, whatsoever Um, Darby See they didn't really have They don't really know what they're doing with Moxley and Kingston Right now you know They're just kind of (laughs) floating around in no man's land Because Darby was in the six man tag with them Against Bear uh, Bear Country And and, uh, the the baby faces Get the win Moxley, Kingston and Darby Get the win and we'll While we're talking Darby we'll we'll kind of talk All about Darby and Oh my god I gotta say MJF man I uh man, this guy, whether it's whether it's something that the you listening likes or not, he will take chances that nobody else will. And he is willing to play the role of a murderer in a movie, right? Every in a movie, there's bad guys. People have to play those roles. Somebody has to play the killer. Somebody has to play the bad guy. You're still going to get paid. You still have to do your job well. That doesn't mean you're a truly horrible human being. But you know what? I I think MJF might be a truly horrible human being. <laughs> He's just he, dude. The stuff that he says and how he says it, and he's cutting this promo on the pillars of AEW, and he says, uh, you know, the the pillars are are, are, are us young guys. He mentions uh. Sammy Guevara who he beat He mentions Jungle Boy who he beat Himself and then Darby Allen And then you know Darby interrupts him He says Darby You're straight edge and, and that's great You know why you're straight edge And he goes on to tell a story about how Darby's uncle Died in a car accident Because he was drunk Because of <laughs> drunk driving And yeah. a, this was a true story And everything too yeah. and this is why Darby Doesn't do drugs or and doesn't drink is because he's had and this is why almost anyone who is straight edged it, it's something like that it's something with their family you know they had a dad that drank and hit them or something along those lines to where they don't have fun having a drink like everybody else does and mjf gets into all of that he says but you know what darby the wrong person died <laughs> he says you should have died and i mean it is it's like you almost laugh because it's so outlandish. You know, it's so out there that it's obvious that MJF and these guys are talking backstage and clearing this crap. Like oh, he's not sure. cut right, yeah. he's not cutting this out there like on the whim, but you you almost want to laugh because he you're like, he didn't just do that. He did he really went that far and he he does. I mean, he was talking about Brian Pillman being in hell last couple weeks, and now he's <laughs> Talking about how it should have been Okay so let's let's do that Let's do the count one more time throughout the week We got Goldberg threatening murder On Monday We've got we've got Arn talking about Busting out the Glocks here On Wednesday And then a little later In the show on Wednesday We got him talking about how Somebody should have died Instead it was just a lot of killing on uh, on wrestling TV this this week, Koopaloop. But holy crap, man! 
Um, it was see, give me some MJF Darby. You know, I'm excited for this for these two yes. guys. These are the yeah. kind of things that I want to see here in and. And Darby can't really cut promos You know he tried he came out he, he said I think he said something like I know you're trying to get in my head And you know I'm not I'm not I'm just not gonna let it and that pissed MJ Off even more I, I think The match th- this is what I like this is a build you let MJF Do it you know poor Pillman Junior he he's done He's back to YouTube you know We're, we're probably not gonna see much of him anymore I, I, I think this Match probably delivers a lot More than the MJF um, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. match because this will be more like MJF Jungle Boy. Remember that? Yeah. That was good. Yes. That was good stuff. And these two guys, the crowd, the crowd's going to help this match because the crowd really hates MJF and they really like Darby. And so they'll 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 add to this. MJF will give you the old school heel wrestling style. Darby's going to try to do crazy stuff, and we'll end up getting just a great. I think this will be a really good. Like, I'm. I'm as excited for this storyline as maybe anything happening in AEW right now. And just after this one, one week, 100% dude. So a couple more things to hit on as we finish up with the chat. Leo, Leo Rush is back. Bobby Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. And, um, you know, Leo has, uh, He's had some problems uh, personally. He's got some injury issues too. Hopefully, he's healthy because, like Leo Rush or not, he is as impressive in a ring and and can move as quick as maybe any wrestler I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. He he really is in that ricochet. Like, give me Leo Rush, Ricochet, and Reggie in a triple threat. <laughs> you know, like give me those three guys just. Doing everything they can acrobatic You don't you know you kind of try to Explain it to someone like oh watch This Leo guy he's really fast But you can't he is one Of the few that when you watch him You actually go oh wow Oh oh wow like That guy can do it and so Who knows what his you know uh, Personal issues are and hopefully he's got them Ironed out because he's another one Like he just he adds something different And I'd love to see Leo Rush have some 10 minute matches on TV I'd love to see Leo Rush go at it with Brian Danielson Yeah I could just Throw something together that would be awesome Or Adam Cole like staring at him While Rush is doing all these crazy Things and Adam Cole like Giving him the look that Adam Cole gave Jungle Boy When Jungle Boy kicked out of uh, of his You know of the Panama He's looking at him like who the F are you To dare (laughs) kick out of My finishing move you know Like so yeah Leo Rush if, if, if he if he could stay healthy, uh, you know he, he's re- retired several times. If he could stay healthy and stay out of trouble, and uh, I think he's he's got a pretty good shot to to put on some good matches here in AEW. We got a sixteen man tag team matchup. This yes. reminded me of the old Survivor Series. <laughs> 10, 10 uh, or 5 tag teams on each side And there would be just 20 people standing around the ring And uh, uh, <laughs> this, you know, like you'd imagine with a, a match like this Is it's going to get crazy But there, th- this was, of, of the stuff, all the Brody stuff that they were doing This was the one that I, I liked the most And it just felt yes. like it hit home the most Because this is what it, what, you have everybody that's It's in this sort of self-contained angle, right? It's not about involved with the title or it's not involved with any of the titles or anything. And it's a, a, a way to to get Brody's wife 
actually out on on the the show. So what happens is it's the Hardy family office versus the Dark Order and Orange Cassidy, and we've seen the Dark Order. You know they've been having dissension. They've been having inner fighting. They don't know who their leader is right now, and so they started to to have you know arguments and disagreements. And Brody's wife came out and she remind them that this is all for Brody, and that was that was what they needed to. Back on the right track and to remember that this is this night in particular was all about their friend and a tribute to their former leader. And so th- then we got a really cool finishing sequence where they're just all these crazy finishing <laughs> moves and back and forth and this and that and the crowd got into it. So, th- yeah, from like a, the for the feel good stuff on the show, I, I like this way more than like this hit something. This I felt something when I watched this way more than I did with like Sammy winning the TNT title because I didn't register that with Brody Lee as much as I did with the Dark Order as Brody's guys, you know. Yeah, this this meant a lot more. Um, I, I again, hopefully we get some kind of clear, you know, what we're doing with Sammy. Uh, I hope Miro's not shoved to the side, but I, I was perfectly fine with this. And now what what we're getting a hair versus hair match. Friday night, Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. I don't that was think good. I, I, a couple weeks ago, how Hardy did it though, where he's like, "We're gonna do a hair versus hair match," and he just point, he like, <laughs> Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. I, that, that, that I like that. I, I, I do like that stuff, and I don't think Orange Cassidy is gonna get his head shaved. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I don't no. Well, well it, this is usually, you usually have the heels get shaved because it's so much more yes. fun. You watch yeah, the heels, the whole down, yeah. Put him yeah. in the barber suit. You, you get the buzzer <laughs> on him and everything. And uh, oh, it hurts too, right? I've oh, seen no. blood come out. Me of too. Before. Oh like, yeah. God, actually, be safe. Cr- crazy, uh, Coop, with with this. So when I started, um, when I was working at TVG, and it was in 2010, was when I started there, and they started. They were doing that the late double show. The for the yep. young the young people show on Friday nights, and so I would it would be me every week, and I'd have to pick against a more established handicapper, and we'd see who would win, and and so I ended up winning, and and on the last week, I had to pick one horse, and and they gave me a couple hundred dollars all for everybody that I beat to 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 bet, but if I lost. They were gonna have to shave my head, and we actually had the barber chair out there at, at Del Mar. And we even, <laughs> like early in the day, they're like, "Okay, here's Gino, and if if he wins, <laughs> he's gonna to keep the money, and if not, he's gonna be in the barber." So I did a little segment where I'm like sitting in the barber chair, spinning around, and I'm like walking Where's up to all. The, I know I'm walking up to the tools, like you see this? You're not gonna cut this hair. <laughs> like I'm just trash talking the scissors, and I'm like grabbing things, and I'm telling That's fantastic. them. It was funny. I, I think it was Frank Miramati who I ended up going against. And m- best of all, the horse wins. I got to keep the money. I was going crazy. This was like six, eight months into me working at TVG. And this was like one of the biggest moments of my you know, like professional life at this point. It was a Friday night. I'm down in Del Mar. People are coming up to me like, I saw you. You won that thing, right? And I'm just like, I'm, pu- I'm bobbing and weaving afterwards. Going over. I'm punching and I'm like, you know, I'm loving it. And it reminds yes, me. Champs. Uh, You're going over. Everybody's oh, going yeah. crazy. The, the, oh, crowd, yeah. the crowd goes home happy. And the, best, <laughs> the funniest thing about all of that was, so that was like in September of 2010. And in October of 2010, I got cancer and had to shave my head anyways. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was Damn I, the I luck. Was like, 
I was like, dang, I, I, the gimmick caught up with me. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually, I had to pick that head. Limited so gimmick, man. <laughs> it was limited. <laughs> As we finished up here with, uh, we got an FTR promo. It's like, like these guys, they cut a good promo, but you just tapped out to Sting last week. Oh, Tully, just these old guys, man. No offense, but how old's Tully now? 67, 68 years old. Yeah. And again, where is Jake Roberts? Lance Archer? There's no Lance. There's no Jake. I just some weird kind of like I don't know, man. It's just again, it's what you get is what you get with AEW each week. And the problem with the final thing that we'll talk about, we have the Dan Lambert promo with Scorpion yeah. Ethan Page. He calls out Jericho after, and it's it's fine. It's just this promo was sort of the same as MJF's promo, and right. there were. There were like three or four people who were kind of going with the we're not getting our TV time angle. It, it, the, the problem is, it's like, in line. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they're going to. I just don't get the sense still that this is like a major angle with Lambert and these two guys. And I like Ethan Page and I like Scorpio Sky, but it's funny. Scorpio Sky says. A year ago, I told you all that I wasn't getting enough attention. <laughs> and it's been a year, and nothing has changed. It's still nothing. And so that's where I I worry, because it's just... they thought at the beginning they would some kind, somehow get some mainstream media because of... The top team and thing. Yeah, but America top team and bring it has not been... America top team in years and years. I do follow a little MMA and UFC stuff, but bringing those guys into AEW, it just doesn't do it. WWE has done it. It hasn't done very well, unless you're going to make one of those guys a wrestler and they're going to get involved with a match, do it with somebody that people really know. And I, I think this is just a swing and miss. It's now you're just taking time away. I don't have a problem with the promo. Um, it's just kind of the same song and dance now with Lambert each and every week. I agree. I agree. It's, you know, man, we'll see what happens with, with Jericho and uh, if he, you know, obviously they're going to continue to feud at this point, but he's show doing a fun. lot of music. Uh, uh, Fozzie's on, on doing a lot of tours, so he's yeah. not going to be around a whole lot. That's a good point. He's probably going to just pop up maybe here and there for a while, and he might have timed it for at a good time, too, because he knew with. Punk and Brian, Dan, Brian Danielson and Cole and some of them coming in like you you wouldn't need Jericho quite as much now because you do have other big faces um, and, and big names on the show. And I, I thought the show was solid, like a fine show, some positives, some negatives, some things I critiqued, a couple very solid matches, um, some booking decisions that I didn't love. But uh, the, the, the Brody tribute stuff with the dark order was my favorite of the Brody stuff that they were trying to lean into. I thought that ended up working good seeing the wife out there and uh and negative one and just you know coming off of this show we it, it does make me realize how important the you know everything they did with Brody and the Brody tribute show and how they handled it because that's probably why Punk's back here. That's something that Brian Danielson mentioned also That yeah. he appreciates how they handled it Adam Cole mentioned it too We saw Adam Cole at the funeral Taking uh, super kicks from negative one You know yeah. and yeah. He's even joked that like he's got to get his heat back Or whatever you know from him And so these these guys In a world nowadays in particular Where so much is public Coop, We know everything about everybody online On social media um, They really respected that AEW Was able to keep a lot of stuff under wraps And this was a, a feel-good show 
And uh, a feel good ending even with Sammy winning Even though it may not have been the right timing for for all of this We'll, we'll see moving forward because I got a feeling I don't think it's come out yet I'm still looking like you said we're recording this a little earlier than normal So the ratings probably won't be out for a couple hours from when, when we're recording on the, on Thursday morning But I don't it's got to be a lot lower than it was last week right You would because, think that feeling it, it may surprise you what was last week one two one one yeah, and see, I think that I just think that's kind of where they, like you said at the beginning, I just kind of think that's their home now. I think they're in the, you know, with with dynamite. I think they're just in the nine fifty to one 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 two range, based yeah. on you know what the night is and what other shows are on and and what else is happening because there wasn't that much incredible stuff booked for this show. So if no, compared to have, what was an, booked, for, what do we have an anniversary show next week? Yeah, uh, two, two year, I think. We have a casino ladder match, which will be fine. Yep, you have yep. uh, Sheeta and Serena Deeb. I don't know why they're going with that match for their women's match, but yeah, whatever. Chad Coop, Coop a loop, my man will be here with us each and every week talking wrestling on that's what G said podcast on this week in wrestling. And uh, I guess one more thing to uh, to mention before we go: the Bray Wyatt rumors. We we've heard more and more that it might be Impact. Maybe. I see that. That that's. You know, kudos to them. You know, the thing with Impact is they tape probably once every four to five weeks. And it seems like uh, their pay-per-views are fine. Their their pay-per-views are are like takeovers. They're really, really good. There's title changes. There's a lot of action. And then you get to these these television shows that you that you tape Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I know they probably don't have the means, maybe and or the money to do live shows every week, but it's their weekly shows that struggle. Look, they have talent. I like those guys and girls, but it's it's a hard two hours to watch. I I, I mean, look, I love Steve Macklin. I love Matt Cardona. Um, I, I love Deanna Perrazzo. There are some really good wrestlers on that show. It's just the way that show is executed is just not good. That's my only complaint with it. We'll see if uh, Wyndham Rotunda or whatever he will be uh, <laughs> named, uh, moving forward where he shows up is uh, anytime there's anything happening in the world of wrestling, you're going to hear about it right here on That's What G Said with Chad Cooper. My man, Koopa Loop, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, do you have any football <laughs> plays for us before we let you go? Yeah. I got one, man. Uh, Clemson uh, is coming off a, you know, pretty terrible uh, last couple of games. Uh, I, look, they're 0-4 against the spread this year. This is not the Clemson of old. I know they're home at Death Valley, but look, Boston College, undefeated, right? Coming in, maybe. Uh, they're getting 16 points. Um as an away dog, 16-6-1 against the spread. And I know Clemson has owned this series, but look, you've had some pretty good quarterbacks for Clemson who have owned this series. Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, it, 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 it Taj Boyd, it, it, excuse me, it goes back. I'm taking Boston College plus 16 uh, to cover in Death Valley. BC and the plus money for Koopa Loop. My man, keep it rolling this week. Good luck with your plays. Thank you so much for helping us out again and have a nice weekend. You got it, Gino. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more. On uh, That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Thank you to Kubloop for helping us out with another uh, edition of This Week in Wrestling. For Eric, uh, 
Thanks to him for helping with all the great football analysis. Don't forget to follow along with us Sunday morning on the BTV streams. Santa Anita racing all weekend long. Get involved in those contests on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, give me a follow. It's me, Gino B, on social media. I will post all of that information out there for you. Thanks so much, folks, and good luck this weekend.